Special episode 15, Four Gun Damcon Years, is edited by Dollar Relance, covers episodes 69, Stark Raving Madhouse, version 2, to episode 92, Should Old Acquaintances Be Forgot, minusing special episodes 12, 13, and 14. Thank you guys, take care of yourselves, and give us another great year. Fate. What is fate? Suck. Right. This podcast is terrible. Yes. Worst podcast ever. Hey, how come he's not responding? It's awesome. <laughs> It's like the Arthurian. It's the, it's the Arthurian legend, pretty much. I mean, if King Arthur was wasn't <laughs> Jack Arthur. in the beginning. I mean, granted, I don't expect to become king. Oh, please. The other Neo, Neo era from uh, Genoda, he nicknamed uh, Mitsuo Fukuda as Flashback Amal Fukuda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that. The world rejects me, so I'll destroy the world because you know I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, he, he is. He he is a Gundam. That's his name. <laughs> Forget yeah. Sasuna say I am good. He just likes older women. He could. He could, and that's smooth. Yeah. Big up Setsuna. I approve. Uh-huh. Oh, you didn't you didn't like you didn't like the lost colony of Moon Moon? Anti-visual USA. Must all Bushito. We'll spare the town of Boston in memory of Sir Todd Guinness. He's dead. He's dead. Drake Luff is dead. <laughs> he gets burned. That's because he was a secret pedal bear. You know, we want the prisoner alive. Okay. Boom. That, that scene is still fresh in like, my mind. It's like, did I overdo it? Well, the look he gives to Sam. Tomino smash. I brought you this model and a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do it together, Mr. Tomino? There he is. There's the boogie. It's like, go down with the ship, man. I can't leave this kitchen. Listen to my opinion. Some, like, tin can soup can from, from some cave in the 1970s. Broadcasting live from, from the is, is Nixon still president? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Have you heard about some thing called Watergate? Yeah, get his ass. It is think Earth is the center of the universe. <laughs> shit. You know anything. <laughs> This is his armor doing something like Yeah, man, well, he's just he's, he's, he's channeling his inner Voldemort, man. <laughs> Chris, here. This guy. This guy is just getting it bad. I feel bad for him. So much. Because in episode one, like, his leg gets broken because he can't even get out of the hangar because. Gafford was a spawn camper. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's trying to fight a heavy horse.
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and for this next topic, we're going to be digging into the topic submission thread and covering a topic that was recommended to us by a listener, in this case, Gundam Maker Zero One, who says, I'd like to know the cast's opinions on the crappiest and or complicated weapons and mecha in Gundam and other mecha shows. An example would be the Requiem Super Weapon from Gundam Sea Destiny. So... Stole our thunder, huh? Yeah, I guess so, right out of the gate. So I figured, hey, this would make a great topic. Why don't we discuss dumb super weapons from anime shows? And uh, what better way to start than with Requiem? <laughs> Requiem! Yeah. So, right out of the gate, as I said, we're going to jump in, and uh, sorry in advance, Jabman, but um, you're going to start You're gonna start shedding some tears at some point, probably. So, Requiem, a, a lunar cannon that um, uses uh, chunks of abandoned colonies outfitted with Geshmitic Panzer beam deflection to deflect beams all over space in any direction. So you can hit targets in space, right such as you. yes, you can hit um, you could hit the plants from the opposite side of the moon. You can hit the Earth. You can hit all manner of crap. Um, I would have to say, without a doubt, one of the dumbest super weapons ever. Yeah. And in its defense, it's a great weapon for a surprise one-time use. Yeah. Because if you're situated on the opposite side of the moon at a plant, you would never expect an attack to come from where it came from. Exactly. So if it, if it only works best as a one-time attack, you really got to make sure that you hit it the first time. And they tried to uh, hit Aprilius 1, the capital of the plants, and they failed. They did hit a couple of other plants and cause a bunch of havoc. But um, after that, it just became a, a battle of capture Requiem and destroy its relay stations. So why is this a dumb weapon? Well, you need multiple relay stations if you want to point it in any specific direction. Exactly. So you don't even have to bother destroying the cannon itself. You just have to destroy these relay stations, which are just chunks of colony cylinders. Yeah. So, gentlemen, comments on Requiem. With colonies that you'd never seen before in, uh, in that in that in that uh universe or actually no. well they they had they had only they had, that, yeah. they had O'Neill right, colonies they in uh in the seed universe most of which were destroyed by the beginning of the first seed so that's yeah, not something that's right. out of out of the ordinary i was that was i forgot the big reveal of uh uh rala crusade <laughs> yes i'm not i'm your father moo no <laughs> or even heliopolis <laughs> or heliopolis too so but anyway requiem um yeah, pretty stupid. Other than other than hearing the uh, the villains of Seed having you know to to to, to really uh, fight hard to say the name, there's really not much to look for. The fat guy from the Orb. Oh yeah, it, it, it was it was always a treat to have them say it, more so than have them fire. And um, it's 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 in a long list list of super weapons that have terrible aim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, even with all of the fancy like beam oh. bending, they still couldn't hit their target. Oh my gosh, man! Uh, yeah. uh, unlike uh, you know other shows, like if you have a super weapon that gets so hyped but can't shoot for shit, uh, that's just a bad super weapon. <laughs> Straight up and down. But yeah, old Requiem. Uh, not much to say about it except it's uh, it's it's it's, it's def it definitely belongs in this list, most definitely. <laughs> Paul, any any comments on uh, 
on Requiem? No, you guys pretty much hit it all there. I mean, what else can you say about something where you can only pretty much use it once? And for all of the super hyper technology of bending the beam, you still couldn't even get even close to what you were aiming for. I mean, I guess it was shocking because they were able to hit those other colonies. But, you know, in the end, you'd have to give it a, a D for uh, performance because you're supposed to hit Aprilius uh, and you hit uh, one of the other ones. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> so, what about um, what was the suit that uh, Charlie Bull used or the mobile arm? Oh God, the, the the bra bro. Thank oh, you. God. Thank you. That was pretty dumb. <laughs> For a new type weapon, I expected better. Low but, uh, rent Elmeth. Yeah, exactly. Xeon had a lot of leftover designs on the table that they just had to get out there and test. What what were you guys' thoughts on um cuz I I wasn't ever really crazy about the super weapon but you know it, its size was like the only thing that I guess was intimidating about it what I'm talking about is the psycho gun shown in both yeah. Zeta and double Zeta I guess gun. I guess the, I guess what is it the explanation it's so big because they couldn't get the psycom any smaller yeah and, yeah and and especially putting it on earth mm-hmm. which with the gravity is yeah. a factor <laughs> And the awesome fortress mode. <laughs> well, you know, for, for, for the Titans, you got to imagine that the intimidation factor of, you know, this big black flying fortress comes in mm-hmm. swooping out of nowhere. Then it transforms into a giant black Gundam. And you know you're in trouble. Well, the thing is, is with the Titans, that you know, they, they were the... They were going against Zeon, but they were like Zeon's little brother because uh, <laughs> all the, all they did was just recycle all the Zeon technology oh, they captured in the war. The high Zok. We'll, we'll take the Zaku and put like uh, the the GM vents and stuff on it, and we'll just call it the high Zok. Well, it's really a Zaku. But maybe there's hi- some truth to this, but maybe some of the, I mean, if there's any backstory made for this, maybe some of the the designers that worked on suits for Zeta. I mean, for for the Zeon, well, no, that that's that's yeah, that's the about. that's the truth. That's but the thing is, is the, the the point being, you saw how well this stuff worked out with for Xeon. Why are you going to incorporate all this crap what into the, yours? Well, the thing is, I think that in concept, there's nothing wrong with the Psycho Gundam. Mm-hmm. But in execution, um, don't let it be piloted by crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they, they, they first they let a crazy person pilot it for. Mm-hmm. Then they made her even crazier and made her pilot it again. Yeah. Then they go and they make the Mark II, mm-hmm. and they put super crazy Rosamia inside of it. <laughs> Stark bananas. Ring, 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 banana phone. Which is why, if you notice, the, the, the Mark II gets much better usage in Double Zeta yes. when, uh, when Pudu II uses it, because she's, she's not crazy. She's not nuts. <laughs> she's just a child. She's just evil. But... <laughs> and she also makes good use of uh, the Queen Mansa. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> which basically was the Psycho Gundam combined with the Cubile. Yep, pretty much, yeah. So that, 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 I think that should be rule number one. Don't let crazy people pilot your super weapons. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reevaluate their psychological state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, um, now I'm going to put it over to you. Any straight talking? Because I know we'll have mailbag, but is there any straight talking for this uh, this you know, uh, episode? I, I did have one in mind, but my, my heart's not in it today because okay. it's such a ceaseless struggle against morons. So I'm just going to do it as a hit and run. Very simple. 
Um, stop complaining so far in advance about casting in comic book movies. The end. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm referring specifically to The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, then again, I, what are they, from what you have run into, who are they complaining about more? Uh, both, both actors and actresses or, um, are well, there's two, or the other? two complaints. Okay. One, the use of Bane as a villain at all, but that's right. coming usually from, I've noticed, morons who their conception of Bane is the god awful Batman and Robin movie. Yeah. Which completely raped his character. Exactly. The other complaint, very obviously, is casting Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle. Wow. You know, it's funny because there's been a, a big contingency on the internet who have wanted her to be Catwoman for years to the point where they have actually done mock-ups of her as Catwoman with Photoshop. And it just gives you an idea of what she'll look like in the movie. Although she'll probably look like nothing we, we've seen there, but she looks like she fits the role. Plus, the woman can act, which is awesome because, um, you know... Even if, even if she couldn't act, which she can, she's, she's yeah. a good actress, mm -hmm. just her in leather with yeah. whips. <laughs> Yeah. That's all. What that's more all. do you? What more do you need? That's all you had to yet, say. <laughs> yet a lot of people are complaining about it, and mm -hmm. as I would have noted, had this been a long-form rant, you know, a lot of people complained five years ago about the casting of Chris Heath Joker. Ledger as the Joker, including a certain co-founder of MHQ who shall remain nameless. Ooh, <laughs> <no way>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you a hint. It's not me. <laughs> Let's move on, and I want to break this up into a couple of different topics. Right. And first, uh, the the very big, big topic about this movie, Aliens in Gundam, first time Ooh. ever. So, Solbro, let's hear your thoughts. What do you think about this what about specific the aspect of the movie? What about the winged whale, man? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Forget that. He's a fraud. Oh, He's a man. cameo. Like, like, the, like the Loch Ness Monster. Just a fraud. Uh, but um, no, I, I, the ELS, it was, it was an interesting concept. I was always wondering, uh, I'm always wondering what an alien invasion or alien in, in involvement in a Gundam series would be like. And to see that they finally jumped the shark, or in, a, in a sense, uh, when it comes to the ELS, they finally you know, went ahead and did it, was, was a pretty brave move for a Gundam series. Uh, you know, they, they hinted towards this throughout the first and the second season. Um, I remember there was an episode in uh, season one where they showed the Jupiter expedition and there was something, you know, just odd about, you know, the abandoned ships that were there. And you always wondered what the deal was with that. And they finally explained it in this movie and a little bits in season two, which, you know, also foreshadowed this. But to see it actually executed in this movie, it was nice to see that they weren't humanoid, but some other kind of creature that, you know, you know, we, we'd have very little in common with. And just to see that it would just be a, a very tough uh, crossover to to get through to these aliens to convince them that we could coexist and um, you know just just a big hurdle that Setsuna would have to go through. Um, I I like the concept of them. Um, I was a little weirded out by them too, but I mean that's the whole point. You know xenophobia because everybody was experiencing that in the movie with the fact that you know Earth was going to get invaded by these aliens. So and um, the fact that they also had some qualities like the T one thousand was kind of cool too. Um, like the scene where, uh, of course, my man Saji, you know, he throws a steel chair. It's a wonder that ribbons didn't absorb it and throw it right back at him. But you know, <laughs> well, you, well uh, but, you know, you got to remember the T1000. They would analyze things as a threat and no threat. So maybe, you know, liquid metal mm -hmm. ribbons is like, oh, no threat, even though he threw something at me because <laughs> it's Saji. So completely weak, man. Yeah, acquire targets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like how Setson appeared on himself a little when he saw a T1000 ribbons though. I was like, oh my god, you're back. <laughs> um, animation looked great, music was great. Um, I even liked the uh, 
the the movie that they they showed at the final battle. That was kind of the the Gurren Laganized movie there. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that was hilarious. And um, I, you know, the, I I will give Saji somewhat props on that. He's like thinking what, as he's watching it with his friend, and, and he left. He's like, ah, I really didn't go that way, you know. It, it but really his, didn't yeah, his biggest lament is I wasn't in it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and the people who were were like a bunch of made up. You had this like hot blooded super robot version of Setsuna. Yep. You had some dude in glasses who kind of resembles Tiaria. You had some little girl with pink hair, and then some giant black dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then when they went Trans Am, they all turned their own primary color of their suit. So it's just and, like... and and they all did this like super robot attack. And you have like um, a heads doing like Gurren Lagann sunglasses boomerang attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was funny. And, and you have the uh, the Alvator that that kind of looks like a like a gold version of the the Lazengan now. Yeah. <laughs> With like lizard tail. Yeah. That was awesome. That was hilarious. But, um, you know, in terms, like I said, in terms of the story, it was good. Um, the music was great, and I, I liked the epilogue at the end because that really sewed up everything, and it really kind of showed that this is it for Double O, pretty mm-hmm. much for. Um, you know, for anything animated. I mean, like I stated earlier, I'm sure we'll still keep getting mangas here and there and everywhere. But, um, you know, it, and, and I'm actually good with this. I mean, I, what I've always liked about Double O, each of the seasons and, and now the movie is, if they never created another one, I was good with it. Like I said, I was always good with season one. If they didn't do a season two, I was good with that. You know, because it, they, they, they actually knew how to end something and, you know, end that story. And just like with um, with season two, same thing. And with uh, Awakening of Trailblazer, um, it's uh, it's it's the same way. I mean, because when they were on screen, uh, you know, Saji was uh, dedicated to Louise. He he stepped up and went to go volunteer for the for for the uh, for the engineers working in space. Um, you had uh, Patrick, where he had a pretty much the female relationship and his relationship with uh, Kati, but. Um, it was cool, you know. You thought he was gonna finally die, and then he just gets thrown out the mech. <laughs> and that's the scene I probably laughed the hardest. Um, seeing Graham die was was tough because I always thought that he was kind of indestructible too. But he gave his life up for a good cause, man. He 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 paved. What's it? Uh, he turned the he up the turn the tide, so Setsuna could get yeah, inside. The the, is, yeah. is, with his character, you can't go any further with it. He, he was he and became that was the thing. It's he like became senpai in the end, man. He's he, a warrior. Yeah, and they're they're in a situation where. They wanted peace. Yeah, I mean he's not, he's he's not a, he's not a person meant for peace. So he went, it's like he he went from he went from rival to mass man to senpai all throughout the course of the series. He was he was he was kind of he was kind of sitting the senpai at the end, and he was telling him to you know wake up and 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 all that stuff, and he was he was going to hold the fort until he got back, and then uh, when Setsuna got per, back, perhaps right? to awaken awaken and, and be a trailblazer <laughs> and be a trailblazer. Really, these are. These are. <laughs> These are shocking, shocking revelations that you're making now. One thing I noticed, it's sort of, uh, I don't know if it's deliberate, but it seems like it's a callback to Shard's counterattack, that the very opening scene is some characters talking about a Gundam, in this case, uh, Linda and Ian, Mm -hmm. and you see a brief flash of the incomplete new Gundam and EU. Mm-hmm. N.E.W. Gundam <laughs> it, it, with, it, before it, the opening credits, mm-hmm. pretty much exactly like it was Shar's counterattack. It was a definite nod to it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And you've got the main character starting off with a different mobile suit. 
Mm-hmm. In this case, a ghetto repaired version of his old one before he can upgrade to the new NEW one that he's been waiting for. That is funny. <laughs> All the battles and wars that they had. <laughs> Maybe so. But... Yeah, they, they, they still got to the same result, but not down the exact path that he was probably hoping for. Yeah. So, before we close this out, any additional last-minute comments? I thought the movie was excellent. I hope it comes out here on Blu-ray uh, sometime in the future, uh, as well as DVD, which we'll see it coming. But chances are it'll be on DVD and not Blu-ray, but it, it looked gorgeous. In the, what's that? Ben and I were talking about it. Oh, not gonna happen. damn. Yeah. Well, even, even though we give them free publicity of it, uh, it's not going to happen. Well, uh, I look forward to owning it in the in the very near future. And um, her, Ben, I hurry up and bring it out here. Um, not really much more I could say. I mean, I, I think right. if I'm going to do it on the MHQ thing, I'd probably give it maybe like four and a half stars. So that's about it. So, so bro? Oh, uh, man, I'm kind of torn. Um, four and a half sounds about right. Uh, yeah, four and a half. I'd say four and a half is good. Okay. Uh, I gave it four and a half in my view, so I guess we're pretty much in agreement on that. <laughs> since since we're all fan wankers for Double O, right? There you go. Yeah, there we you will go. not be on. We will not revisit this in the anime spoiler. We're we're serious since um, we're serious since MD guys. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, that wraps up this uh, segment, and uh, probably ran a little bit longer than we would have expected. But like I said at the beginning, that this is probably the last time we're going to be talking about double O in such a detailed fashion and uh, hopefully we'll never have to hear about King Arthur again, ever. Until he gets his own show. <laughs> I'll keep dreaming. If you want to keep if you want to keep you want to keep dreaming these these uh, these silly ideas you you uh, keep on keeping on. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at HQ. <laughs> Who else? Trace Kushinada. The, the, the smoothest puppet master there is. I mean... God would approve of the steps we're taking. Yeah, I mean, just 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 the crap that's coming out of his mouth. And it's like, you know what? This guy, I, I know I know he's he's just wanting world domination, but damn, mm-hmm. there's something believable about him. And, 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 in, and in a lot of ways, he's, he's just like Oberstein. Um, you know, he what he's saying... It, is true and you know and, and especially at the end when you know the, the whole embodiment of trying to be you know having humanity see this the only path to pacifism is see, having humanity experience the horrors of war and um, you know his whole thing against the mobile dolls and you know how can you really learn from war if you if you're sitting back and uh, you know using a joystick to uh, to play war <laughs> basically <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, he manipulates everybody. I mean, he, he, uh, another guy that's just, uh, manipulates women like crazy. Ooh. Um, he's got, you know, lady on up and down, the the whole thing with splitting her. personalities for him. Splitting, yeah. Splitting personalities for him. A woman who's clearly insane yet. And he, he can make her sane and do what he, <laughs> and somebody that started off seemed like they were sane, Wu Fei, and ends up mm-hmm. becoming insane Man. all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy never really heals from it. Wow. <laughs> Not even I, in Endless Waltz, man. He's still scarred from that grab. I mean, the, his, his big balls moment is that time when, uh, you know, Wu Fei, it's very early in the series where Wu Fei, like, um, catches up to his yacht, and he, like, Trace is just sitting in, sitting in his lounge having a glass of brandy reading a book. Like, he stands up with his sword. 
<laughs> and it's just like, whoa, okay. Wufei takes the challenge, gets beat in the sword match, and <laughs> Trey says, it was a good fight. We should do it again. It's just like, like, it's like Wufei was trying to box a god. <laughs> and the crap, the, the crap when um, he tricked all the, uh, what is it, Marshal Noventa and the whole like hierarchy of the, the, uh, the military into that thing. Please take our shuttle because mm-hmm. we... It's it's super fast and stuff, and he knew it was it's safe and also it. has an Oz target planted on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just throughout the oops, whole... I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that last part. Yeah. He manipulated Hero too, right? When dude, he, he manipulated him, dude, all. he even manipulated Hero, giving him his own suit at the yeah. time, <laughs> and he purposely gave him the wrong suit. Here, take this evil looking, <laughs> take this evil looking gun, do. Do with it what you will. What? He talked him into using just the bad guy crazy. <laughs> he talked that man into using the bad guy suit. I mean, that's just... <laughs> the evil-looking dragon... No. The dragon suit, I mean. Wow, dude. That guy was magnificent for certain, man. I, <laughs> I mean, he played everybody. Here, take this certified evil Gundam that will drive you nuts. Okay. <laughs> well, right over. Mission accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> and, and 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 then and then Trace Kush Renata fight it and then, and then fight my former lieutenant and then just give it to him, <laughs> <laughs> making himself a sacrificial lamb as he had made many other many other characters in order to get to the point where they got to. You know, he had, he had brought up the fact that he recalled every name of every person who died under yeah, his command. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, it made Wu Fei pee himself. Oh, it's pretty gangster. He's just like, he's like, Lady Yon, how many people have we lost today? <laughs> and he just starts going like a, a roll call. Yeah, but even like, before that, when, when, even before that, when Wu Fei's like doing his Gundam babbling of, do you know how many people have died because of you? And, and Trace is like, yes, 99,538. Lady Yon, what are today's totals? <laughs> and Wu Fei's like, what? <laughs> That man had to answer for everything. And then, he, then, he, everything. then he said something like, you know, give the, give their families my uh, my, my best wishes. And it's yep. just like, oh my God, are you serious? No, he said what he said was uh, what, no, he said was um, go over the names with me later when I get back. Yeah, that's oh right. Oh my gosh, <laughs> dude! If there was a Super Robot Wars game with him and Lelouch in it, I would love to see them just play chess. <laughs> I just love to see those two play chess uh, and see how that game would go down because it would it would probably be a draw. It probably would, <laughs> so. but no. Trey's is is probably the perfect example of all master manipulators and, and puppet just masters. A, just a shame he got wasted. We can't take oh. him to another universe. Put that man in double O, and I mean, you, you'd have a well, you'd have a crazy situation. <laughs> so, but um, that, that that's it for me. For yeah, Trace. exchange, ex- search and replace Alejandro with uh, Trey. Yeah, but in, in double O, you had Alejandro who was the. The low rent trays. Oh yeah. my god, he was such a poor replacement for trays. He, he's not even in the. He's not even with the line of sight. He had of that the man. fanciness. <laughs> he had the fanciness, but not the strategy. None yeah. of the skill. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. Strike zero. Since Sobro is happily married, he is not required to answer the following. Fairly simple question. Please tell us whom you guys would pick as your mecha anime waifu. Well, in the interests of being interesting, I'm gonna force. Sobro answer this question and hard mode hard mode <laughs> and machine is not allowed as a choice and to be fair I'll even give myself a restriction Diana Sorrel is not a choice there you go uh, that oh, is so this is like Wafu is like your dream chick yeah, wa- yeah okay yeah, pretty much who would you pick as your wife um, out of the mecha anime chicks mm. 
uh, that we have seen in um, in mecha anime? Um, man, it's a hard question. If uh, Emma Sheen's not a part of that, damn you, damn you, Chris. I'll let you go. I'll let well, you go first. Then. All right. Go ahead. I, I'd like to say I'll, I'll answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to say for this question, I become Mormon. Mormon. So I have uh, various. <laughs> I have various wise. Uh, first we'll one. Would, first well, one you can't would say be. <laughs> first one would be um, uh, Cheryl Gnome because uh, oh, she, she, she can work. Mm-hmm. She's making the cash. Uh, yes, it would be Captain Romulus. Captain I knew, Jiggles. I knew you were picked it. And um, also for those really, uh, really um, nights that you know you just get real angry, mm-hmm. uh, the major. The major man. Yes. Oh my God. Well, I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I'm gonna still one of Chris's. Oh, and 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 my last one, because you know I am I am a Mormon, so I can admire right. various wives. Um, uh, sailor, just for the fact. So, so no, no, so Miragi in there, man? No drunky? Well, I, I have uh, the original Captain Jones. Oh, yeah, true. So I, I don't have. Well, to... you're thinking her too, Jesus. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, some for me, damn uh, man. I always had also had always had a thing for Misa Hayase, and um, and um. Damn it! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think I'll stop. I'll also take various lovelies from uh, Super Robot Wars, including Excellent Browning, uh, mm. both, both uh, Aya and Mai Kobayashi, and pretty much every other female in um, Super Robot Wars, except for Flag Chested John and Latuni. Sorry, Peter, you can have them instead. <laughs> You can keep the DFCs. You can take you take them. You can have those two. I'll take out everybody else. Nice. If you have a if you have a cup size smaller than the feet, you not apply. Damn. That's 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 a that's a good policy to live by. So there you go. I'm sorry, female female listeners. <laughs> I bet you some of our female listeners would probably think the same way. Hey, you know what? You might be right. And like we always say when it comes to things like this, there are going to be massive spoilers. So uh, <laughs> I do not want to see any uh, any lawsuits from people saying that we re- uh, we reduce their enjoyment of Macross Frontier movie by uh, spoiling this stuff. Because uh, if you're if you're downloading this, you have the ability to fast forward. So I'm going to tell you right now, fast forward because uh, the three of us are going to spoil the absolute crap out of this. So. Um, I guess we'll, I'll put this over to Chris first. Um, some of his thoughts, some of the things that he thought was um, great about this, some of the things he liked about uh, the changes from the original show to the uh, to the actual movie, and um, you know everything in between. So, uh, Senior Chris. Oh well, yeah, you mentioned that it roughly covers the first seven episodes of the TV series, and. While it does, it's not an exact comparison because right. everyone who watches this movie sees the way they get to that point is so different from how things happen in the TV show. So one of the noticeable differences is that at the very beginning of the movie, Alto and Ranka are already friends. Yes. They do not meet the way that they do in the TV show. They already know each other for some presumably long length of time, and you can see from the get-go that she's got the hot for him. But then, of course, he's oblivious to it. Of course. <laughs> we call him Domo Kashu Part 2. <laughs> 
So obviously we're all fans of franchises that have been around for years and we've been into them for years. So what for you uh, is the enduring appeal of Votom that you're still a very big fan of it almost 30 years later? <laughs> um, well, the thing that drew me to it in the beginning was the design and, um, and the aesthetic of the show, which was very, very basic and very stripped down. Um, it's almost, uh, I, I've said this before, it's not so much designed as it is reduced down to its barest elements. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to do that, you have to dispense with all pretense. And um, what, en- what ends up in the, on the finished page is something that, um, that can't be second-guessed. It just goes straight forward. It knows exactly the direction it's going. And it's up to you to follow it along. Um, and you don't have to dig through a lot of preamble or a lot of nonsense or um, superfluous design for design's sake. Um, everything that's in the show has a purpose and a meaning. Um, there's nothing that's filler. There's no throwaway. Um, and so I think that sets it apart from a lot of anime, especially stuff that we see today. Um, I mean, there's good stuff today, but there's also, um, I think, a higher percentage of stuff that's just done for cash-in purposes. Yeah. And um, I think Votums will always be more satisfying in the end, even if it doesn't quite compete visually with modern techniques. Um, which is why I'm glad they're still doing some new stuff because now we can see what you know in our mind's eye what uh, the original show looked like um, when it was cutting edge. I'd always thought it would be a joint investment between both parties to do that, but well, Adam, you've been you've been doing this podcast long enough. How many yeah. times have we gone over this issue yeah. of oh, yeah. I, Japanese I, companies? They think that the U.S. market is exactly like their own, and yeah. that they can just copy and paste what they do there over but, here and get the same results. But after twenty years, you'd expect change. You know, <laughs> why why does the U.S. still have an embargo against Cuba for fifty years? You'd expect yeah. change, right? Yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> so, I don't know what I was thinking. Sure, go ahead. Hey, um, Tim, I'm a huge fan of anything uh, Mazimoto too, and I'm like you. I, I saw Star Blazers as a kid, and I love the Captain Harlock, Galaxy Railways, all that stuff. And by, by Mazimoto, I assume you mean Leiji Matsumoto. Leiji uh, Matsumoto, yeah. <laughs> manga great and animation creator. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm French, not directly there, so it must be kind of the correlation because I know everybody in in France goes crazy for that guy. But I, I've always loved it just because of the whole kind of, um, you know, the, the, the look, you know, the, the look of the, the characters, um, you know, the, the uniforms, everything like that. And I know that there was a, you know, a motto uh, movie that was done last year um, in Japan. And I've been just kind of reading some things online. It looks like that that whole type of show, and, and like you said, it is a very landmark uh, show. Uh, for its time and you know and and for the actual anime industry as it is because it did set a, a new standard for things um, do you see that there's a renewed interest of um, this happening and is this one of these as you said and as we notice a lot of things are starting to get adapted is this something that maybe in your circles that you uh, you know you you deal with that could possibly be done as um, maybe an American production or something like that I'm, I'm not a huge anime adaptation person but i think something like that would be really kind of cool um to do uh well it has to be done really carefully yeah Um, 
Exactly. Space Battleship Yamato is as big in Japan as Star Trek is here. Yeah. So doing eventually doing a live action version of that was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a question of if; it was a question of when. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad it finally happened. And I I love the movie; it's fantastic. Yeah, I still have to check it out myself, but I, I was really looking forward to it. But uh, it'll probably be on DVD by mid year, so I highly recommend it. How, how's the Steven Tyler song? Uh, it's great. Is it really? Okay, I was just about him. Yeah. No. It's uh, emotionally, it's a perfect fit. I'll just oh, say. Really? Yeah, because you hear it at the very end of the movie, and it's right after this amazing emotional climax, and it's it's a perfect bed to lie back into after that experience. Oh, that's awesome. And you heard it here, folks. You can, you can read all about the movie at starblazers.com. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. But that's all in Japan. Transplanting everything over here is a whole different animal because, yeah. you know, movie companies are not exactly innovators. They will yeah. not... Uh, if they have an option of creating something original or grabbing a license everyone knows about, you know which way they're going to go. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so then the question becomes, do enough people know about License X to make it worth dumping all the money into it for a feature film? The latest one we heard about was Robotech. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> which is on again, off again. And uh, Hopefully that's completely off again. <laughs> we also occasionally hear about James Cameron wanting to do Battle Angel Alita, but yeah. now, now that he's decided to um, inflict two more Avatar movies on us, yeah. oh. probably won't get around to that. Yeah, Battle Angel much. Alita is is the uh, Duke Nukem Forever of movies now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It just like just like Spider Man was in the '90s when um, James Cameron was going to do that. Yeah. Um, knowing from his track record, this is never going to be made, which is sad because when he first announced it, I was all excited. I was reading the mangas at the time, and I think it would be. What he had planned to to do with that series, um, it would have turned out phenomenal. But uh, he now, now, now he's just going to be content torturing poor uh, George Lucas by making more movies with that camera. <laughs> <laughs> now, wouldn't you love to see him move on to Alita right after Avatar with I, I, all of his uh, technical expertise? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And give us something, um, something that most people had never has never seen before. I, I with all with, with what I saw in Avatar, I saw that as a demo for what uh, Alita could have looked like, and and now we'll never get Gunnam. Ma- uh, ma- makes you makes you kind of realize maybe he doesn't really have as much there as he as he says he does. Yeah, it, that could you be know. the case. But it's James Cameron, man. He he has the the highest grossing movie of all time. I, mean, I know, I'm but sure if you don't parties would have been. I know, but if you don't have something. a story down, yeah, you know that that's what I meant by that comment. True. So. He has some some vote homes questions here. He says, at the end of Roots of Ambition, Pales in is shocked to see Chirigo still alive, at which point Chirigo says something to him which the audience can't hear. Has it ever been revealed what exactly Chirigo said? Rosebud. <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. It was revealed in the novelization, and um, I had access to some translations, so I included it in the graphic novel. And the line is, no one controls me. Not even God. That's wow. that's Jericho. That sums him up perfectly. <laughs> yes, there is hacking and a whole bunch of technical babble talk of you know hacker techniques and all of that, but much more focus is played on political maneuvering. Yeah, we have as a recurring character in this season, Prime Minister Kayabuki, who is referred to like even in front of her face, and even she refers to herself as just like a, a puppet stand-in. Damn. You know, she's the she's the first Japanese uh, prime minister who's a woman, yep. but you can tell they're just putting her there, sort of like a pretty face, 
to sort of whitewash the scandals of the previous administration that was brought down by the Laughing Man incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely fiction. Uh, Japan, a woman Japanese prime minister. So we well, hey, it's one. it's the future. It's just like how we used to have in our movies here. You could tell it was the future because of a black, black president. president. Yes, sir. <laughs> it, yeah, she, she's she's nothing more than the paper champion in that show. <laughs> she's basically just the 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 Japanese Morgan Freeman in this role. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of a cheerleader in this one. Yes, like like Neo mentioned, um, I do like that they go into a lot more background about the world. They talk a lot in this show about World War Four. Yes, Which was only mentioned passingly in the first series, you know, the, the nuclear World War III and the non-nuclear World War IV. And we see, you know, that World War IV just happened six years ago, and a lot of the effects are still being felt because you've got this um, refugee population from these Asian countries living in Dejima. And, you know, they're living in little ghettos. They're restricted. People, the Japanese people resent them. And this guy Gota comes in, and he plans to make perfect use of that to manipulate them into becoming rebels, so that the government can then go hawkish and right wing and yep. clear them out for his own benefit. Yep. You know, and he likes—he's he, a very theatrical sort of guy, but uh, in a sense, he sort of is like a producer who's staging a show. And everyone, even Section 9 at certain points, they're acting out their parts according to the script that he's written. Yeah. Because he's just that much of a manipulator. He basically is, he's sort of like um, like the bad version of Aramaki. Yeah. Mm. Anti-Aramaki. Which, he's, he's, he's the anti-Maki. You know, he, he, knows, <laughs> he knows how to manipulate things. He knows how to get info. He knows how to manipulate people. But he's using them for these dastardly methods of manufacturing resentment for the refugees to get rid of them and portrayed and it was it was really well done and well, actually well the best episode. one of her leaving is when she was sexually harassing the little street urchin oh yeah <laughs> he's asking her like uh asking if, if sex feels the same for her and oh, she's yeah. like you want to find out you want to like, find out it's like no screw that kid <laughs> <laughs> you know what the only excuse that kid has is if he's gay and even then you know he should at least be curious <laughs> Everybody else is trying. It was the first. Everybody else is trying to get in her pants, and, and she offers it to like a twelve-year-old street urchin, and he <laughs> turned it down <laughs> while lying next to him in bed, like almost completely naked, save but for a little tiny g-string. Yeah, kid, you that, that was that was total fail. <laughs> yeah, that kid is total fail. However, there is uh, as when that came out, someone um, did like a little four-panel like uh, like comic making fun of that, mm-hmm. and that uh, it the first two panels are the same thing. But then um, the next panel is, like, Bato's in the bathroom, naked, <laughs> like, staring out the door at this kid, like, I'm going to kill you. And the kid, the last panel is like, no, it's okay. Because <laughs> Bato's, like, ready to kill this kid if he says yes. And I think of that little comic, that little, that little fan drawing uh, every time I, I see that episode. And in and, and so many ways, that is true. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Four and a half, I don't know. Okay. For the whole season, averaged out, if I were to have reviewed it. Uh, Sobra? My rating, I'd say four and a half myself. It, no, it's a, a lot of anime don't, doesn't get better than this. Uh, you know, I, the first and second season, even keel to me. They both show two sides of two different spectrums, and I, I love this I love this series for it. So, 4.5. Okay. All right. Um, a, must re- a must see. A I, must will, see. I will use my updated MHQ scale, four and a quarter. <laughs> So, so that's a non-standard scale. Non-standard scale. It's better than a zero stars. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you in the desk of the movie. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm not looking at you. I'm only, not. Oh. I, I have nothing to do with that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking at it either. This segment of Gundam and MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam and MAHQ. If you've been following our postings on Gundam.net, you might have seen me recently review Anime Midstream's release of the Super Robot series Raijino on DVD. And we're going to be talking both about that series and its distributor today. We have as special guests Jimmy Taylor, the executive producer of the DVD release, as well as Yuki, the voice actress who portrays Jin Hyuga, the main character of Raijino. So say hello, folks. Hello. Hi. All right. <laughs> Nobody cares about you, Solo. Well, damn. <laughs> you're, you're old news. You're not the guest. This is not one of your appearances on 20 million other podcasts. Well, damn it. He's barely a host at times. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, the, the question that I've been wanting to ask the most, which I think is most appropriate as the first one, is that Anime Midstream appeared on the scene in uh, 2008 at the same time we were seeing established companies like um, Genion, Central Park Media, uh, Fold. So my question for you, Jimmy, to start things off is, why get into the anime business and why at the specific time that you did? Okay, uh, pretty much we had thought about doing it for a while. Uh, actually, we thought about doing it up back in like 05 and stuff, and we just uh, finally decided to do it because we've been going to anime conventions for many years, and it just seems that there wasn't that many, um, you know, variety out there. It's almost like, you know, every show is kind of, you know, it's not really a copy of each other, but it's like this, this is off this and off this and off this, and we're like, we need a little more variety. So we decided they never ever bring shows really back from the old days. So I talked with some people, and we all got together, and we said, hey, you know, let's pull together, let's do it. We've been talking about it for years, let's put up or shut up. And uh, we pretty much sat down at the table, we made a name, we registered it, and then boom, there we were, Anime Midstream. Mm -hmm. And um, where did you proceed from there? Did you um, seek out investors to give you capital? How did you get uh, your operation set up? Uh, to get set up, pretty much, uh, we all actually pulled together just to get started up ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you know, after getting pretty much, you know, I guess all the legal stuff out of the way where the company was, you know, officially, officially registered and all that stuff. Then we started talking, you know, to people about investing and stuff. We talked to, you know, uh, production companies, especially companies here in St. Louis because a lot of production companies here. And mm -hmm. then eventually we found uh, someone that was willing to back us and uh, been with us ever since. Mm -hmm. And uh, did any of your people have any prior experience working in the American anime licensing industry, or were you all newcomers? Um, actually, let's see, pretty much, I think myself was like one of the only original ones because I had done uh, uh, voiceovers for, um, you know, I think I think only one anime company I worked for over the years. Mm -hmm. And I also, but then a lot of the people that, even though they weren't in anime, they had, you know, production background. You know, they worked in radio or TV production or just making commercials and stuff. So everyone had some kind of production background when we all got together. Mm -hmm. So we weren't just a couple, you know, guys, okay, let's just do this. Yeah, we, we, we did work in, not just in the anime industry, but, you know, radio and TV. Mm -hmm. And.
And uh, these days, for, for the last few years, um, a lot of the Sunrise titles get released over here by Bandai Entertainment before it used to be by a lot of other companies. So how did Raijuno end up being your first license and why that specific show? Uh, actually, it was kind of luck that we got Raijuno because we had a list of old titles from like the 80s and 90s and we pretty much contacted every company. It was either unavailable or, you know, since we didn't have, you know, a title to our name, you know, they're like, well, wait till you put out a title, then we'll talk normal, normal stuff. And then it's kind of like, we're just like, mm, maybe Raijuno is available because we, and we called Sunrise and they're like, sure, it's available. Uh, what do you want to do? And that's, that's pretty much, we started from there just talking and stuff. And then we uh, found out actually who owned the rights to Raijuno through Sunrise and we struck a deal with uh, that company and uh, we got it. <laughs> It was. It's pretty. It was pretty much. It sounds a little more simpler than it was, but that's pretty much the gist of. Right on. So uh, one thing that's pretty common both in Japan and the U.S. in dubbing is to have um, female actresses play the roles of young boys because they can do sort of that <laughs> high-pitched, um, prepubescent voice. So is it odd to be playing a character of the opposite gender? Um. It's. It's kind of a funny story to tell, like, you know, your friends or whatever. They're like, oh, oh, you do that? Yeah, what do you do? Do you do, like, you know, a cute little girl? Like, no, no, I do a 10-year-old boy. And they're like, what? So it's kind of like a really funny, like, I guess, opening to the conversation. But it's it's not really weird anymore, not really odd. I think it's kind of fun because, like, when you sit there and think about it and then you, like, look at all the other, like, you know, younger boys in anime and you listen to the dubs, it's like, that's a girl. And then that kind of makes you feel a little bit more, I guess, powerful in some sense because, like, you know, guys can't do that little voice. So it's like, ha-ha, <laughs> no offense or anything. But, like, it's just, it's a lot of fun to do them because, you know, they're, they have a mind of, like, a little immature kid and, like, you get to step down to this level and you're just like, oh, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, given that you are playing a particularly uh, rascally character, uh, <laughs> you find yourself like drawing on your own like elementary school experience of yourself or of classmates and doing this part? I do. A lot of times Jimmy always tells me, he's like, okay, now put your mindset in here. So then when I do that, it just comes out so natural because I'm already like crazy and hyper. So then I sit here and I'm like, okay, I'm this kid who has this really high ego who's driving this gigantic robot. And he's like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm better than everybody here. And then when he loses, of course, everyone gets mad. So it's a lot of fun when he gets angry and stuff like that. <laughs> Which is a lot. Who seen, yeah. People who haven't seen the show or read my review, uh, Jin's a pretty interesting character because he's uh, very allergic to test taking to the point that <laughs> um, two, two episodes focus on this, and one he uh, hides his tests underneath a uh, Buddhist shrine. Stuffs <laughs> him, him in a goat's mouth. Tries to. Yeah. <laughs> and his hatred of tests gives birth to a uh, a test monster with pencil arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How hard was it to adjust to the whole lip flaps timing thing when you when you first started with um, vo voicing Jin? Not hard at all, actually. Like the like the first time I did it, it was really kind of confusing. There'd be times when he's like lip flaps, lip flaps, and then after that, you start noticing. And then like what really helps me is that I can memorize really easily. Mm -hmm. So like I try to once I get that line down, then I can look at the screen and I get it. So 
It's it's really it's it's not that complicated with me because I can memorize, but I don't know about everyone else. But it's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, and and the method we use, like uh, I think most most uh, companies use uh, like time code method where they mm-hmm. have the time codes written down when the lips are open and shut. I don't do that. I pretty much uh, use like a three beat method, so they hear mm-hmm. the mic beep like it's gonna go off, and I'm kind of like, okay, last beep, go, and <laughs> and I make them watch the scene over and over again. So by the time they're ready to do the scene, they've got it memorized. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Defender of Destiny. And, um, well, I think uh, Chris would be happy about this because of my um, my history when it comes to uh, online news sites. I usually, if I quote them, they usually get put out of business. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, from Fox News. Oh, no. And uh, it's talking about these uh, super realistic robots that were displayed in a Denmark um, exhibit. Uh, just uh, display their product of a, a famous um, robotics expert from Japan, and if you go to the link that Mr. Jabman has there, it's really kind of cool. It's a kind of a cool article. It um, talks about this is about the the third of uh, it's called the Geminoid series, and it's a line of androids designed by Hishiri Isiguro, a professor at Osaka University. No, shut up. And- Answer the question. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> this is Fox News. This isn't O'Reilly News. But oh yeah, Fox answer the News, question. Fox, Foxnews.com, fair and balanced. So this is, and it says, this is funny because it's the title of it is the creepiest, most real re- realistic robot ever. <laughs> so, but it's kind of cool because they have some uh, YouTube um, videos on there and check it out because it shows some of the things that they did. So, uh, thank you, Mister Jabman Zero Two Five, Defender of Destiny, for your submission. Thank you. Sad news. Um, this is from Hayakashiki, and uh, Kristen Solbro probably know this person. This coming from the Anime News Network is uh, Khan Tokamaru passes away at 69. He was uh, best known as the the voice of Gaia of the Black Tristars. So uh, he also had some roles as Fali in Daiyaku Miryu Gai King. Um, he was Guy in the first Gundam movie trilogy. Um, he was also did some. Ep- Oh, he was also Captain Harlock for two episodes, and so kind of sad. I guess he was battling some uh, long illness, so he's dead at 69. I guess there's no other better age to die than 69. Hey, my uh, he was he was some voices in some of my favorite fighting games like Darkstalkers and and Street Fighter Three. He was mm-hmm. he was some voices, some characters in there. So you can't ever stop talking about Capcom, can you? Know, Every really. day. I thought this Every would be a day. Capcom free episode. <laughs> Why don't you just make a, a Capcom cast? I make it the next project of Shinju, Shinjuku Station. Forget about at the movies. You're onto something, you actually. Just... I'm, I'm a little ahead of you. <laughs> and you and you can do it as a video one because when you walk in, you can have like the the altar with like uh, self Killian's picture up there. Nice. And Daigo right next to it. Daigo <laughs> next and, to and, it. And maybe Justin Wong if we have time. <laughs> You sit there and, and, and you do some chanting of, like, the different move settings and all that. Mm-hmm. Why don't you set up a uh, a Capcom church to the counterpart to the Jedi church? <laughs> yeah. You could be the, 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 the Grand Dragon. <laughs> what was uh, what was Ryu's uh, master? Gin? <laughs> his, what was his name? His master was Goken. 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 Yeah. So all, you can be... All get, praise Goken. You can be Master Goken. And Gotetsu. Yes. Um, I'm that nerdy. You can call yourself the the Church of Shadow Law. <laughs> you can dress up like Bison. May Bison bless you. But yeah, um, and l- and thus the Lord said, <laughs> for you it was the most important moment of your life. For me it was Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> thus the Lord has spoken. Oh 
All praise be to Lord Bison. Lord Bison. Bison dollars. So, uh, but um, yeah. Um, I, my, I'll trade you this banana for five bisons. <laughs> <laughs> I'll trade you uh, five hundred banana points for Microsoft for that bison. You can't trade banana money for banana money. Oh, that's counterproductive. Damn it! <laughs> the whole point is to trade banana money for real money. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of mine. I, I wanted to see how smart you were. <laughs> But in all serious, uh, much respect to uh, uh, Tokamaru-san, and um, my, my heart goes out to his family and, and loved ones. And, a 21 uh, Shoryuken salute. Yes, I'll, 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 I'll be glad to get Is that how you're going to get buried? Hey, are you, are, are you, you're like one of those people with like uh, those KISS fans that get buried in the KISS coffin. Oh, yeah. Like um, uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera when he got shot uh, horribly and he was buried. He was buried in a KISS coffin. Are you going to be what? Give, Oh yeah, wow. he's a huge. He was a huge Kiss fan, Holy but gosh. yeah, the Kiss coffin. Are you going to have like a Capcom coffin and like be buried in twenty-one? <laughs> I'd like to have Daigo at my at, at my funeral and Speaking do a twenty-one Shoryuken salute so, to tw- me. Twenty-one Hadouken salute. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're going to get buried with your with your arcade stick and uh, mm. all your copies of the game. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Consoles and whatnot. No, not the consoles, because they don't have anything to deal with the consoles. But the, because um, they'll have the consoles in heaven. Actually, your hell would be a heaven without Capcom. And make it? sure they put two. It plays two. every game except ones made by Capcom. And, and make sure they, <laughs> they don't have two. a licensing agreement. <laughs> make sure they put two arcade tokens on my eyes. That is, um, that that for the guy, the, for the for the man of the river sticks. See us. Let's, let's, let's move on. All right. Away from this. This bizarre tangent. Oh my god! All I was gonna say, if um, if Austin was God, that's how he would give you hell. As he he'd have every game for you in heaven except the ones made by Capcom. It's all SNK. <laughs> no Capcom. But uh, thank you, Mr. Hayaku Shiki, for your submission. He also asks, "What do you think of my movie idea? Chris's counterattack. Neo could be Amuro, and Solbro could be the real rock guy." <laughs> Really, that's what I can be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to be Armoro because he's got bad hair, and he's 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 too stuck up on Lala. He kind of but, worked his hair out by the time yeah. Shawshank came along. Beforehand, I, yeah, he, he had, he, I just I just want to say one thing, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I do abhor violence. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 the thing I could I could jump out of a moving jeep though. I mean, I do like action sequences, so I wouldn't mind playing that part. There you go, and man. Jumping out and you know doing a flying uh, spear to, to Chris. <laughs> that's, that's the Michael Bay in you. Yeah. Was well, number one, it wasn't dubbed. Right. Yeah. And two, they borked the subtitle track because it was closed caption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can attest so, to that. I remember that. I had it. I, so you the, had fun things like you know things like guns firing, birds chirping, dog barking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bato depressed. No, it didn't Bato. say that. No, it did because I because uh, um, I have that release of, on the DVD and um, yeah, that that's I was sitting there watching it and after like the first three minutes, I'm like, why the hell does it keep saying birds chirping and horn honking and <laughs> computer sound and stuff like this? And then I think maybe a week or two later, that's when they instituted their um, the the replacement policy where you just went online. Oh, gosh. They sent you an envelope. And they gave you the right one, and then you had to um, send the other one back. So yeah, the interesting thing is that in the UK, the movie was licensed by Mangler. Oh, so nice. Mangler, they did their own dub, and then eventually they uh, come up on the they come up on the titles though on the release that I have. It's you have DreamWorks, and then Mangler, and then Go Fish. 
because I watched it. I watched it yesterday because I hadn't I hadn't seen it since it came out, and uh, I noticed that I was like, "Oh, Mangler Entertainment, nice." There you go. And then about two years ago, somehow the rights ended up falling into Bandai's hands, and they released it on DVD and Blu-ray. So they went and they did an entirely new dub, but using the the English cast from Standalone Complex. Amen. Yeah, I need to I need to get that. I think that, it's time to sell that DVD. When I refreshed uh, my viewing of the movie, that's the version I watched, and so it was I. it was uh, it was definitely a blessing. I watched the crappy version. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Uh, Oshi is definitely a man of, of of three things. That's a man that loves his rotoscoping because there's a shitload in this movie, and I, I, I like rotoscoping too, where they where they do a lot of that motion capture for each character, and it makes it look really fluid, um, which makes this movie look incredible when they when they pull off the the set pieces. Especially my favorite scene is uh the scene in the uh in the store where Bato pretty much loses his shit for a moment when he gets hacked into. <laughs> it's just very surreal. But I really um, didn't like that as much as him going up to the Yakuza. And oh, that was cool. He kept too. saying he was just going to go and talk to them the whole time. And oh, just yeah. ends up blowing the crap out of all of them. <laughs> Togus is like, I thought you were going to talk to them. I was like, well, I think this they is showed a the conversation you went. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like the uncle on uh, South Park. Mm-hmm. He's head right for us. I almost got Togus killed, too. But uh, that was a very good set piece also. Uh, uh, the other two things that uh, Oshi loves are his uh, musical montages of uh, of scenery. <laughs> Which, I can uh, already guess what your third one is. And the third one, oh God! If, if no, if, if it isn't well, well, no, before you say it, Chris, what do you think it is? Let's see. Basset Let's, hounds. But yes, um, his basset hound is definitely his yeah. obsession, and it shows in this movie because you see that dog. I thought the first move, the first movie that he directed, had that dog in it plenty, but this movie takes it to a whole new level for no reason at all. <laughs> for no reason, and you know, I, I like dogs too, but it's like, dude, Oshi, every film you make, your dog has to appear in it, even on the movie poster. Come on, homie. We get it. You like basset hounds, and 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 it's cool to see Bato actually. Um, you see that that caring side of him because you know he's hard on the outside, gooey on the inside. He's but, a mopey teddy bear. But you know they had practically a porn scene <laughs> of dog of dog carrying porn, where you know you see Bato taking care of his dog, feeding it, putting vitamins in his bowl. You know all this care he's taking towards his dog. A scene that probably runs about five minutes. And it gives you a little insight in his character and how lonely he is, but still, uh, you know, it's like, wow, you, you, you really love your dog, Oshi. You really do. And it shows in this movie. But, um, didn't oh, he, uh, does that remind you of that line from, uh, Galactic Heroes? The, the, the man who is loved by no one but is loved a dog. by a dog. Exactly. <laughs> Oberstein. Except Bato is a, Bato is a little bit more likable to everybody than Oberstein is, but yeah. <laughs> Because so what is it? The uh, the dog eats is. I mean, Bato. It, it, it to even do the 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 care of showing Bato take the dog's ears out of the bowl because mm-hmm. it's sitting there eating. Oh yeah. And, and you have dogs with big flappy ears. Sometimes they get their their ears get stuck in their dog bowls, and uh, he's doing that. And then he goes to the uh, in the recliner with Bato. It's just like oh Sleep. man, falls asleep on his lap. You know, that's like man. Yeah, I know. It's funny though because if you think about it, it's like. Uh, didn't uh, didn't the sheriff and the Dukes of Hazards have a uh, yeah he had a basset hound. hound? Yep, you talking so, about boss hog. Bato is the Japanese uh, sheriff from Dukes of Hazards. <laughs> He's the Japanese boss hog. What? <laughs> no, it wasn't boss hog. It was oh, uh, uh, Roscoe Pico train. He oh a, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it yeah. would be Roscoe.
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to our Ghost in the Show Roundup 2 for 1 here on Gundam at MAHQ. Um, for this segment, our final segment for Ghost in the Shell Roundup, we're finally going to be touching upon the movie uh, conclusion, well, so far the conclusion of the Ghost in the Shell uh, standalone complex series, Solid State Society. This movie came out in 2006 and picks up two years after uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex second gig ended. Um, things have changed in Section 9. You've got uh, Togusa, who's now in charge of the ground troops for Section 9. You've got a whole bunch of new recruits there. Uh, Aramaki is watching things from pretty much the sidelines and, and, and trying to guide Section 9 into a much bigger organization where it can, it can, it can continue on without its uh, major players and, and be independent and take on multiple cases at a time. And uh, you have Bato, who is playing the, uh, what's it, uh, he's playing the Maverick and just taking on cases that only interest him because uh, he misses a, a certain special someone. He's a mopey teddy bear. <laughs> he's, he's mopey, but not as mopey as like the a, previous movie we he's reviewed. He's a low-rent major. He's trying to be solo like she used he's, to be. He's, he's trying to have that ounce yeah. of cool that the major totally embodies by um, taking he's up not cases. As, he's not as mopey in this one as he was in Innocent, <laughs> so he's a, he's a little bit more. You could stand him a lot more in this one. Mm -hmm. He's taking up cases uh, that he thinks will get him closer to his, um, his beloved... As uh, unofficially, of course. Motoko. <laughs> Say that uh, when it comes to solid state society, there is so much plot in this. It's amazing they were able to squeeze it into an How hour and forty forty seven minutes. <laughs> but they did, and uh, when it comes down to it, um, well, they, they had to make up for innocence lack of plot. Oh so. damn! Yeah. And they and they sure did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get into the uh, specifics of the story as we go along, but I'm gonna turn um I'm gonna turn the mic over to Chris so that he can give his um insight on the uh, on this wonderful movie that is a uh, solid solid state society. Go for it, Chris. Well, as I teased in the last segment, uh, I mentioned that this is the movie that Innocence should have been. Oh yeah, and here's the reason why. Mm -hmm. This movie takes sort of the same loose concept as a starting point. You know, Major's gone, Bato's depressed, Section 9 is moving on mm -hmm. as a launching point for a very different story that works a lot better because, um, as you mentioned in the last segment, Section 9 got really downsized in terms of screen presence in Innocence. But mm -hmm. here, they're all there. You see Aramaki, you see Togusa, Bato, Paz, Saitu, Boma, Proto, even uh, the rookie Azuma who was introduced in uh, Second Gig. Mm -hmm. and, then, and they and, all have stuff to do. And those mechanics for the Tachikomas. Hell yeah. Yeah, those dudes are always wearing those, those weird outfits. Yeah. Complaining about Bato and his, his oil. <laughs> so, you know, they all have their parts to play, just like as a TV, in the TV series, you know, a well-oiled machine that um, is doing its job mm -hmm. and is moving on even though they've lost their leader. So I do like um, some of the changes, like that Aramaki is grooming Togusa to be a leader, and Togusa, in, in accordance with that, he's gotten some prosthetics, and he's abandoned his old obsession with a revolver, Yep, yeah. and he's sort of taking on more of a leadership position, and... Um, he sure hasn't abandoned that mullet. No, he hasn't. <laughs> Definitely one of the things with this movie, um, you know, if you're aware about anything about Japanese society, you can see that this movie is making uh, commentary on Japanese society. The mm -hmm. fact that they have an aging population, that their birth rate is declining, the fact that their workforce is getting older and older because they put up obstacles to bringing in foreign workers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that um, 
Kenji Kamiyama, the director who also wrote the script for this movie, you know, oh. is trying to make the point of, you know, we talked about this in second second gig roundup that all these old people in that storyline are our age right now. Yes, right. yes, indeed. So he's basically making the point that this current age, you know, is gonna they're all gonna be old people. They're gonna be sick. They're gonna need services. You know, there's going to be less of a social safety net because you're going to have less workers contributing into um, these welfare programs, and it's going to be a big problem in many in many ways that will affect all of society. Yep. And I think this movie is a very clever way to make that point by showing how things are in the future, where we see a bunch of examples of these old people who are just literally rotting in their beds by themselves. Literally. <laughs> because they have no family and no one to take care of them. Mm -hmm. Or at least, at least it leaves you wondering if she will or not. And her and Bato, you know, got, got their little, got their little uh, closeness moment. You know, he, he snuck a little touch of that shoulder. <laughs> and the funny thing is the camera's behind them and, like, focused on her ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you see him like kind of sneaking in there, and it's like, oh, this this guy, man, he's he's I got the, he gonna... he's got the subtlety of uh, of an elephant in a china shop. I thought he was gonna go and grab a cheek, man. But uh, he, that's what I he... thought too. But he's, he's apparently not. He's not that. Uh, he's not that slick. He's not that brave either. Yeah. <laughs> One woman could kill you in point two seconds. <laughs> he went for he went for the safe play. Even even as an armored cyborg that he is. Yeah. Yeah. As badass as he is, he man jump. He jumped from a, a twenty story tower. <laughs> Onto the ground. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That scene makes me crack up too, just to see how he's flailing as he's falling, like so many stories. But um, yeah, of course he he lands unscathed. But um, yeah, uh, I, I this everything. I can't sing the praises of this movie enough. It's it doesn't lag for one moment. They squeeze so much story into this that it, it keeps you. Unlike uh, Innocence, where I, I almost fell asleep during some parts of it. <laughs> Standalone complex, solid state society. Uh, kept me completely riveted throughout the whole course of its uh, run, and I've probably watched that movie seven or eight times already. Oh my god! And um, I really enjoy it. I've got to say, it's my favorite one. Um, any um, before we get to overall review, any um, anything that you guys thought of um, to add before we close out this segment? No. Well, doggone. Well, um, overall review, Chris. Uh, what would you give it? How many stars would you give it? Hmm. Um, could be between four and four and a half. Yeah, so four and a quarter. Look at you, boy. <laughs> you can't you can't split the difference. That's that's not that's not a standard rating. You got a car yeah. that star up. Four point two. Or four point one five. Four and an eighth. Four and seven eighths. Um, what is a wrench? Or a stock ticker? I'd give it a four. Solid four. Um, what I, I think it's Chris. You'd agree it's better than second season of Double O, right? <laughs> Well, anything is because the second season of Double O is is the worst since um, you know the Bible. Yes. Oh, damn. So, but no, solid four, solid four. I give it a four point five, but we could throw decimals in there. But um, I don't know. I am. Well, you can do four and a half. I'll, I'll go four and a half. It's, it's um, the MHQ I, I scale. He does four and a half. You read, he you does read Chris's review on I, MHQ. I do read his reviews. I'm yeah, just he, trying he to does. Think. He does four and a half. You can well, say four I, and a half. I will. I will gladly give Ghost in the Shell, Solid State Society, a four and a half stars. This this movie definitely deserves it. Does and, that come uh, with a seal of a, of a guarantee? It comes oh. with the, it, it, you know what it comes with the soul bro approval. I will, the soul bro guarantee. I will put I will put my stamp on it. There that's completely go. on you then. That, that's mm. on me, man. I'll, We're not it, handling it, any of those refunds. That's all. <laughs> send your complaints to SBR MAHQ um, at gmail.com and I will tell you to f off. <laughs> so that's customer service for you. So you're, you're welcome. You, so you'll just do the troll way. There you go. 
I don't. I don't respect your opinion. F you. I learned from the internet. It's taught me everything. But uh, <laughs> if there's if there's no more to add, um, that wraps up our Ghost in the Shell roundup as well as our review of uh, Solid State Society, and we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Welcome to a sparkling new episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We've reached episode 75. That's right, it's the diamond anniversary. And in this episode, I'm joined by Neil yeah. and Chris. That's, there you go. There you go. With emphasis we emphasis on need to make, We should have made it sound more like we were, they were kind of spliced in. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're, I, I love diamonds. Thank you so much, so bro. There you go, man. It's you, just, uh, you, you thought of me. This episode means forever. So happy. <laughs> I only deal with gold because that's what I do. Oh, man. It, it's tradable. Gold but, standard. Buy your gold. Now, 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 now. That's why I'm moving to Utah. They, Paper they is dead. Buy gold from Glenn I'm Beck. I'm, I'm moving to Utah because they accept gold now for uh, for exchange. In addition what, to for, that crappy. For sandwiches? Yeah, instead of that crappy... American dollars. Uh, I'll trade you this uh, this one tenth ounce of gold dust for a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do you quantify this? <laughs> it's like, uh, can I can I have some extra cheese on that sandwich? Well, extra cheese is is that'll be that be more gold dust. That, that that's two shavings. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to let the listeners know there's no blood diamonds involved in this episode. Strictly oh. strictly conflict free. That's right. Leonardo DiCaprio reference. Oh. Movie reference. Hey, don't oh. forget about Jimon Hansu. That's right. Give us free. Because there's no such thing as actual blood diamond. That's just a concoction for Leonardo DiCaprio movie. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Neil, joined with uh, Solbro and Chris for another topic here, a, a very serious topic because we know a lot of, um, there's been a lot of uh, off-base stuff that we've been doing these last couple episodes. We really wanted to keep it serious in this. So, uh, Solbro and Chris, uh, as we do this discussion today, make sure that you have w- very well-rounded, uh, fact-based answers and make sure they're very serious. No comedy in any way. Because some yeah, people demand it. I will, I, will, I, will, I will cut you off if there's any hilarity that we're ensues. Uh, we're, we're, doing, uh, we're doing PBS Frontline style, right? <laughs> yes. 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 All right. Um, yes. Thank you, sir. Our topic today is uh, what animes pre-2000, because that's when all that, st- all that old stuff, that stuff that's horrible and looks terrible and... Well, Horribly written and all that. Um, if you, if we could have our wish list, not stuff that's already been remade, but what could be remade uh, that's pre two thousand and remade in anime form, no horrible live action adaptations by uh, somebody. So uh, I will put this off to um, Chris with his first serious answer. Yes. Well, um, <clears throat> um, in regards to this topic. Um, I must check uh, to see what the market analysis says on what the feasibility is and the viability is of marketing these anime in this uh, unsettled world and uh, when can we achieve profitability by which quarter? Oh, fourth, okay. <laughs> and, and how can we generate 
uh, market synergy with a cross-media platform. Mm. Did you do a regression Tomorrow. analysis on this? Yes. <laughs> anyway, screw that. Seriousness <laughs> is over. Serious. Serious. Gone. First thing that jumps to my mind, in part because I'm reviewing it now on, on MHQ in, in its new section, mm-hmm. Most Peta. Oh. Mm. I would love to see uh, the whole concept of Most Peta and the um, armor bike transforming thing redone with new designs and with shiny new animation. Yeah, because there, there is a pretty good story there, um, you know, hidden within all that horrible animation and reused action scenes. So. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a crying shame that um, the character designs in um, most beta were done by Yoshitaka Amano, mm-hmm. but you can barely tell because the animation does not do them justice. No, it doesn't. It hasn't <laughs> aged well at all either. I mean, that's that's really bad when something doesn't age that well especially from that time period was the majority of the series animated by anime friend i'm just i'm just kidding hey serious <laughs> be serious oh it was a legitimate hey. question the a serious question <laughs> no doubt um you know as as lacking as most people's animation could be at points it was certainly better than anime friend <laughs> worst knife fight ever <laughs> Best worst night fight ever. All that too. The the ep- episodes that do of that show do stand out to me that are very well animated are the final ones. I, I have to say towards the end they really stepped it up, but it's probably because of the length of the series and the fact that they probably um, dedicated most of the resources to how that show ends. But the the story works well. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from updating the visuals, the the one thing I would like to see done mm-hmm. in terms of changing the story is. Um, Please God, ditch the the flash dance episode oh. <laughs> in New York. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I guess that movie did have its impact at well, the you time. Well, uh, you could do Dancing with the Stars now. Oh, because that that, that, that was relevant. Flash dance was relevant back when that thing was made, and uh, that's what relevant now. <laughs> so, Boo. how how can we make it horribly dated twenty years from now? <laughs> Let's date it again. Exactly. <laughs> no doubt. So. One that I would like to see, um, not so much because the story was lacking or anything, but just to see like the visual update and to deal with like the modern issues of society uh, would be an update for Pat Labor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Pat Labor you know, was set in 1999, but it was made in 1988. So you're looking <laughs> at you know, then what was then the future through the prism of the 1980s. And that future has come and gone with there not being any labors. Right. You know, and of course, Pat Labor appeared in the 80s during, like, you know, the height of Japan's economic boom. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have all of this massive, like, building and, you know, so it makes perfect sense that they had a project, you know, in their future, like Babylon project of filling out Tokyo Bay with artificial land right. to have more land to build on. But, of course, Japan's situation is very different today, not even counting uh, the earthquake and tsunami disaster. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? The uh, the 90s or what? The lost decade? Yeah. Financially for them, so. <laughs> so, you know, if there were to be, like, a reboot of Pat Labor that was set, you know, further in the future, like, say, mid-2020s or, say, 2030, just to justify development of robots in our near future, you know, I'd mm. love to see how... It tackles, you know, the socio-political environment of Japan now, and also, uh, you know, what kind of robots would they have, you know, with the current design style compared to the um, still awesome old designs from the 80s. 
No, that's a very good pick. And and and, uh, and if anything, um, I, I out of out of all the animes I've we've named so far, I think that's probably got the a, a pretty good shot. If anything, um, you I would think, but it's like yeah. it's like kind of like the forgotten mecha anime. It seems like at times, it's so mm. people love it, but it's never really the. Fr- it never seems in. I think we're even guilty of this too. It's like the fact that our podcast has been on for so long and we haven't reviewed it. We haven't even reviewed Dude, anything yeah, that's, about, about that's Pat Labor. Nothing. You know, you, you want to know what's worse than that? The fact that MHQ has been around since Ooh. April of 2000 and it's only on April 1st of 2011 that I finally posted my first reviews for Pat Labor. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to wait for you to say that. But well, shame on you. I call you out on that. <laughs> well, in in my defense, those reviews that I did for the original OAV, I did them like almost three years ago, but for various reasons, we never got around to making that Pat Labor section until now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse us. For me, in, in in terms of like my my long my long list of disappointments in life of things that I'll never see, uh, I guess I'll have to rank a new Megazone anime up there with, uh, say, Shenmue Three. Yeah. Oh, there's been a little bit of buzz. About what what what, 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 what would actually Dude, happen? There's always first. been a little bit of buzz about Shenmue Three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've I've fallen for that too many times to ever oh, believe that st- again. Until like, I'm going to Kotaku, oh. so bro. Well, you know, Duke Nukem Forever is finally coming out. Wait a minute, it got pushed back again. Oh. Yeah, I'll believe I, that when I, I see it. I will not believe a Shenmue 3 until mm-hmm. it's out in stores yeah. and I'm holding the <laughs> disc in my hand. Yeah. Not even then, until I take it home, I put it into hopefully my PS3, uh-huh. it starts up and I see it with my own eyes playing oh in front of me. Hey, you never know, though. I, I can say because it, it's like we did get uh, in music last year Chinese Democracy from Guns N' Roses. Hey. And it took, yeah, but it took what? Axel, what, 15 years to do that? But so He was at least no. making it. <laughs> That's true. That <laughs> is true. He has never even been started. That is true. Also, Duke Nukem at least was being, made, being made for 13 yeah. years. Yeah. That game, if that for game ever years. does come out, that game just better be the most awesome shooter ever, Duke Nukem. You know it won't be. It yeah. won't be. It'll be. There's gonna be so much hype about it that it's just gonna be like, ugh. But I feel bad for Gearbox Studios. No, one that was made towards the tail end of the '90s that is regarded as one of the worst anime movies of all time. I think they should just completely write off the map and try again. Something so bad just needs to be given a chance to be remade. Hey, man, it's the only anime I believe on Mechatalk. I'm sorry, not Mechatalk, but MAHQ that has zero stars. That oh anime, boy. That anime is. You're going. The, you're going there. You're yeah. going there. <laughs> <laughs> Nadesco, the Prince of Darkness. There you go. If anything, that's something that deserves a retread, but in a no, good that, way that and a rewrite. Never be mentioned again. <laughs> you know, some people in, in in the MHQ world would disagree with you, like yeah. Peter, like, like Peter, because like he one, says it's perfect as is. Like one Destiny Gundam. <laughs> he thinks the movie is perfect, but that movie has its flaws. Um, and for you to follow up Nadesco with a movie like that, that is an insult to pretty much the majority of the, the TV show. And I think it needs a second shot. I, I, there was a, <laughs> how could you do your character? So here, here, uh, here we, um, how could here you? we've talked about things that were good mm-hmm. and we're just really kind of talking about hey, how we, they we, could be updated or, you know, maybe taking advantages of the technology we have now. Yeah. So bro is like, let's just take something really bad and make it, and really give it a good. second shot and give it a second shot. And this time don't, you know how you make that movie good is you erase it from history. <laughs> That's how you make that movie. Put good. that other one in the, in, in the bin 
and make a new one that's completely hey, different and good. You should have never watched it. It was like uh, it was like dude that did in Nadesco. He never saw the last episode of Geki Gang because <laughs> he knew it would suck. Maybe that was the point they were making. How how appropriate. <laughs> Maybe that was the point they were making. No, I don't buy but. that. I don't buy that. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so why not take advantage of the whole premise and do some good with remaking something? Uh-huh. I think it. I think it's worth. It. And I think that um, anything that's bad that was made can be remade into something good. At least not not everything, but some things can be. And I Once think again, uh, Japan is in kind of still economic crisis. So yeah, uh, yeah they they need to get out of that before they start throwing money <laughs> <laughs> around on. You know, it's like you need. Sometimes you need the sure thing. Hey, they, well, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. But that's my that's my next pick. And you guys will probably disagree, but I, I'd, I'd like them to take another stab at Southern Cross, man. I think Southern Cross, it has... It, you just, you just want to see bad shows become good. Yeah. You <laughs> can't stand the fact of something being bad and, and being left as is. Hey, you know, like a phoenix like a phoenix rises from the ashes, so can that series. Let's go. I don't think so. <laughs> Sometimes it's not just the limitations of the animation. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they had space helicopters. Who the hell thought that would be a good idea? Damn. <laughs> Damn, you had to bring that up. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> and not even space helicopters in a cool way like Zanskare space helicopters from Victory Gundam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually produced, like, you know, shields. <laughs> I mean, lame space helicopters. Yeah. yeah. That was. Yeah, weird. some of the mecha design could, could definitely go for an overhaul. I will not front, but there you go. <laughs> Southern Cross. <The> Southern Cross. <laughs> And uh, this comes from Anubis, and this is uh, off the Senkaku Complex. And there was an interesting uh, poll that was done in Japan about their favorite, uh, men's favorite hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a you know one through ten, and some of the, some of the things were like band activity, fishing, baseball, weight training, watch, watching martial arts movies, cars <laughs> and bikes, you know, normal stuff, guy things. Well, guess what came in at number six? I'm almost afraid to know. Well, why don't you guess? Um, Something moe? <laughs> is that your is that your uh, my final guess? answer? Uh, yeah, I'm sticking with that. Go ahead, Chris. Have you seen this already? Or, yes, or I've you? already seen it. Okay, so that's clearly Plamu. Plamu is number six. Right on. Yeah, uh, really? number ten is band activities. Nine solo travel. Eight other whatever that means. Seven is survival games. Six Plamu. Like wait, said. what does survival games mean? Is that like <laughs> let's take two guys and put them in in the forest and see who comes back alive? Hey, yeah, reenacting battle what royale. That, what is that? I wonder. <laughs> What is those survival games? That sounds pretty, uh, pretty Ominous. creepy. Well, what other? Other is the other one. Number eight is other. Other murder. <laughs> I mean, rape. I, I I don't know. Yeah, survival games. I'm I'm not I'm not explaining what is it. I'm just reporting the news here. Uh, number. I'm gonna five shoot is, the messenger. Number five is watching the martial arts. Four weight training, baseball at number three, and football. And I guess uh, I guess they're loving at Ice Shield. Oh, um, nice. And uh, two is fishing, and number one is cars and bikes. Which that would—that's weird. Cars and bikes, unless it means like motorcycles, because mm-hmm. I don't understand pedal bikes with um, cars. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of interesting. It could be tricked out drifting pedal bikes. That true. Word. That too. I, another thing I wanted to say is that the deaths in this shit were gruesome. 
<laughs> the way that Dogasa went out, I, I, you know, and, and, and went out and, saluting. Oh my God, did he ever, man? That guy was so pimp. Old crew cut himself, just got wasted. But um, yeah, it he was, got it was, he got victoried. Oh my, no doubt, man. Yeah, well, it, it, old Tamino would be proud. Old Tamino would be proud. Yeah, you see, not, see that not shit. This, not like, this Tamino two point that wants to make old Tamino, it really nice. Old Tamino old, said I couldn't read that better. Would've, he he would have he would have been proud. He would have sat back and said, "Nice." Tamino would have saluted. I probably would have put a little bit more detail in it. Made him suffer a little bit longer. He's like these these young punks. They know how to do it still these days. There's yeah. hope for us yet. But I, I, I love the fact that there is high stakes in this series, even though they're, they're looking for space one piece. <laughs> there's there's high stakes in this series, and um, characters get bumped off, man. Uh, just like in the first episode where the the whole crew, a whole slew of kids, got murdered. It was uh, it was it was it was it was it was it's just a constant reminder that you know they're well, nobody still stakes. got it along with uh, Professor Fanboy. Yeah, Prof- <laughs> Professor Fanboy did get uh, done in, but um. Uh, Zombie Must Die also asks, I'd like your opinions on model kits versus Rebel Tech. I have been waiting for the release of some ZOE kits, but no luck so far. I am, however, excited about the Jehudi Rebel Tech that is coming out. Have a preference? Like Rebel Tech at all? Thank you, guys. Love the show. You will see the tears of time. You will see the tears of time. I get oh. the impression that, that Zombie Must Die is, is a big Zone of the Enders fan. I'm not sure about that. but Well, I'd have to say my answer <laughs> for this question would be wait for the first episode of Laplace's Box because I'm sure they'll go into that even better than the three of us could do. <laughs> but that's, well, just, that's just my talk. Yeah, that, that's just you being evasive. Yes. <laughs> punting. Well, not even punting. I'm, I'm, it's called cross-marketing, douchebag. <laughs> douchebag? He <laughs> 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 suddenly gets some accent here. What's going hey, on? Hey, hey, what's up? Hey. Somebody's, somebody's been watching Whoa, The Sopranos Chrissy. again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in waste management, you know? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm with the Pipe Fitters Union. The Pipe Fitters Union? <laughs> oh, the Pipe yeah. Beaters. That's it. That's the ticket. <laughs> uh, Sobro, any comments on model kits versus Revel Techs? I like all, all I the, the models you built. I, hey, I, I built a few. Thanks, I, Jose. I, I, <laughs> you passed. <laughs> God, it, it, it is roast me today, man. <laughs> that is anything. Woo, son. Um, I, I like Rebel Techs because well, you admitted that you didn't build some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them I did not. I would not have the skill. Um, but yeah, the, I love the posability of Rebel Techs. But if I was to make a a a, a choice uh, as to preference, um, definitely model kits. I I, I do enjoy the uh, experience of putting them together the ones I can, uh, <laughs> or the experience of watching somebody put them together. Hey man, that that that, that, that can be that can be kind of interesting too to be showing how it's done. But yeah, model kits Dance always, for be, me, bitch. Will, always build be for my me, first bitch. choice. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, no particular preference. Uh, yeah. I do like Rebel Techs, and you can be sure I would be picking up the Jehudi Rebel Tech because, uh, yeah, I don't see us getting any Zone of the Enders model kits unless, um, you know, the mythic never announced but always demanded Zone of the Enders 3 comes out. Then maybe you'll see something. <laughs> Our next one is a comment from Matthew Grawbadger who says, Dear Gundam, I write to inform you of a momentous occasion and chance for reflection on your legacy. As I write this, episode 73 has been published and brought the total running time of all 91 Gundam publications to 7 days and 22 hours. Good oh my If God. you stay true to form in episode 74 and rattle and chug for two and a half, 
sometimes inane, often badly researched, but still interesting hours about ancient and modern Japanese cartoons. You can say with pride you devoted more than eight full days of your lives to the spiritual and cultural betterment of mankind in general and the generations who have come after you in particular. Thanks largely to your efforts and reviews of older cartoons, there's at least one Irish 19-year-old with a now lifetime addiction to legged and armed planes capable of carrying over a hundred torso-sized Budweiser missiles. <laughs> From the bottom of my pasty, red-headed heart, and on behalf of the fringe younger listeners in the non-American Anglophone world, thank you for your time and effort and your fortitude in continuing after years in the sights of an absolute shower of nameless, venomous, and frankly base retards. Sincerely, <laughs> Matthew. Oh, I don't I don't know how to feel about that comment. It's like Hey, who's who's inane and, and badly researched you, Nick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. All, all my things are fact-checked. I have a staff yeah, of... Yeah, we'll see about that, see? I have a staff of, of hundreds behind me fact-checking You're a fisticuff, see? We'll see about that. Yeah. Well, I'll have... badly researched. I'll show you what's what. Hey, Alrighty. Hey, if you want to go, I'll bring you to I'll, I'll bring you down to Florida, and you have to battle your ultimate enemy, the sun, you <laughs> pasty bastard. <laughs> no <laughs> comment. No, I, I, the, the, man. The amusing <laughs> wording thereof. I think that was that, that was an, that was an so awesome. That's what it is. Yeah, the response. Irish like to mess with you because yeah, it was do. like it was like no 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 more than you have like a comment, but then in some ways you feel like you're getting like like chastised or criticized. It's like thank we you. But it's like hey, hey man, he's Irish. He's got it hard enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, man, uh, I guess it could be worse. It could be Australian. Hey, hey man. So, that, mm. Anyway. That was an awesome, <laughs> awesome response. Thank Moving you. On. Thank you for that, Matthew. Our next comment uh, comes from the gatekeeper who has two questions. Mm -hmm. First is, what do you think of my new movie idea, Chris's counterattack? Chris can be Char, Neo could be Amuro, and Sobro could be the real rock guy. Seriously? Dummy. There! This one's a real rock! Well, mofos are on a roll today. Yeah, just <laughs> trolling on. It's the Troll Express. Oh, that is a real rock. Oh, oh, oh watch me explode. Oh, at least you make it through half of mo most of the movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> it, it, you could have been one of the guys in like the beginning battle sequence. First Still, I'm, it's just like, first let I'm me crash into this mm -hmm. this rock that may or may not be real. How dumb can you be? Well, not only <laughs> that. Realize too late. Oh, it's a real rock. Oh! Well, not only that. It's like, okay, guys, I, I got this feeling of taking a movie, put you guys in there. Two of you guys will be the main characters, and one will be just some supporting guy that mm -hmm. just we get some cheap laughs off. <laughs> well, damn. Man. Well, I hope the Soul Bro Defense Force will respond on this one. Wow. Uh, his third question is, why have the newer series, Wing C, Destiny 00, gravitated towards a select group of special pilots trying to change the world in that teenage, I know better than my parents sense, and get rid of war? Is this an alternate universe thing? Because in my opinion, most UC shows always make it clear that individual characters were essentially useless in stopping the warring powers of their universe. Mm -hmm. uh, well, two things to consider here. One, the, the audience, which is teenagers and they want things they can identify with, which is the I know better than my parents mentality. Right. And this is just an extrapolation of that. Two, I have to remember that all of the UC TV shows were done by Tamino, mm -hmm. and yeah. he is a lot older than the directors of these other shows. Specifically, he grew up in post-war Japan, you know, 
coming back from their worst defeat ever, from having their country rebuilt and fashioned in the image of America, that's going to give you an entirely different perspective on war and everything about war than people who grew up way after that. Yeah, I mean, his his view of war is not fantastical like um in in the alternate universe series where uh you know they take a you know a completely different approach with that uh, it is very true that with his series his leads are more so a cog in the machine and you know they're forced to pick a side and you know fight for that side while in um those you know those alternate reality alternate um universe series you know usually you got people who are fighting it right down the middle where you know they are trying to just stop the conflict altogether and you know they got the abilities and the equipment to do so and um you know if anything um yeah it's 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 just like you said it's a, it's it's the it's the approach of the directors and and the the people making those shows at the time yeah if you look at the shows of you know these these old guys like him or Ryosuke Takahashi mm-hmm. their worldview and the way they express that in their work is completely different from these guys of the newer generation that were born in like say the 60s and later yep and, and i think with um I think using Double O and Wing as a comparison when it comes to that is the one thing I is a little a little off because the one thing I do like about Double O is the fact that outside of Setsna, all these guys are twenty plus. Yeah, you know they're in their mid twenties with Lock On being what the, probably the oldest guy, mm-hmm. late to mid twenties. Um, you know, and like you said, there is this more of you can see with these directors the they have the more belief that one person can change all. Yeah. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can change the world and, and, and change the ills of society. And you see that in things like Wing and Double O, where, like you said, with um, Tamino and, you know, and, and other uh, his contemporaries, when they do their shows, it's mm-hmm. like you're just a means to the end. That's you're just going to be plugged into the, you know, the military-industrial complex and you're to you know, do what said government person says and even uh, in even in uc series that he that tomino didn't do that you still see that as a thing you still get that yeah, yeah. You, you still definitely get that but um you know I, also too i think it's just the, it's just the changing of you know the audience too is the fact that you know when gundam came out it was 1979 yeah. the war ended world war ii ended only 30 years before i mean still fresh we in think minds. we think of that stuff and then we we i can't even think about how it was yeah. and i think even with society it's you know it, it's it's a little bit different so who knows i'm probably wrong <laughs> so usually because you're you're badly researched and inane. badly researched ill-informed and what was the other thing it, it sometimes inane inane that's right <laughs> Your bromance with Akeda. He, he's the chairman Kaga of voice acting? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't have a bromance with Akeda. Yes, you do. No, I don't. There's more good things. Um, the director, Masami Ibari, he is, like, I love this guy. He's such a fan pleaser. Like, fan, <laughs> ser- fan service it. aside with, like, your big boobs and whatever. He's just, he knows how to have fun with things. He knows what the, the fans want to see. Like, the aforementioned Ultimate Gift Spence Kick, that was just a secret unit that you could get, and then you could pretty much put anybody in it, and they all have their own variation of the attack name. But he included, like, he knows that fans who just loved all the way the different characters, like, will scream that attack name. Especially Kyosuke in, like, PlayStation 2 Remake. He just mm-hmm. breaks his voice screaming it so loud. So when it comes 
like pretty much finds the reason to put that machine in there and has Kyosuke in it and then has him scream that attack and it's just he knows what like over the years fans are like oh this part was so awesome and all that stuff and like things become like memes or whatever but mm-hmm. and he's aware of that so he'll include that little like it's a different kind of fan service you got the sex appeal but then you got like giving them the fans what they want to see Nice. So that's awesome on his part. Like he just. Well, I have some problems with his directing style, but I've always loved his like his mecha designs and his animation work and all that stuff. And he's just oh. never. Whenever there's a Obari show announced, I know it's going to be fun. Hey man, all I know is Obari. He always brings the mechs and the boobies. <laughs> well, and how would you often mechs with boobs? Mechs with boobs. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> so his case, but we'll get to that later. Um, so eventually, as we all know, uh, Gundam gets canceled, and this is a sad business for everyone. Mm-hmm. And Gundam goes away, but then it becomes a hit in um, in reruns, and they they have the story like, oh, all that business about Gundam's toys not selling—that was a lie. They couldn't <laughs> stop selling them. And then Tamino starts floating around this thing of, oh, I think Gundam's incomplete and no one should watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? And he says, here's my Tamino memo. And it has, like, some sketches of, like, ugly mobile suits from MSX. <laughs> yeah. Things. And it talks about, like, characters like Cusco Al and all the stuff that was oh, yeah. supposed to happen but didn't. And the reason Tamino has done this is to drum up interest for making a Gundam movie. Mm-hmm. But the movie studio wants, no, wants nothing to do with that because they just want the next Space Battleship Yamato. Yeah. And then in, one, in probably one of the most hilarious interludes um, in one chapter, they talk about Idean, <laughs> which had at the time just been canceled. And Tamino talks about how he fooled the sponsors into making that show. Mm-hmm. And he shows them the three different vehicles that make up the Adayan, and he told the sponsors at the get-go, like, okay, uh, you know, this is what Cosmo Yuki rides in, and this truck right here, that's the truck that takes the kids to school, where they fight to protect the world. Yeah. <laughs> the Which, school bus. <laughs> if you've seen Adayan, you know that that's... Not the truth, yeah. Completely a lie. Uh, yeah. More from reality. <laughs> that show is so dark and miserable at the end, with everyone dying and all of the death, and, and the t- as we've talked about before, that that's just so hilarious that that's the, supposedly the way he sold it to the sponsors, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if there was a bit of a kernel of truth in that. <laughs> Not only that, but the fact that Cosmo is just so unlikable and f- so far from being just an average schoolboy. Like, it, yeah, let's pilot the super <laughs> and defeat the alien invaders. Let's go get the buff clan. No, is, he's like, it. F you, Bess. Like, F you, I don't want to listen to you. I pull up a knife. I got an afro. And, and a jumpsuit. <laughs> and effectively, Tomino made the worst toy commercial ever. <laughs> so, yeah, because when I watch that show, I don't think about owning the Adeon. I think about the horrors I'm watching. <laughs> Well, um, I guess my next one, um, I could go for the obvious, which is uh, the the show that bit off a day on so hard, and that would be Evangelion. But yeah. I, I'm gonna go for another one. I'm gonna go for a different one, man. I'm gonna go for Blue Gender. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. remember when the homie broke? When homie woke up and the world was completely effed. <laughs> Yeah, like, the end of like, the end of the world had came. It was like twenty five people were left when? in a space station that no hovered doubt. above the uh, hovered above Earth. The, oh the, my God! The end of the world came and left him. <laughs> and he they, missed and the it. only reason why you didn't get eaten by the by the insects is because somehow your sickness is like 
akin to the, the mm-hmm. what the insects did. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> and then towards the end of that show, mm-hmm. when they got into the uh, space station, and that space station just got murked, it's like, oh my god! <laughs> Humanity is about to just get wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, any any ups in that show are are countered by so many downs. Oh my Man, god! It, it's a rough time. I think <laughs> I actually think you. Would, I think it'd actually be more enjoyable to sit there and mainline in heroin nice. for a week than nice. watching Blue Gender because at, at least with heroin, you know you could get off of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Blue Gender, Blue Gender um, oh. that's a show where, you know, it's, um, it's good times. Good Depressing. times throughout. <laughs> God. But um, that's, that's my quickie right there. I'm, I'll pass it back to Chris. Oh, did you have any thoughts on Blue Gender, Chris? I, you probably didn't watch it. I've seen a few episodes. It's yeah. uh, it's it's creepy. It's definitely uh, post-apocalyptic in a different way. Of it's got monsters running around rather than Mohawk guys. Yep. Yeah, the Mohawk so. guys got eaten. <laughs> exactly by the monsters. <laughs> yeah. So now, now, wouldn't it be great though if there was like a parody of Blue Gender where it's like the 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 monsters had Mohawks with the eyeshadow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rode around on motorcycles. What was the guy's name? Hibiki or something? What was his name? Yeah, I think it was Hibiki. Hello, yeah. Hibiki. I'm here to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I like about Gainer is that uh, the whole motif is in, instead of being like a desert wasteland, like almost yeah. all post-apocalyptic things, it's a frozen wasteland. Mm-hmm. And and there and there. In a and sense, society has survived. It's not like the entire world collapsed. It's just that it adapted to living in these domes in an ice age, basically. And and what's funny too is in all these other post-apocalyptic things, it's a very depressed society. Yeah. And it just seems, even in Gainer, they don't seem that depressed. It's they're still doing, like you said. They're, well, it's they're been so long that stuff. people have gotten used to it. You know, they yeah. have jobs. They go to school. They go home they play video games you know it's like whatever that cataclysm was it happened so long ago that it's no longer people's memories and they don't talk about it they don't dwell on it because that's it's ancient another, history yeah it's yeah. another thing you always see in these post-apocalypse things where they they always talk about the war and um you know it's like you know it's like old people here in the states mm-hmm. you know they they talk about the war hey, back in my day we before we had to all have mohawks and motorcycles <laughs> We used to have cars and airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the people in that show got an extreme case of I cabin fever. I remember back in the day, I ki- one day, my first day out on the thing, I killed four Jerry's. Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting back into 1940s uh, announcer guy <laughs> with a dash of John Lovitz. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, ki- I won it's- World War II all by myself. Yeah, yeah that's, I, yeah, that's you know, a ticket. You know Hitler? Yeah, I shot him. (laughs) It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. (laughs) (laughs) The Anola Gay, I I, I flew it. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. All right. Most beta. Hey, there you go. Because for all intents and purposes, it really is a post-apocalyptic series because the inbit, they come, they pretty much destroy the planet. Yep, they wiped out the place. Every episode you see, every city they come across is in utter ruin. Mm -hmm. People live in dirty little villages and dirty little towns. They don't really have technology anymore because the inbit are always watching for anyone using HBT. Um, You know, you have everyone just living miserable lives they all turn on each other you know no one helps each other whenever they see a soldier they hand them over to the inbit yeah mm-hmm. you have uh desert wastelands you have dudes with mohawks and motorcycles 
So you hit all of the points of <laughs> what's required for 80s post-apocalyptic anime. It's like they had a checklist yeah, in hand. Exactly. <laughs> Mohawks, check. Eye makeup, check. Motorcycle, check. Do they drink and they cuss? Check. check. <laughs> Desert wasteland, check. Check. <laughs> Who runs Barter Town? Yeah. Check. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that and, and you know the thing is, is if you think about Mosapeda, it's a really damn depressing show. It like, is. I mean, for a it, kids' robot show, it's really depressing. You, I mean, you sit people there and selling you each other it. out, and mm-hmm. yeah, you look at it and it's like it doesn't seem that bad. But man, when you sit there and watch it, like damn, this is a damn depressing ass thing well, going on. Welcome here. to the early eighties. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, it's, sometimes it gets really bad, like the whole thing. Even of, like, more they so, have the yeah. flashbacks of the soldier hunts where it's Goodness. like, yeah, kill the soldiers. Or the episode of, of the shady town where uh, you yeah. find out that they all murdered um, the peacenik of the town who didn't yeah. want to fight the inbit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. they're, and they're all trying to hide it from everyone. Um, you know, the, the town where the, the war hero is selling out soldiers to the inbit. I mean, it's like everyone's always selling out everybody in this show. And I've not seen that to that degree in any other show of people constantly betraying and selling out each other. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the people that were left back on Earth, man, they... They got screwed was, up. Yeah. yeah, they got... And, I mean, it, it's the definite... It's it's the definite um, case of seeing, like, collaboration or collaborators or, you know, or just people that just are so selfish. They're just going to do what they need to do to stay involved because... Yeah, the one the disturbing one is the soldier hunt one. That soldier hunt episode, it's like, whoa, this is just that was, and, that the, and the peacenik one too is pretty bad. It's pretty raw dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's what you would expect of you know the population living for like thirty years under oppression to an extreme level. Yeah, it, it almost it almost like it almost was society became feral. In, in a sort sense. of because yeah. you know the inbit they don't care about you. They'll, They'll kill anyone who. who uh, <laughs> Who interferes with them, and you know people's natural proclivities take over. Yep. Yeah. And they, they let you turn on each other. They let you live as a privilege. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Until they decide to take that away. But um. Yeah. So I would I would definitely uh, mention that. Um, with I think an amusing note, just to as as an honorable mention, mm-hmm. uh, unintended apocalypse of Robotech Masters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I think it is an amusing thing because the the whole thing that happens at the end of Robotech Masters in Robotech where, you know, Zor he uh he blows up the three mounds of the the SDF one, the mm-hmm. non existent SDF two and Chiron ship, he unleashes the flower of life that calls in <laughs> the invid, invid and and the invid, I should mm-hmm. say, and and perpetuates what they do in new generation. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. However, in the actual Southern Cross, when he unleashes those whatever the hell they are in that show, it's been a while since I saw the uncut version. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing because it's bringing new life to this alien world they live on that is not Earth. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's amusing <laughs> that you can have one ending in the original version go from being like a wonderful, great thing to suddenly turning into the horrible, worst thing possible. <laughs> Isn't that the whole thing about Robotech? It was just the the context it was put in. <laughs> In the I guess, end, I guess you could say that. I mean, going from the source material to Robotech, it was always like, it's like, man, this is this way. Not they... if, not if your name is Doug Bendo and and you're the the Robotech Defense Force uh, Admiral. Oh no. Well, Solbro, did you renounce your commission in the Robotech Defense Force? Oh, damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, you know, it's funny. I, I did register with them when I was a kid. So I, I guess I'm somewhere. I'm still registered with the RDF. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm still. I still have. I still have uh, problems with Switzerland. Hey man, there I'm not trying to be Switzerland. Switzerland. <laughs> some, some people like this and others don't. Hey, I'm just saying. I I, I, know, I recognize. Look, look, I recognize Robotech for what it is. I'm not saying that it, it. And I'm not one of those that say it's better than the source material. I'd be that. that I'd have to be drunk to wow. say that. So you Yeah, it's better than the source material. See, it's <laughs> better than that. Those crappy anime shows. What the it hell was, kind of name is It was a product of his day that, that was damn like entertaining. That sounds like some Tojo name. Some Jap name. <laughs> and it was ahead of its time and on, on American television. Nowadays, that shit won't fly. Stage uh, Fright so- is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> I sing it in the shower when I'm all alone. This uh, is my big right. day. <laughs> maybe I'm all alone because I sing that song. I don't know. <laughs> I've sung it once or twice. And I, I love I'll it when it. I hear my captains talk like they're some... Vampire from Transylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Booby trap, sir? Please get us to warp out of here. Or fold out of here. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) One bats, two bats, three bats. (laughs) When the captain sounds like, what was that vampire's name on SCTV? Uncle, uh... No, he sounds like frickin' the Count off Sesame Street. No, I'm just saying. (laughs) No, he sounded more like, um... The freaking vampire that was on SCTV, Dude, man. I totally forget. I'll be honest with you. Man. As being of Canadian heritage, yeah. Um, I never watched SCTV because I grew up man. in South Florida. Damn, and you love, like, and you, and you love Strange Brew? Get well, out. Well, I love it. Get out. Get out. <laughs> because those were summers in Montreal. Man. But I don't know. They're all communists up there anyways. Our next question comes from Kaon73, who says... One of the common running jokes in the podcast is poking fun at director Fukuda for the rampant use of flashbacks in Seed and Destiny. While I remembered key ones like Nicole's death and Kagali's flaming father like you frequently <laughs> mentioned, <laughs> I hadn't seen the series since the original release of the DVDs a while back, so I started rewatching my again. Oh my god, I didn't realize how bad it was. Flashbacks worked in every possible moment, some just an episode ago, some a few episodes ago, some reused within the same episode. Do you know of any other, I'll open this up to any anime series, that uses, abuses this storytelling slash narrative slash animation cheat as badly as the Seed series did? Or can Fukuda claim an achievement here for least amount of original animation used to produce an entire TV series? What? Well, there are plenty of shows that abuse stock footage. Mm-hmm. But that's not the question. The question is the flashbacks. The flashbacks, and yeah. I would have to say no. No one else comes close to using um, flashbacks so many freaking times um, as far as Fukuda does. To the point that you know you see characters having a conversation, and it is a flashback to an event that they weren't even part of. Wow. Yeah, that that that, that was that was specially mastered in Destiny. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> the old. Uh, I wasn't there, but. I'm sure in a hell flashing back to it. So, uh, when you got four recap episodes throughout the course of your show, you have you have set a new you set a new bar. Like <laughs> one of the most ridiculous things, uh, you know, when after uh, after Shin destroys uh, Freedom, he comes back and um, you know he says to he says to Ather and all Spunk, he's like, I got revenge for you too. And then suddenly there's like a flashback of I think like Raul Lacruce dying. I'm like, what, what does that have to do with anything? These guys weren't. Neither of these guys were even there for that. No, the the the, the standout moment in Destiny for me is I think it's towards the beginning of the show, and it's right when uh, Atherin's still in Alex Dino mode, 
and he's there's something about the war and he's thinking about you know I think there's something said about people friends that we lost and you see flashbacks of all the people that died at the end of Seed and you see Bajrul and uh, Azrael and it's like this guy never even met them it's like as he saw them what on the view screen it's like they weren't it's not their friends I mean I could kind of understand if it was Kira yeah because he knew Bajrul but it's like why is this guy flashing back to them it's like Okay, Nicole and, you know, Rusty and Dad and Mom and, you know, and stuff like that. But why? Exactly. And not just a flashback, but Fukuda, I think, also wins the, the award for um, using the exact same animation over and over, mm-hmm. cutting and pasting in new robots to change it around. Oh, I'm sure everyone has seen the, um, the three-column uh, screenshot comparison of the Akatsuki legend and providence all attacking <laughs> a set of enemies in the exact same way all of the enemies exploding in the exact same way the dragoons flying around in the exact same way and the three suits facing the camera with exploding stuff behind them in the exact <laughs> same, same way. way yeah not only that but he also likes to um piecemeal his intros to his shows as well where um a lot of them are just like still shots and then in the background you've got footage of uh of the of the key shots of Mecca and whatnot that you're going to see in the episode um, when you watch it. So, <laughs> or, 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 or the fact of, man, that first battle of Orb and Seed was so great that we had to bring it back in, um, in Destiny, not only on, on Earth, but in space, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you watch the travesty of animation that Destiny is, mm-hmm. and I, I look at this and I say, this was the same guy who did um, Cyber Formula and Dendo? Yeah, because both have none of this. Yeah, that's what kills me. Because I, Chris is, I've watched both shows too, and and it's like you never see this stuff. And and you know, I, I would challenge every anybody. The opening to do stuff, this. yes, because he does do that in the yeah. openings of those things too. But you know, the 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 constant flashbacking, the recycling yeah. animation by changing little parts of it around. Mm-hmm. He never did any of that stuff before. So, and they're not short shows either. It's not like these are like little 10 episode shows i mean the first cyber formula is what about 40 episodes 30 something episodes i think so i mean it's not like it's, it's not like um you know he's just trying to i don't know I don't, I don't get it because you you will watch these things and you're like wow this is the same guy that did see and testing and, and, and you got to look at it i mean you you figure by the time that gundam see Des- destiny rolled around that um a show like that would have a higher budget than the shows he previously did so you know, for th- that many shortcuts well, to be in he, the animation, huh? Yeah, well, just, they well wasn't the whole thing they blew it a lot on like the pop the star music. of the week yeah, or something like that, and the music too probably because because Destiny had what like nineteen different openings and with nineteen <laughs> different bands or little pop stars doing it's, it's like oh wow it had okay. a lot of it did have a lot of insert insert uh, songs in the show and and then you're have having to and then you're having to pay that uh, what's his face TM Revolution to to show up for like two episodes and die. <laughs> I mean, it's like, really? Yeah, I, I guess that goes to show that, yeah, they, they, the, the budget was definitely mismanaged on that show. Enough, that many shortcuts. Enough flashback talk. Let's stop Chris. talking Aww. about that show. Damn. Damn. Our next question comes from someone we haven't heard from in a while, Momaru. Oh, hey. He lives. Who says, Chris, is it me or does Whitebeard always remind you of another white mustache, namely the Turning Gundam? He's referring to the character Whitebeard from One Piece, which oh. if you guys look at him, he's got a giant mustache that looks like turn a's oh that's pretty cool maybe they were separated at birth does he have a (laughs) does he have a uh a a little naked black boy in his pelvis like uh turn a (laughs) hat no (laughs) 
when when I first saw Whitebeard, I was instantly reminded of the turn A. Can you guys think of any other Gundam references in anime? Shaman King and Helsing come to mind. Well, we answered this question like yeah. last episode, so yeah. Just well, there's always a red, there's always a red rival now. I mean, you know, a lot of these shows, it's like, oh wow, mask guy with in red, or just somebody in red that's going to be you know, a justified hero so, or justified villain. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, any other comments on that, or are we just going to be cheap and refer back to the last one? Oh, just be cheap. Please um, refer to episode 78's mailbag. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm fakuted in it right now. You're fakuting. <laughs> Our uh, last question. it, it would be just uh, uh, Solbro just slicing in what we said the previous episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next one comes from Awesome78, who says, Hey, Gundam crew, just wondering what is the most obscure or weird Gundam reference you have seen in the anime, sci- sci-fi or not. Mine would be the Red Comet and Black Three Stars restaurant at the end of the second episode of Gundam Unicorn and the Connie drop in the newest episode of Gintama. Well, you're asking a lot because yeah, they're Gundam all over the such place. an influential anime. There have been a zillion references you know, here and there in tons of shows. Mm-hmm. You know, recently you've had shows like World Only God Knows, um, Genshiken, uh, you mentioned Gintama, uh, Sergeant Frog, which is just an enormous Absolutely. love letter of Gundam references. Mm-hmm. There's old shows that make references. It's it's a really hard question to answer because there have been so many damn references. Um, one that I would say, just for mecha anime in general, that has some obscure references is Hayate the Combat Butler, oh. which throws in Optimus Prime lookalikes, uh, pink scope dogs, <laughs> uh, Gundam stuff, and that's, you know, throwing in a, a, a pink scope dog in a new anime, that's a, that's a pretty obscure reference. Absolutely. Yeah, the, totally. How many people, how many uh, suits you think Cherry could kill if he was in a pink scope dog? Because <laughs> I think, actually, he would be more angry and more A vicious. lot, because they'd underestimate him and think that he's some weakling girl, and then he'd blow yeah. them all away, and they're like, oh, no, it's, it's Chirico. It, there's a simpler truth to that. He couldn't leave anybody alive who saw him in the pink scope dog. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That, that's a good point there. It's a matter of pride. <laughs> to, to paraphrase uh, Tro Barton, none who have seen a pink scope dog can live to tell of it. <laughs> we're not we're not comparing Tro Barton to Cherico. Oh, we? just just no. that, just that. You're just using that. Oh, okay. well, you hate Tro, Jesus. <laughs> no problem. Sorry. So, Go. you guys, do you guys have anything to mention or? God, there, like you said, I, there's I have, so many, man. Yeah. I, I you might name, say there's so many to choose from. I can name an yeah. obvious one and, and a not so obvious one. Obvious is uh, Excel Saga. It's the only reason I watch the show. The only reason I watch the show because of all the Gundam references that are in oh, it. We, we know that you yeah. love that show so oh, much. Oh, dude. I love this I'm, so much you bought it. I'm glaring at the DVDs right now. Why don't you just sell it, man, if you hate I, it so I much. just might. Um, and then the other one, which I enjoyed seeing these references. Sell it to in. me. Because uh, <laughs> I actually like it. I, I, I didn't you know what? You bad of a show, but I, we will have to talk about that after the recording. But uh, <laughs> the other show that um, the Gundam references came um, kind of unexpectedly was Great Teacher Onizuka. Um, there was a, a blonde-haired girl in the show who was kind of a psycho, but um, her look and design kind of looks. She looks like Sailor Mass, and there's these nerds in her class that idolize her as if she is Sailor. And in one oh, particular right. episode, they go on vacation. They go to like. Oh, um, I forget where's the oh Okinawa. They go to Okinawa, and these these nerds are holed up in their hotel room watching, having a Gundam marathon, and she's 
she has to share the hotel room with them. So they drag her into watching Gundam all night. And when morning comes and Onizuka stops by the hotel room to pick up the kids, she wants to beat his ass. Because <laughs> she paired him up with those nerds. And she didn't get an ounce of sleep because she had to watch Gundam all night. And there's other Gundam references throughout the show, but it's just it's just funny how they play into it. It's funny you uh, you mentioned that since Onizuka is played by the same guy who did Garrett Ran yes. in Gundam X. <laughs> I just I just have to sit there when you said Okinawa and I control myself because I just wanted to go destination Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you contained yourself <laughs> until <this> now. Point. <laughs> Neo, can we hear your Rosamia impression again? There was another impression that I was thinking of, but I forgot. No, it wasn't Jay Leno. Maybe we could also hear Chris's Ali impression. Hey, buddy, what do you, you think? I'm a street clown here to make voices and amuse you and make funny with that, huh? What am I here to amuse you? I'm a clown. Make you laugh? Yeah. So you think it's funny? Man, we got Doolin De Niro's up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going more. Oh, uh, uh, Doolin. Doolin. Yeah. Doolin Pesci's. Fellas. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh, I'm getting my Italians mixed up. Because <laughs> you're a racist. That indeed. <laughs> Jay Leno is only for special occasions. Cause... Oh. But what, what about Rosamia? I guess it's what? Oh. Brother! Brother! <laughs> hey, Brother Camille! Here, check out these! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Excuse me, miss. We have to do a medical exam. Yeah. To, to examine your knees, I'll, take you, I'll need you to take off your shirt. Okay. You seem like a nice guy. Here, have some candy. Candy, shit, cool, oh, sweet. Yeah, the the one time that you wish a laser shot would hit the uh, beam shot would hit the side of the argument and just suck somebody out. <laughs> be uh, be Rose and me, and I'm sure uh, Chris would second with uh, Shinta and Coom. Ouch. <laughs> they they were your favorite parts of Zeta, right, Chris? Shinta and Coom. Oh, oh yeah. Nothing like uh, nothing like war orphans to uh, to liven up the party on the the good ship, uh, the, the hippie ship Argama. Austin's favorite when, character. When it, when it comes to Shinta and, and Kumo, I'll go full Austin. I was like, screw those war orphans. I want those two to die. <laughs> Damn. Well, and that's it for the mailbag. And remember, you you did get Nazis in space a couple years ago. So <laughs> yes. if you watch if you watch your UC fix, just go to that there. And, and, now, and now you got Zeon losers who can't give up, who can't quit. <laughs> yeah, that too. Zeon broke back. I can't quit you, Zeon. <laughs> I can't quit you, Federation. I got to keep trying to overthrow you. <laughs> yeah. So this show is set in um, a continuity called Advanced Generation, which sounds like it could be the title for a Pokemon or Super Robot Wars game. <laughs> I, think I, I think I bought that game last year for my DS. <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. So in, uh, in this Advanced Generation, uh, mankind has colonized space. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. And an unknown enemy attacks. Literally, nobody knows who the enemy is, but they oh. have these... Things that look like dragons and turn into humanoid things, and you know that's what they are. Right. And uh, we have this also a first for Gundam, a multi-generational story with three generations of the same family serving as Gundam pilots for the Gundam Age, which will evolve over time. Mm-hmm. Which has uh, multiple equipment packs, kind of like uh, the right. Strike Gundam, but kind of different. But same concept. And, um, you know, these these three generations of this family 
they all happen to be kids when they fight in the Gundam. Yeah. Oh, uh, I got a question. Even though it's it's kind of like the strike with those packs, is it going to have the uh, the uh, tissue dispenser that the strike had in it for, especially when Kira was doing it for, you know, those un, those uh, those b- bouts of crying crying fits that you have when you're fighting? I think that's that's a Kira Yamato custom. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that, in essence, is all that we know about the show. We have a two-and-a-half-minute trailer that aired. It showed some footage. Of course, you see the Gundam. You see it in action. You see the enemies. Uh, you see some homages to stuff because these uh, dragon things, you see three of them in space approaching the civilian space colony. Gee, I wonder where we've seen that before. <laughs> um, I That's think- a first. <laughs> you, you see the Gundam launching and emerging with like fire and stuff all around it. Hell yeah. Never seen that before. That's a new thing. Uh, you see uh, a mechanic who is a space Santa Claus. I know we've seen that. No, wait, we haven't. You mean, you mean space Gimli? <laughs> yes, space Gimli, space Santa Claus. Sweet. Uh, there's Haro, who you know now is is uh, confirmed for multi-dimensional every Gundam now from now on, no matter what. Hey, hey man, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> now, what size is this Haro? Is he? Re- he's regulation size. He's regulation size. Haro? Regulation size Haro, man. Okay. That's a, it's it. Uh, not, I can not, definitely confirm. Not, not he, he like... fits. He fits in a little girl's arm. So yeah, he is regulation size. So he, he, he's not like uh, he's not WNBA size like they no, were. No, no. The little bitty co- ones. He yeah. fits in Kobe Bryant's hand easily. Oh, okay. <laughs> or in Dirk Nowitzki's as he beats the heat. <laughs> Swish. Damn. All right. Regulation. All right. Oh. All right. We're we're doing a totally different type of hate here. Not not uh, not heat hate. <laughs> we have to focus our hate. Focus. All right. Well, it's not heat hate. It's LeBron hate. But anyways. LeBron, there you go. Whatever. Whatever. Gundam sucks, and it's for kids, and I don't want kids shows, and blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. If you've seen... I, the- I, didn't, I didn't realize you were a fan of Rush Limbaugh. I, I'm not doing any of these kids shows with a Gundam. <laughs> My friends... My fellow Americans, are the... <laughs> Let me tell you how evil Barack Obama is. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Bell has got kids in it. <laughs> here's here's a tip for you. Here if, we go. If you if you dislike Gundam Age mm-hmm. uh, from a couple of scans or the trailer and you think it's gonna you know it's gonna suck, you know it's gonna be garbage, you know it's the end of Gundam. If you believe all of that and your primary language is English, Gundam Age is not made for you. <laughs> it absolutely isn't. Final point is a lot of people are commenting about all oh, the character designs. It's all little kiddies, even though, as we mentioned, uh, these kids are the same age as half of the Gundam pilots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think that this insecurity comes from the fact, and this is something that most of us have probably experienced, a lot of people are not accepting of anime. Yeah, and yeah. there have been times, I'm sure all of us experienced this, I know I certainly have, where if someone who's not an anime fan finds out that I'm an anime fan, they'll say, oh, how come you're watching those kids' cartoons? And, you know, it's not a nice feeling that, you know, someone is basically like shitting over something that you enjoy and completely dismissing it out of their own ignorance because who likes that feeling? No one. No No one. No one does. So I think for some people they feel insecure because they've had those experiences or they fear having those experiences. So they have to um, justify to themselves internally and to the world that anime is all serious stuff for adults. And not every anime out there is like a Satoshi Kon movie. In fact, most of it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> not every anime is like Ghost in the Shell. Or an Otomo film or, or even a Miyazaki film. 
Yeah. Well, but Miyazaki is, is meant to appeal to uh, a wide audience that can be enjoyed uh-huh. by kids and adults. Gee, isn't that kind of like Gundam? Mm. <laughs> so once again, you're making too much sense in this whole argument. Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, I think that they they can justify like, oh, but Gundam 00, yeah, it has robots, but it had lots of, you know, political debates and discussions and issues, you know, about terrorism and politics and war, blah, 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 blah. So it's hey. not a kid's show. That's Space Obama. <laughs> yeah, but then Gundam Age comes along with kids who are young looking and, you know, all of the merchandising, and it's really hard to try. You have to twist yourself into knots to try to justify to yourself that that's a serious adult show. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to close this out with a, uh, a mailbag question that we're plucking out of the mailbag, which comes from a uh, new listener named Timber Newtype. Nice. He says... I know you are probably inundated with comments slash hate about the new Gundam series, Gundam Age, but I was wondering your take on it. Well, we've already laid that out. Now, this is the interesting part. As a father of a four-year-old boy who loves any kind of Gundam design, I am specifically talking about the prospect of the show being targeted to a younger audience. I see a lot of people who automatically are spitting vitriolic remarks just because it's not what they want to see. I am totally on board with a show like this, especially since... It is a very, it's very difficult to find a show that is acceptable for a four-year-old boy who loves Gundams. Thanks for considering this question, and thanks for the hours of entertainment you provide for this fan. Now, look at that oh, right there. How wow. much more beautiful can you get than father and son? Not yeah. mother and child, but father and son. <laughs> well, if it was mother and child, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be going out the airlock. Yeah, yes. That wouldn't end well. But look at that. Father and son. Daddy loves his mobile suits, and so does Junior, whatever Junior's name is. Mm-hmm. That, that, is that is an outstanding question, too. He wants yeah, something they can both enjoy together. Is that, yeah. And that is the point of something like this, like Gundam Age, because yeah. most Gundam appeals to more than one audience. Just because mm-hmm. it's not made for you doesn't mean it can't appeal to you, and you should recognize that. Same with Transformers. It's not always yeah. about appealing to these hardcore G1ers. They want to have some new kids enjoy it, because guess what? You hardcore G1ers, when you enjoyed that show, you were a little kid. Yeah. Yes. You just happened wow. to be the first of the little kids to enjoy it. There have been many little kids who have enjoyed it since then. There will be many little kids who continue to enjoy it when you're old and gray and you're dead. Damn, Chris, you dropping. I'm trying to get you, generational, multi generational here. You were dropping gems on their melons, man. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and nothing would be sweeter when I'm an old man pooping in a bag that I'm there with my, 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 my kids and my grandkids and my great grandkids enjoying some Gundam as, a, as, as they feed me strained peas and I poop in that Sweet. bag. And, and you say, Well, you see, Junior, back in my day, we didn't have. This five-dimensional anime, you had to watch it on a thing called a television with your <laughs> eyes. And, and you know what's funny? is like cyber brain. As, as, as everything's so citrical, like, by the time that happens, like, Amuro's Fro will be back in style. So nice. that'll be back. I'll be like, this reminds me of those old, uh, the old, the original, you know? <laughs> and his Gene outfit, too. Back, it, back it, in my it, day, <laughs> you had to build... The model kits yourself, they weren't pre-assembled sentient robots. <laughs> you, you, you didn't wish them, you didn't wish them to go to go together. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not too excited about uh, an origin 
animated version. Wow. And I'll tell you why. Okay. The whole point of Origin, the manga, was that we were getting this nice adaptation of the story with a couple of changes here and there, some big, some small, in in an illustrated fashion with really nice artwork by Yaz. Okay. And it exists in that medium, and we can read it in that medium. Mm-hmm. But to then adapt that into an anime is an adaptation of an adaptation, which just yeah. strikes me as utterly pointless. That's like playing a video game based on a movie that was based on a video game. And I'm sure, Silbro, you might be thinking of Street Fighter, the movie, the game. <laughs> I am. What and an exercise in futility that was. The, the, the horrible quality of that movie aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, how dumb is that to make a video game out of a movie that was made out of a video game? It was pretty bad in execution. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I don't look back on that in any, with any fond memories at all. The movie yeah. may be, but not that, not that game. God, no. Mm-hmm. My thing is, at the end of the day on this one issue, is that no matter how much people say that they want innovation, at the end of the day, they really just want the same old, same old. Yeah, They'll bitch about it, you know, before, mm-hmm. during, and after, but at the end of the day, they still want the same old, same old. So you don't that, look- I think... Can, we can lay this to rest. Yeah. We never have to come back to this again. I don't want to come back to it. I'm burying it. It's dead. I've murdered it. What did it He's again? a pimp. He'd figure it out. He'd yeah, figure it some way. Yeah, I mean, he'd do, do something. <laughs> Takazaki would still die, though. Oh, of that, course. That steak would still appear at his funeral. A <laughs> steak! This is Takazaki, the flag of the flag of UN Spacey, along with your, your son's half-eaten porterhouse. <laughs> Let the steak deliver the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's happy in Porterhouse. Oh, oh, medium wealth, medium wealth. That guy, he's, that guy lost. He's a rare. He's a rare. He's a rare uh, temperature. He's, he's a rare temperature kind of guy. Yeah. Oh, he he is the expert either. That 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 was definitely seen. But um, all right. So Macross is uh definitely a, a great candidate. Um, Chris, you thought of one yet? Super Robot Wars. Well then. <laughs> It would be Super Wars, and that and that is a wrap. Completely different. <laughs> what would no, that's not my choice. Um, the first one that that came to my mind um, because this show was originally envisioned without robots anyway. Dunbine. Mm. Oh, it was, wasn't it supposed to be a romance of some sort? I have no idea. But oh, initially, but shoot, I know it, it was not originally envisioned with robots. Then the robots were added, and uh-huh. I'm not counting. Garzy's wing as how I've done my way without robots because that show is garbage. Poopy. And <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't want to see my. Why don't you bring that with, up? Uh, I had I had mind dumped that. Now I keep hearing Garzy's wing. Garzy's wing. I keep <laughs> hearing that in my head now. <laughs> I, I, my Dunbine does not include uh, magic ducks. Affleck! <laughs> or uh, samurais riding raptors. Oh. <laughs> or an annoying guy named Chris. Are dudes with, w- dudes with wings on his feet? Yeah. <laughs> Flying around awkwardly and naked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, with his soul being split to another dimension. Nice. Nice. Good times, but um. Any, yeah. So any... how how would Dunbine play out? I'm curious. Without without robots, it, I, I think with Dunbine, it, I, I think you could do it because I, probably between that and some of the other ones that we'll be talking about, I don't It'd know. It'd probably be that... like Lotus Wars. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it would be as as a, a drastic change as you would think with some of these other shows. So. It would be more like um, it'd be Lotus War meets uh, an Englishman in King Arthur's Court. 
you got the outer world are coming to um coming to upper earth trying to an Englishman in King Arthur's court. It, 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 oh my god, did I say that so again? They, yes, you said, said it again. Did I say it again? Oh my god. I always say that. What's wrong? An Englishman in King Arthur's court would just be any random guy in King Arthur's court, including King Arthur. A Yankee in King Arthur's court. I'm an ass. It's a Connecticut oh my God. Yankee, right? Connecticut yeah, Yankee, Yankee in King, King Arthur's, Arthur's court. court. How do I make the same mistake twice? <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, There's my no God. There's none. I, I, I just don't learn. I just don't learn. Man. So, the plan is, is this, and maybe this is familiar to you if you've watched Generation 1. Use the pillars to create a massive space bridge to bring Cybertron into Earth's orbit. Mm -hmm. to, re to, re to use Earth to revive Cybertron. Yes, to use all humans as slaves to rebuild Cybertron with their little tiny hands. Might, mm -hmm. I, might I cite that came from the episode The Ultimate Doom, three-parter. Yes, you, you might. And there you go. <laughs> uh, you might also cite, although I'll cite it for you, that at mm -hmm. least that episode of the cartoon acknowledged the fact that if you bring a planet into <laughs> Earth's orbit... It will completely devastate our world. Thank yeah. you. Because, you know, massive shifts in the ocean and, and seismic activity and all other sorts of catastrophes, mm -hmm. which this movie seems to be blissfully unaware of. Unaware. <laughs> well, in, 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 in defense of the film, the space bridge seems to be, was seen, seen to be transporting this, the planet pieces at a time you know so it wasn't a huge 100 chunk of it there came out yeah yeah and it was big enough to actually cause some damn cause some damage to the planet being being where it was so uh during all of this the world is held hostage and the autobots pretended to leave and get blown up but they really didn't which also came from generation one it did <laughs> and then of course they come back and you have a huge ginormous awesome battle that rang that lasts like 40-something minutes with Chicago just being utterly blown to pieces. Yeah, and, and, and for once, uh, Optimus just, he had enough. He was Mr. Fed Up, dude. He, 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 went, he went Sam Jackson mode. Yeah, he, he <laughs> was just, it was like the last two, last, two, one, last two movies, I had to be nice, I, you know, I had to do this, save this, save that. Yeah, he's, he's like, no quarter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somewhere Batman was watching, standing on a building saying, I'm staying out of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that red and blue guy is pretty cool. <laughs> Damn, I, I didn't think anybody could lay waste to a city like uh, Christopher Nolan until um, uh, uh, to Chicago, like Christopher Nolan, until Michael Bay decided to up the ante. Boy, he, he you, you, you had you ever did you, did you honestly? I can't even believe you can honestly think that there would be no that somebody could outdo laying waste to a city than Michael Bay. Dude, I man, mean, I, Michael anytime... Bay is the destroyer of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching Wacker Drive get completely decimated on the. In this movie and it's like how did he accomplish this how did he shut down that road in the middle of chicago to do this i mean i'm hearing stories of people who had to actually commute to work during the time that he filmed those scenes and um it, it's a testament to the guy the man you know he can orchestrate they probably, destruction. They probably did it on the weekend like yeah. they usually all that stuff so or very early in the morning that's yeah that's uh, another popular thing. But anyway, mm -hmm. there you have this huge battle between humans, Autobots, Decepticons, and uh, a little tip at the end, the Autobots win. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, man, that's a shock. <laughs> I know. So, um... And they're trying to um to shoot the uh the space uh, the space bridge's main pillar. You know that that whole scene was orchestrated very well, and uh, Michael Bay just has an eye for action, and he laid that out. A lot of people were comparing it to the uh the the 
the hallway scene in Inception and saying it was actually better than that. And um, Michael Bay must have had to make one hell of a set to even play that um, that whole scene out. Um, much like Michael, uh, much like Christopher Nolan had to do with that uh, that hallway rotating hallway in Inception. Like, and, yeah, I saw that Christopher Nolan. What's what? Yeah, see, <laughs> it's almost like I'll they have somehow you do sideways hallways. Yeah, it's almost like they have an unspoken rivalry between each other now. And um, I, I hope it continues. I really do. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I, I, the last fights, especially between um, Sentinel Prime and Optimus, were, were, were really engaging. And then when Mike, uh, Megatron got in, uh, involved for you know three seconds of that, <laughs> that was uh, that was kind of cool too. Um, but uh, that overall, I, I had a positive experience when watching this movie. I do have a, and it looks amazing in the 3D IMAX. And you know the only limitation that the 3D IMAX has is is just some of the live action parts, and because they can't completely control it. But anything that had just the robots and stuff looked freaking amazing. I, mean, I, w- I wanted to ask you about that because uh, you saw you saw the movie as a uh, survey intended um, yeah. in 3D IMAX, and um, a lot of people are saying that um, even uh, they're saying that this is some of the best 3D that's ever been brought to the screen i think um, so i never I, I never saw avatar but i yeah. know avatar looks amazing but you have to remember too avatar that was all completely computer generated this is the best this is the best uh 3d that i've seen even though even though the, i was saying with the live action parts they don't look as crisp they still look amazing it's just because of you know the lighting and stuff is they can only can control it to a certain point but like anything with the robots or anything that was computer generated looked friggin' flawless and it did and it and when they had it intermixed with the live action stuff even though there were some limits you could tell just a tad it wasn't so blatantly obvious that it was like oh this just looks terrible but yeah it looked it looked amazing I mean, it, it, it's a it's a crazy juxtaposition because um two years ago when uh, Avatar did come out Michael Bay was you know he had he had, he had remarked that you know he didn't see the big deal in 3d he didn't um he didn't really we really wasn't an advocate of it but during the filming of this movie he had a change of heart and he seemed to utilize Courtesy it very of well James Cameron yeah Kurt, yeah James Cameron I well, guess yeah, just showed yeah, up at his front door yeah he's <laughs> like yo yeah. this is how it's done bitch yeah he, he, he had a he had a good old-fashioned sit-down probably with uh, Spielberg and Cameron and yeah. and you know and you know, one of these things where people and, and and Cameron probably said, "Here, I'll show you some shit that'll make George Lucas uh, jealous." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, George Lucas is in the bushes, you know, because he's always constantly following James Cameron to see, because you know he's 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 like the poor guy that doesn't get invited to any of the parties. <laughs> you know, he's the fat ninja in flannel. <laughs> Even though we've made up this uh, this rivalry between Cameron and Lucas for a while, I just think it's incredibly amusing, and, and I imagine in my head that it is true, because it makes sense. And but, I gotta say, uh, Sentinel Prime, uh, very different looking from other incarnations of Sentinel Prime, he's pretty uh, RX-78 looking. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask you guys if he, if, if he re- kind of reminded you of, a, of, of, of a, the RX-78 or, or some kind of Gundam. He, um, he had that shield that looked very, very Gundam-ish. Yeah. And, of course, he had a little, little, little V-fin going thank on. You. Yeah, it, uh, I was looking at him. It's like, Jesus. You know, that, but, that but, he, but he also had Leonard Nimoy's nose. <laughs> <laughs> and Spock's quotes. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, who, whoever thought that you'd see Leonard Nimoy on film again saying, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, but this time used as justification for evil. Yeah. I, did you guys um, enjoy that little bit of foreshadowing that they did at the beginning of the movie where they, uh, they showed a clip from a muck time from Star Trek where they showed uh, Spock you know, going berserk when he was beating down his uh, computer console? You know, a little homage to Leonard Nimoy just right off the bat, but I thought it was pretty clever that they, um, they threw that little piece in. 
uh, right at the beginning of the movie when uh, Wheelie and Brains were watching uh, Star Trek on television. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it was just, it was a, it was an it was a nice little send up. Uh, I'm not the only person that noticed that. There are other people that noticed that too. So I, I thought it was kind of cool, but um, I guess that was just me. <laughs> No, no, I, I know that it happened, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. It's like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the I think that was the bigger Star uh, Star Trek. Yeah, um, it's like ah, I, I see what you did there, Michael uh, Bay. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Someone watched Wrath of Khan. Michael Bay, he de- he redefines action with every film, so you 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 come to expect that from his movies. I I, I don't expect them to to put on a tour de force. There's I mean, a box star quote right there. Michael Bay <laughs> redefines action with every film. Says Gundam at MHQ. Pre-order your Blu-ray now. What about you? Would you want to live in the old? Uh... Hell no. I mean, <laughs> nah. even even if you ignore the one year war, every few years you have some freaks from space. Mm-hmm. Bunch of space fascists or space nobility or space weirdos who want to come and smash up everything because they have screwed up ideas or they're worshippers of old space Nazis and just can't quite process the fact that they got their ass kicked yeah. and that they will always get their asses kicked. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and there's colony drops and nukes and every conceivable disaster that there could be. So death lasers. Mm. Giant about- new type machines that that make your mind that of a child's and, and slice guys. and dice bugs. Oh, and, and bloviating retards talking about you know chosen ones and all this other crap and yeah yeah gets- so yeah don't be found out as a new type in Universal Century your life is over. <laughs> hey, do you think there's uh, phone hacking in in Universal Century? Oh! The space space news of the world. Oh. Yeah. With Space Murdoch. Space Murdoch. He comes from uh, the Australian colony. News of the universe. <laughs> news of the galaxy. Woo, horrible. Fox horrible. Intergalactic News. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Universal Century, no, I would not want to live there ever. Too too much of a... Universal Century is a hellhole. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it's like, uh, what's his face said in the new Star Trek? Spa- uh, you know, Dr. McCoy. Space is a disease, horrible place. <laughs> I agree with him. Universal Century is exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Gundam according to Bones. All right. Well, moving along here, it's uh, the next one is going to be Correct Century. And this is the land of Turner Gundam. Now we're talking. So uh, <laughs> this, um, this is the steampunk Gundam. Yeah, we're going to say that because you know, you're, n- you're never going to get anything closer to steampunk <laughs> than Turner. But Chris... What about you? We, we, I, I think I could probably guess where you'd want to stay, <laughs> where you'd want to be raised. Maybe in the royal court. Moon yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I live on the moon there. I'll, I'll be like, hey, Diana, I'll give you what Will Game couldn't. <laughs> Without the five o'clock shadow. Oh man! I'll tell you exactly where Chris would want to live in that cabin with Diana at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine too. In her bedroom. Yep. You know, the sad thing is, I'd like to be Kiel's next-door neighbor. There you go. <laughs> and in the end, I, w- I wouldn't mind being her concubine at the, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to take, like, uh, probably Tuesdays and Thursdays when Harry has, you know, all the rest of the week, so. See, but I'd what get you, greedy, because I would, I would want both uh, Diana uh, and Kiel. You'd want, you'd, want a, you'd want a white bread sandwich, huh? Yeah, and I want to play games like, can I tell which one is which? <laughs> All right, strip down. And and which way would I determine which one is which? Yeah, with me blindfolded. Yeah. 
So it, it'll be hours and hours of fun. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That, that's true. That, and, that... and I would have as 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 my maid that um, that uh, that busty ginger. Oh, the one that oh, just shot. Yeah. The one who got shot in the head. Oh. <laughs> for more, just for more shenanigans. It'll just be it'll just be a wild sexual romp every single day in correct century land. Oh my God! Well, damn. Chris has got this all mapped out. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. Nicely well, done. And I think we can figure out Soul Bros because he'd be uh, he'd be laying in, in he'd be lay, he'd be in a cabin with uh, the the most annoying one, Soshi, crying yeah. and bitching because uh, you know he'd be sitting there going. But the rod was no good for you. Hey, she can rest her head on my shoulder. He <laughs> <laughs> was no good for you. I'll throw that fish right in the river for her. Be like, hey, don't worry. I'll, I'll gavin your goonie. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's in dire need of some comfort. <laughs> Man comfort. Gundam Sea Destiny. Hell no. <laughs> Cosmic Era is probably a hellhole. Almost as bad, if not worse, than Universal Century. Because you have genocidal governments always trying to blow each other up with super ridiculously massive death weapons. Mm -hmm. You have a bunch of moralizing uh, Mary Sue's and Gary Stu's with ultra-powerful weapons telling everyone what to do. Okay. You have a bunch of little whiny kids who wear fancy red jackets and zaff, not for any actual accomplishment, just but just because they did well in the academy. <laughs> <laughs> and you have governments run by morons who uh, just like to cry in the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You know how? You know my exception. This is how I would live in Cosmic Era. Oh man, I swear if you take mine, I'm gonna lose it. Go ahead. I'm gonna go up to uh, to Kira and be like, uh, Mr. Kira, I'm your biggest fan, and then I shank him. Kira, <laughs> hold this. I kill him. I take the strike freedom, and I just go out on the war path, like just destroying everything. Do your own personal operation meteor. Yes. <laughs> with, with 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 the meteor too. Yeah. Yeah. Take strike freedom meteor. I'll 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 show you a new world order. I'll show you my destiny plan, bitches. Nice. And then I'll put Durandal in charge. Damn. So suck it, jab man. Just ruin that, ruin that, ruin his plot armor for all for all to see. But, <laughs> but always remember, Atherin was the main character of Destiny. <laughs> oh no! no. <laughs> Dumbass leader will say, "We got to sit in this thing and get burnt to death as we send our kids off to space." <laughs> no you, doubt. You also definitely don't want to live in Berlin. No, no. that's a bad place. <laughs> yeah, and forget about Anchorage. <laughs> <laughs> Alaska is no man's land. That place got messed up way back in Seed, man. The, yeah. the hell, the safest place to live is the desert, for Christ's sake, in, <laughs> in Gundam Seed. And any any random plant could get Requiem. <laughs> There's more super weapons in that universe than anywhere else, I think. But well, besides Universal Century, but it, it, it would it would make oh. it would make Spectre jealous. <laughs> it would. would be like, damn, these guys are nuts. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That, <laughs> that is my stance on the cosmic era, man. Ooh. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, uh, if I'm in Celestial Being, mm. yeah. If if I'm the Meister for Exia and Double O and Double O Quanta, okay. And I'll be like, uh, hey, hey, uh, Princess Marina, what's up? <laughs> Want to open up some uh, peace negotiations? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then go back up to the Ptolemaeus with the. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, little six pack of uh, space Sam Adams, and I'll be like, uh, "Hey, Sumeragi, what's up? You want to do a uh, tactical briefing?" A tactical yeah. briefing is that what they call it? Yes, they call it. 
best the best to catch her at in the morning when she's having the DTs. You need you, you need to recharge Sumeragi. Yeah. And then and I'll be like, hey Feltz, I'll I'll fill in the hole in your heart that Lockon couldn't. Oh man. But this is this is this is second season Felt when she's of age, right? Not. No, nah, I don't care. But either version. Damn. Uh, <laughs> Hey, it's 300 years in the future. They probably have more progressive attitudes. Maybe they got bigger. <laughs> they got bigger problems than uh, getting guys and you know dating 16 year olds, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, there's no there's no job for space Chris Hanton in the future. Oh. <laughs> Ever since he got busted, cheating on his wife. Yeah, credibility gone. Um, <laughs> Pedal bears rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Woo my dinner and then i want a highball right after that <laughs> and then after that i'm, I'm my head- highball and then, <laughs> and then when we're done i'm i'm head i'm heading up to the bar to talk to the chaps about some of that good old boxing and maybe watch it on the old teletube <laughs> sweet but um yeah i i i, I don't know I'm, I'm a little torn on uh the ad universe uh, listen to me ad universe um <laughs> But um, this universe, this universe. I mean, there's not that many colonies in space, and they really didn't get rocked all that well. So I probably choose to live in a space colony. Although during that alien invasion, they're probably right in line to get effed up. But uh, no, because uh, Saji was on a, 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 a one of the colonies when um the invasion took place. So uh, well, the, everything the, with you is Saji, Saji, Saji. Hey man, I'll be rolling with that guy. That guy's awesome, man. That's what that's all I got to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll point, I'll point at you in my gunman and laugh at you. <laughs> I, I I gotta say uh, I I do like the AD world is not too different from ours, save for the mecca and the and 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 the future politics. But uh, it, it's I don't it's know. Cool. There's a lot of those politics seem the same problems we have. <laughs> You're pretty much right. <laughs> oh man. But um, Chris, what are your thoughts on um? The, the the backlash I guess on uh, the Macross series and uh, by by Robotech diehards because I know you have some words to say about that right well you know I I've seen a couple of things over the years and there's sort of a theme to the objections and I don't want this to become like Robotech haters bashing right but I'll try to get through it quickly one thing I've noticed is that the people who claim that Robotech is so much better than Macross and the other series. Mm-hmm. Is because, and this is the second time we're using this word this episode, oh. because Robotech is much more jingoistic. Oh. <laughs> Man, we're just winning today. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's pretty evident from the adaptation of the show. You know, the, the, like the dialogue, it's much more like American militaryified. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Minmay, in the final battle against Zentradi, she's singing a song called We Will Win instead of the original song Love Drifts Away mm-hmm. pretty much gives you an impression of which direction the two adaptations are going. So that's one thing that, you know, one of the, they like Macro, I mean, they like Robotech more because it's more jingoistic. A uh, common complaint I hear, and this is just ridiculous, is that Macross is dumb because music wins wars. <laughs> that's the whole theme of all of it, though. Always it's been. It's like, okay, maybe it is a dumb idea that music wins wars but they had that in robotech too so yeah <laughs> where, where do you get off knocking it on macross when robotech it had the exact same effect so that i think is pretty freaking stupid Speculate. did you guys like zero it started off good i thought but then it just got kind of crappy yeah I just just it, it it did degrade over over the episodes it ran. It degenerated due to Shoji Kawamori's uh, hippiness. Oh, you had to go there. Yep, <laughs> damn tree hugger. 
eventually it fell flat. It, it, the, I guess it reached its pinnacle height when they announced a live action movie and that um, they had investors who were willing to back it up like Tobey Maguire and he wanted to, to, to lead in it but I, I guess Tobey Maguire hasn't done much since. Yeah, and that, that movie is where exactly? It's in the garbage can. <laughs> and that that was going to be a Harmony Gold production. Yeah, they were going to have they were going to they were going to at least get money from it, and and I guess they were producing it to some degree, so they were involved with its development. And and how many years was Shadow Chronicles delayed? Oh my God! And and there was supposed to be a new Shadow Chronicles. That yeah, was where's, to be where's 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 uh, where's that uh, Shadow Rising? It was it was announced, you know, like a gazillion years ago. It's vaporware. Again, you know, these guys are like they are like three D realms. They just yeah. keep. Throwing out all this vaporware when there's a viable franchise out there that they could be involved with rather than hinder. And let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Matt Cross has its issues getting over here. Yeah. You know, the rice issues, do you remember, love, that Robert Woodhead from Animigo once told me, nobody knows who has the rights to that movie. Good Lord. <laughs> Matt, mind you, I asked him this 10 years ago, but I don't doubt that the situation remains exactly the same. It, it's such a cash cow in Japan, though. I'm sure yeah. you'd have to pay so much to get it. Yeah. But better, better to try to ape off of them than your vaporware franchise that doesn't work. What I would say to uh, Harmony Gold is the advice that Wu Tang Financial gives out: Yes, diversify <laughs> your funds, bitch. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that seriously. I mean Harmony Gold. They really need to start exploring other things other than just Robotech and trying mm -hmm. to live off of this one cash cow because. You know, how far can your cash cow take you if that cash cow is vaporware? Yeah, not very far from what we've seen. But um, over time, I got to see all the series, and I finally buckled and watched G Gundam at Neo's insistence, and I ended up loving that show. And I realized that all the different franchises, or all the different um, series of Gundam, had their own charm. There is Man. no bad Gundam. There is no bad Gundam. Oh, well. Uh, no, there is. Yeah, there, there's at least two. Doozy Bots and... Um, and SD Gundam Force, although I hear SD Gundam Force does get better. A Aren't you bit. forgetting Destiny? Oh yeah, and and of course Destiny, but um that has a that's that for is, you Jab Man. That that has a special place in my heart and the toilet, but I, and, and a special <laughs> place for Jab Man too. And a special place for Jab Man, and sucker. Um, <laughs> but Hiroko, uh, it, 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 any any thoughts on on franchises? Franchise. Well, you know I'm not a I'm not a huge Gundam fan, so it's it's hard for me to say. You know, just like. Chris mentioned to me it's it's been about the toys, right? So what when it comes the, to merchandise then just how, the, how does it stack the up? merchandise is awesome. You there know, you to me this is like even when I was a little kid, the quality of the model kits is still up there, right? Mm. And so just for nostalgia and you know, the the toys came a little bit first for me. So I've always kind of focused on it and um the quality of the kits has kept up. Um the high complaints are still really nice. If I had any criticism, it's that um, there's still people like me that like keep the the original mobile suit stuff so popular, which it's it kind of has to pass on at some point, right? Like, who still wants no, to never. get a Zaku? You know, <laughs> you'd I mean, how be, many how many Zakus can you get? You know, the Zaku is the most popular thing in Gundam next to the Gundam. Wow. But they should let it go at some point, you know? No, like... they'll never let it go. It's it's <laughs> spread into other universes now. That it's, is true. The, that's what the, that's my criticism at the like, you know, there's a new age in it, there's new people involved. Hey, at there's some three point... things that have become universal about Gundam. The basic design of the RX-78 that will always be copied in every new show. Mm -hmm. The basic design of the Gundam, I mean of the Zaku, that will be copied somehow in pretty much every show, some way, 
or somehow, the and Haro, which is now just copied outright in every new universe. Yeah. I don't know. I think to to make it its own big thing, they've got to separate a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's like for me when I listen to when you listen to music nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. They still freaking play music that I grew up to, and it's still really popular. And until like people just throw it in the trash and start something new, I think it's gonna stagnate and, and it's gonna well, suffer. Well, it's still ridiculously popular, despite you know them yeah. coming back to that same well over and over again. And I guess from Midnight's perspective, and, and this is true and their profits show it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Next one here, and this was uh, overwritten. I, I originally did not want to do this article, but I was overridden by the managing editor. And uh, he yelled at me extensively the whole morning about this. And this comes from Mr. Saber. And uh, I know Chris and Solbro are very excited about this because when they heard about it, they wanted they were like, why, why are you not putting this in there? Well, more, more, so, more so me, but not Chris. It's okay. actually sad news for Chris. Okay. Um, uh, I'm having a hard time saying these three words. Um, the best way that we can, we can do it is uh, to make... Well, remember Gundam Sea Destiny? Mm-hmm. And the guy that does the voice of Shin Asuka, the main character of that show, not Atherin, uh, by the way, and uh, <laughs> the, um, the besmircher of a red Zaku, Lunamaria Hawk. Oh, uh, boy. Her, her voice actor, uh, Maya Sakamoto, and Shin's voice actor, Kenichi Suzumura, they just got married on, Oct- on August 8th. Well, congratulations. Hey. And, um, but, you know, now we have become a girl show. But I know, I, I know, uh, I know you get excited about this stuff, this legal stuff, and you become uh, you become uh, the, the Jim Cramer of um, of anime legal legalese. Bam, bam, bam. But uh, we sell, will. Sell, sell. <laughs> <laughs> Bear Stearns is a solid company. Lehman Brothers put their whole four hundred one k in there. Invested Bear... News Corp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot it's... stock. Hot, 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 hot. Put all your money. <laughs> Your eggs in one basket. Do it. It's awesome. Yeah, eighty-eight feet made it. Way to go! Another hundred thousand uh, dollars, and you know, that hundred thousand dollars that could have been some more uh, low-grade uh, anime that they could have brought us instead. So I can understand why they probably want this money back. So instead of uh, a pay-for-wear live-action movie that's never going <laughs> to. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, how many? What, what was that? God, that was like what? Two thousand four, two thousand three, two thousand four, where they showed like that one. One picture and a drawing it, it, by Weta. It's like whoop de doo. Yeah, get a drawing. It's like <laughs> yeah, if, it, if it's done by Peter ja- yeah, done by Peter Jackson, it'll be the longest movie ever. But um, thank you, oh. Mr. Showman Ninja, for that. And that's it for the news. And like always, I want to thank everybody for their submissions. And uh, like I had stated earlier, when we opened up the show, we were going to be doing an extended mailbag segment. So we will be back in a little bit. Um, is there anything that you guys need to say or comment on before we get into our first segment about the extended mailbag? I don't like you. I never have and I never will. <laughs> you bother me. You annoy me. Why? Why Can't is send the look of you? Go why, away. Why is the managing editor back on here? I've already had enough of you today. I didn't want to do the marriage. The marriage. You're getting part. on thin ice, buddy. You better watch it. Do you know who well, I am? I will leave and I will start my own network. <laughs> Good news. You're washed up. You're yesterday's news. Nobody cares about you. Oh. I, will, I will open up at Neo University and have <laughs> unaccredited, accredited people talk about things that they know nothing about. But uh, the world's most ill-informed come from there. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anything else before we get into our first segment? Oh, I'm ready to open up some envelopes. Let's do this. All right. Well, we will be back with the extended mailbag. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. All right, let's move on. All right. <laughs> Next questions come from Devil Survivor. He says, first, have you played any of the Mech Warrior games or read any of the novels? No. No. <laughs> Soul Bro? It, it's got a strong following, but no, I, I haven't either. I know, I know, I've known a lot of people who have, though. Why'd you have, why'd you have to be Switzerland about it? I, I, you know, just I was about to say the same thing. I was just trying to be cool, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was asking you a question. You're no, it's a yes okay. or no, no question. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to give him a little bit more than just a one-syllable word. Other, <laughs> other people like this, but I haven't seen it. Hey, How man, does that it, give more information? Because <laughs> to be honest, right, if I gave a filler, then shit. <laughs> based, on his, based on his question. Your view on the franchise as a whole, at which point, Solbro, you could give your filler answer. All yep. right. Well, well shoot. I, I guess I jumped the gun a little bit there. As but, usual. Uh, as usual. <laughs> I guess I've answered that question. I, I need to be the most likable one on this show. Uh, I hate you guys so much. <laughs> um, so you go to the but, UN, man. You, you uh, just be like, I know uh, some people have some views on this side regarding the slaughter of children in Africa. And no some doubt. people have different views. <laughs> Regarding the slaughter of children in Africa. That's crazy extreme, but... <laughs> That's you, man. <laughs> that is me all day. But Look, what, what... Now, some people may agree with child prostitution <laughs> in the third world, and others may disagree with it. Let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Well, what are you guys' thoughts on the Mecha Warrior franchise? I'll be honest with you. I don't know too much about it. I mean, I see the things at shops, and I know there is a... Huge following on it. Sorry to steal your thunder there, Soul Bro, but no doubt. <laughs> I that's my extent there. So my thoughts are it is a franchise that exists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I got not nothing sure. against it. I'm just not involved with it, so yet. So if I ever do, then I'll I'll update this then. Alright, and our next questions come from Nasty Nate. Woo! Alright. Who says, Have any of you ever imported and completed an import video game? All right, uh, I imported, yes, I bought, and I imported a European copy of Shenmue 2 on the Dreamcast, mm -hmm. which naturally Ooh. I have completed multiple times. Wow, look at you, man. Yeah. Uh, More recently, I have, but have not completed an import copy of The Last Window, which is the sequel to Hotel Dusk on the DS that Nintendo refuses to release here because they're dicks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any other games you've imported and completed? That's it for me because, you know, up until this generation, and even still in this generation, importing is so hard because of regional lockouts. I mean, yeah. with the DS, it's easy because there's no regional lockout. With the PS3, it's easy because there's no regional lockout. I know, for example, and I guess this could count, I borrowed Austin's imported copy of Gundam 0081. Oh. Which I know that uh, Nasty Nate plays. Nice. So yeah, that's easy to do because no lockout. Yeah, the DS, no lockout, but mm -hmm. 360, Wii, 3DS, they all lock you out. So that yeah. makes it hard to do without getting into homebrew and modifications that 
you know, they'll try to counteract with the next version of the firmware. So mm-hmm. it's just a, a problem most of the time. All right. His second question. What video game do you wish the most would come stateside? Age doesn't matter. All right. I got a few. I'll throw one out that I've been saying for at least 12 years. Secret of Mana 3. Oh, wow. Square. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? This is the best of the Secret of Mana games. Why the hell haven't you brought it out? Why couldn't you just do a simple touch-up and toss it out on the DS the way you did the DS version of Chrono Trigger? Get Absolutely. this freaking game out here, for Christ's sakes. But then again, this is <laughs> Square Enix now and not Squaresoft, so they're garbage. <laughs> That's to be expected. Also, all of the previous Fire Emblem games that did not come out in America. It'd be nice to have them on Virtual Console, but Nintendo... You know, they just appeal to the lowest common denominator now, and they don't care about the games that fans actually want, so that ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And another one that ain't going to happen ever, because again, Nintendo doesn't care about the games that fans want, Mother 3. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, give us Mother Collection of all three Mother games, since all we ever got was Earthbound. Man, you, are, you, are, you, are, you have got a laundry list for the sound of it. <laughs> But yeah, Nintendo has a bad habit of, and Square too, of just not bringing out uh, the, you know, any any kind of games that you know they would have to take a chance on. They just don't want to bring those out. And um, Nintendo, uh, we can just we can go all day about. Uh, just, well, let's just not because there's still mess. another question regarding that. Oh. Well, uh, as for uh, games I'd like to see come out here, um, I I know this is delving into Candyland, but um, definitely. Um, Mobile Ban- Ops: The One Year War. No doubt, no. Ban um, <laughs> Presto has barely gotten any of their games out here, and I know that um, they brought out the original generation Super Robot Wars games. But I would love it if the, there was ever a chance to bring out one of the uh, full-blown Super Robot Wars games out here. And um, they've got other strategy games they've created too, like uh, Namco. Nam- Namco Cross Capcom was a uh, strategy RPG that had fighting elements in it that came out on the PS1, sorry, PS2 a couple years ago, and it was a whole lot of fun to play the import of that. Never had a chance to finish that. And then they have a recent game, which I think is in the Queen's Blade series, which plays a lot like it. And um, it's coming out for the PSP really soon. It's got a lot of fighting game characters in that. that I, I, I saw the trailer for it just recently, and it piqued my interest, especially since it played a lot like um, Super Robot Wars and Namco Cross Capcom. Well, that I you could at least import too. with no problem since the PSP Absolutely. is not region-locked. It's just nice to be able to play a game like that in English since, you know, it's an RPG in part. But, you know, I could play it at least That's what uh, Game to Facts some degree. is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the old Game Facts. <laughs> but, uh, Neo, any, any games that you would like to see come over here? Well, I'll, I'll, keep, it, uh, I'll keep it within um, the, the scope of the show. Maybe some of the good Gundam games that we never get. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like Gundam 0081. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, Lord knows we can't. We haven't had enough Dynasty Warriors. Exactly. I, I, mean, a, I mean, we'll be getting more shortly. I'll throw in the the versus games on PSP. You know, like yeah, exactly. um, Extreme Versus. Mm-hmm. You know, because we haven't had enough Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> what about what about the um the Macross uh. The, the Macross games that have like all the um, all the different universes or stories. Sure, in Macross. that too. And um, there was also on the PS2. There was the uh, in the arcade. There was the Gundam Seed games that were made by Capcom and Namco, where um, or Capcom and Bandai, where uh, you got to play uh, throughout the whole run of um, Gundam Those Seed, were the Gundam Seed Destinies, the versus yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. On, I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Well, doggone. But yeah, those were those were pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, and his last question is. 
What do you think about Nintendo saying no to the huge amount of fans trying to get The Last Story, Xenoblade, and Pandora's Tower stateside? They're assholes, that's what. Oh. (laughs) I mean, why would you not... Okay, forget about uh, Xenoblade getting a European release and already being translated to English. Mm -hmm. And forget about Pandora's Tower. The Last Story is a game from Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy. Why would you not want to release a game that you could emblazon upon it from the creator of Final Fantasy? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But again, Nintendo, especially with the Wii, all they care about is the lowest common denominator. And, Casual gamer, man. Casual gamer. You know, the generally, and I know that this is what they do every every freaking cycle. Mm-hmm. As soon as their new system comes out, they immediately abandon the old one. Yeah. Ooh. Usually they at least wait for the new system to come out before they abandon the current one. They don't even right. seem to be doing that because aside from Zelda, Skyward Sword, and a new Kirby game, what have we got coming out that are major titles on the Wii? Nintendo has pretty much abandoned the system, but there could still be life left in it, given that it has the largest install base of the three current consoles. Why wouldn't you release these games? Hell, Xenoblade is already in English. It's getting a European release. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. And, you know, there's, it, like you said, it has an install base, so most people have a Wii. Why not, why not release some of these games? I mean, it wouldn't cost much to translate it since it's already been translated or to, port, to, to bring it over here. Just yeah. do it. Well, and, recently, uh, in the last week, uh, the, the head man at Nintendo, good old Reggie himself, he oh. said that they're going to watch the European sales of Xenobade very closely. Which yeah. is about as non-committal as you can get. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I forgot that the the European video game market is just like the American video game market, right? I guess this is finally our karma that that Europe gets something that we don't. Yeah. After them getting screwed for decades. Yeah, yeah exactly. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. It's time to kick off a segment that we promised a very long time ago and up to now have failed to deliver upon. Much to the shame of our show, having spent nearly four years on air and never talked about this series. (laughs) Yes, it's time for the Pat Labor Roundup. It's about goddamn time. I mean, Gundam time. And we're kicking off with a discussion of the original Mobile Police Pat Labor OAV series that was released in 1988. But first, a little bit of background on it. Mm-hmm. This show uh, and the manga that ran along in the same time were the product of a creative group called Headgear, which is something that you don't see too often in anime, where you have a group of people working together on projects. Yeah, you have Clamp, but they're maybe about one of the only ones that's been around long term. Because Headgear showed up in the 80s, they did Pat Labor, and after that they pretty much went along their own ways. Hmm. So you had this group consisting of several members, including director Mamoru Oshii, who before this was famous for some OAVs, as well as directing the Urusai Yatsura TV series. 
as right. well as the very well-known second movie, Beautiful Dreamer. Yep. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite anime movies ever. You had yep. writer Kazunori Ito, who would later work with Oshi on the first Ghost in the Shell movie, and would later create Dot .hack. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what's the story? You have in the future of 1998, <laughs> as it was at the time, you had Japan using robots called labors in construction. Mm-hmm. And, of course, these labors were eventually used for crime. So, naturally, the police, to fight robot crime, you have to make your own robots. Thus was the birth of the patrol labor or pat labor. Right. So, this story follows the uh, misadventures of the Tokyo Police Department's Special Vehicles Section 2, Division 2. Mm-hmm. And the uh, mayhem and destruction that they leave in their wake every single time they answer <laughs> a call to respond to some sort of labor crime. So what makes this show stick out is it's a mecha show, and yet it's not because it's mostly a slice of life, day in the life of of these wacky police officers <laughs> with only a minor focus on the mecha involved most of the time. <laughs> I mean, hell, for Christ's sakes, in one episode of the TV show, he they're, they're trying to get into a building that's on fire. He mm. tries to blast the glass with his... Uh, with his gun, and when he complains <laughs> that his gun hasn't been loaded into the into the unit, you know, Asuma tells him, "Why the hell would you bring a gun to a rescue mission?" <laughs> That's just so characteristic of what a maniac he is. Yeah, man, that, that guy was born with gunpowder in his bloodstream. <laughs> then, then you got uh, you got Izumi, who is uh, you know cute little tomboy, but she's a complete mecha freak. Yeah, and has this obsession with naming everything Alphonse after. Her dead pets, Alphonse. Oh. <laughs> and of course, she gets maniacally protective of her Alphonse Ingram unit. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Which leads to amusing consequences. <laughs> she, she, she doesn't even want to get a scratch on it, yet she's taking on all sorts of criminals with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I... I, I keeping an eye on sv2 and um you, you uh, right off the bat goto can tell something's up and he's kind of uh he's kind of out of his uh the way his character normally is represented where he's lazy and doesn't seem to want to be there and um in this one you know he's spending his winter vacation at work which is already a red flag right there <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know uh, the way it unfolded and the way he was networking around, driving around with his car phone, because I guess in uh, 1998 they still don't have cell phones, and and the way he's organizing everything and um and the way it plays out, I I thought it was a compelling two-parter, especially his uh his uh his tactic at the end with the Trojan horse was awesome. Yeah, I mean it 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 was definitely um you know it was it was definitely the the idea of the cat and mouse game, mm-hmm. and you know th- these two guys that know each other so well. And they're, you know, the the his friend is trying to, uh, you know, take over the government and stuff. And like you said, the the whole thing of him just acting the whole time, like he's just kind of disinterested, um, is uh, is pretty pretty good. So, and um, it, it it is it is a pretty good little arc there with the you know the two episode arc. So, Roy Fokker, huh? That's the man, dude. Uh, Mr. Pineapple oh. Salad himself. <laughs> what 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 could you not like about this guy? Ace pilot, drunk, pervert, womanizer. So so tough he doesn't he, I don't need no medical attention. <laughs> I don't need no medical attention even though there's all these holes that got shot through me. Oh my gosh. G- give me give me a drink, a guitar, pineapple salad, and a hot black chick and I'm all the, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> He likes his drinks like he likes his women. 
Oh man, but yeah, Roy. Um, Roy was the first character I ever saw. Um, to to in in a, in, a, in an animated TV series die off, and uh, it always will stick with me. I mean, that episode always and definitely not uh, ambiguously. No, no, no. The, the whole episode had that vibe. Episode eighteen of uh, Macross and uh, Robotech the Macross Saga, which is where I first uh, saw him represented. It was, he, a, it, um, was a, it was a doom and gloom episode. <laughs> it was because you know he was. It was almost like he was like he was fulfilling uh, his his last. His last duty, basically, <laughs> and you got that vibe the whole episode. He was trying to help out Rick, who was a, I'm sorry, Rick or Hikaru, depending on which version of the show you saw, as he was laid up in the hospital, trying to bring him and um, trying to get Minmade to come see him in the hospital and and take care of a few other things. And then he goes out to fight the Zentradi, and uh, when he comes back, those last few minutes where you spend with him and Claudia, man. <laughs> He's sitting there just playing the guitar, and um, he's bleeding out the back unbeknownst to her, and the next thing you know, his ass is slumped over. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and then to pronounce his ass dead, and I'm sitting there shocked as an eight-year-old kid because I, you know, I, I really didn't catch on. I didn't catch on at all. I didn't think anybody would die in this show, and just the, the raw shock of that scarred me for life. Had, Thank you, Roy. Had you noticed in, in the... <laughs> Oh wait, no, that happens in the next episode that, yeah. that Kakazaki slash Woo! Ben Dixon gets killed. I was by that point I was numb. <laughs> wrap, but, wrap up my steak. No doubt, no doubt, man. That porterhouse. My steak. <laughs> I take it to go. They sent they sent the porterhouse to his parents, wrapped in the um the UN spacey flag. <laughs> the, the 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 extended version of that scene is I never got to eat my steak. <laughs> You know, <laughs> the thing that's kind of interesting about about Roy, though, is as far as the influence he has on Hikaru, mm-hmm. you know, Hikaru definitely, he learned a lot about flying from Roy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't learn enough from him about women. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that, that made that made Roy not perfect, which I I, I ultimately love about his character, because he, he's definitely flawed, and no one should go out there and fly drunk. <laughs> no, but the thing is, you know, Roy, he eventually manned up. And mm-hmm. realized that Claudia was a woman for him, and made his feelings known. And then, you know, they had their time together, and they were happy. Yeah. Whereas Hikaru was just, you know, so wishy washy till the yeah. end. And, uh, un- and but the, the I think yeah the problem was is that Roy never did share that with uh, Hikaru, and yeah. um, he and never. Don't, as the audience don't find this out until way after. When, yeah, when Claudia <laughs> tells Roy's the story. Roy's been dead. <laughs> we get a little bit of a, a visit from Roy one last time in the series later on with uh with Claudia's story to Lisa, but that's a story that um Roy should have told Hikaru as well, and I don't know yeah. why um they never got around <laughs> to like it. Son, sometimes <laughs> a man. Loves a woman, he has to man up, <laughs> go in for the kill. Exactly. Well, Roy was drunk all the time, so he he, he forgot. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you, you tend to forget like, things when like you're drunk. Movie, he's like, hey, Hikaru, you like a woman, you gotta go after her like this. <laughs> Slipped his mind. <laughs> I've got to add that um, if anybody's watched the uh, the dub of uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross um, from ADV and also watched um, Nadesco the dub, the same guy does the voice for uh, both characters. Um, I forget his name is uh, Brett something, but um, if anything, it's just it's just a Brett weird Weaver? coincidence. Brett Weaver. Brett. Thank you, thank you. Not not uh, Brett, not Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. <laughs> No, no, not Brett Favre. Thank what God. Do anything. <laughs> Brett, Brett Weaver does the voice of both characters, and I, I guess that's uh, I, I, a running joke for for that voice actor that he plays uh, senpai that are destined to die. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's that's my input on Roy. My next senpai, um, he wasn't around for too long, also, but um, it's it's a it's a it's an odd pick, but um, I always liked uh, 
Oliver Inouye from uh, Mobile Suit Victory Gundam. Oh, Mr. Meet that. I'm going to destroy the large rolling battleship in, in its most impervious part where the tire is rolling. Instead of going oh. to the side and the spokes, I'm just going to hit it head on because that'll work. I'm just going to call him Mr. Goodyear. <laughs> and not only that, but while I'm doing that, I'm going to waste one of the rare V2 core fighters instead of just using the dime a dozen V1 core fighters. Exactly. Mayday! Mayday! Abort! Abort! Oh no! Yeah. But, but, but luckily, I gave uh, Marbet's uh, new type space baby. So, glowing, you know, give her glowing baby stuff. So. It was, it, was, it was Charlie to the Angels that were the, uh, that were the strike team. And um, he, he got these little kids in, in, in line to, to join up with the, uh, with the well, I guess, the League Militaire. And, um, you know, he, he pretty much was the, he was the man for a short period until he just died stupidly. <laughs> he died such... It's like the one thing that cheapens his character. It's not like he went out in a blaze of glory. He went out in a death he could have completely avoided. And I just don't get it. I, and, I just... and, and that had no impact. <laughs> oh, it did! Have, it did have impact. It just, it just, <laughs> it just bounced. It just, it just worked itself out. It just yeah, restored. It was like it was like the impact of a mosquito bite. <laughs> I mean, usually, usually things like that. The guy, okay, maybe he does a kamikaze attack into like the bridge of the ship or something. That would make more sense. But no, I'm just gonna do it in the tire. <laughs> it's like cast to throw rocks at tanks, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ask, ask Palestinians. Oh they do man, it. it's a daily it's a daily occurrence over there. But yeah, um, old Oliver, man, I like this character. I just I still disagree on how Tamina decided to to murk him. But what can you do? It's it. <laughs> What's done is done. But um, that's any any. You guys have any thoughts on him at all? Any any last thoughts? He he lived well. He died stupidly. <laughs> I concur. I'll go with uh, one that's a little less obvious, but definitely still a senpai, and that is Ryu Jose. Oh, that is the man. Oh, man. You know, he, uh, back when back when Bright removed Amuro from the Gundam and threw him in the slammer, Ryu was the one who believed in Amuro and pushed for him and said, hey, you know, this kid's got skill. You shouldn't just, uh, you know, throw him out of there and you know, give him a chance, yada, yada. And uh, talk about being a soldier. This guy gets shot up. And still wants to fight. Yep. And even uh, dragging himself into the core fighter and uh, taking down uh, Hamon. Yeah. Just to save the white base. Yep, pretty much. And pulling armor was baking out the fire. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. quickly forgotten. And, oh, man. But that's only because uh, of another man that shows up later. But, um, yeah, Rio Jose, man. I, I, his character definitely was the uh, the white base cheerleader for, for at least a time. And, um,. It, it, the, the scene where everybody no, just breaks I, no, the down. Face, the white mm-hmm. face cheerleader. The white face cheerleader is Frau Bo. Frau Bo. <laughs> well, she's like the. She's I, like, I, I, I would. I would say. I would say Rio's. The, he's. He's. The, he's the guy. He's the glue that kept everybody kind of together. Because like yeah. Chris said, he. He was the one that was like, "All right, Brad. I know you think that Armro is an idiot and stuff, but we really do need this guy. You guys got to make it work." And, don't, be, don't be mad, Bright. Don't be mad. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like the impact that he had on Amuro, that later when they get to uh, when they get to uh, uh, Ireland and they're having that meeting and some suit, you know, he's like, oh, and Ryu Jose receives a posthumous three rank promotion, and mm-hmm. Amuro like just brings up, and I think rightfully so, like that's that's it. 
yeah. what you didn't help us out while he was alive and you're just gonna hand out promotions when he's dead that's all you're gonna what what good are you any of you people yeah <laughs> exactly I, i'm glad he, i'm glad he brought him to the table for that with that because um it just goes to show how much his death meant to those who didn't know him and um you know it just seemed to be another uh matter of fact situation for for the higher ups to just to give him a, that two that three rank promotion when um which they, is, they sh- I mean, useless. I mean, what what, yeah. what does that accomplish? That, after the fact, the guy's dead. What does that mean? You, you yeah. didn't help. You didn't help us when we needed it, and he's dead because of it. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. in name only, unless he's got a wife and child that you know is going to get some kind of payment afterwards. Which I mean, obviously, a, he doesn't. Yeah, but. which he doesn't. He was a swinging bachelor. <laughs> But yeah, um, was jumping yeah. onto white base. Jump exactly, and we're always and now he's become an internet meme because of it. He's he's definitely one of the best ones out there. I thought this movie was it, it was it was it was it carried the same flavor that the OVA series did with 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 just a lot more going on. You had the the set piece in the beginning where the uh, where that one berserk labor is cutting a swath through <laughs> a neighborhood in, in in Tokyo, and I just I, I thought that whole scene was was so well directed and very cinematic, and and that's Oshi's style. It, it's very it's very cinematic when he makes these movies. He, he tries to make them with the sensibility of a film director, and um, it was cool to see that Pat Labor had that approach to it in this. Well, he, he he is a film director. <laughs> he is he he is. But I mean, like you you, you could tell you could tell when something. Are, are you insulting this man? I'm not. By I'm saying not. that he's not a film director, <laughs> even though it's animated. No, he's I'm still just, a film I'm director. I'm from years of watching animated oh, animated products. That. Oh, you guys suck. Oh, <laughs> years of well, watching. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> no, you're listen. right, you're right, you're right. I'm not trying to insult the man at all. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that I, I've I've watched a lot of films, um, animated films that look like you know they were just made uh, as as just you know with cartoon sensibilities and if this is is made with with the with a very cinematic eye and you know there's there's moments where characters are, are not even speaking yet you can still you can feel what's going on and, and sense that there's still communication going on between those characters and he he's he's a master at that when when it comes to uh those moments in these movies and then just- uh no no more is the the issue that's addressed in this movie more prevalent than it is probably till today with the threat of codes or viruses or trojans left in mass marketing products or something like that through a disgruntled or maybe somehow mentally unstable or person uh you know like a hobo was and uh, it's you know um very prevalent to that and and once again you know the whole investigative thing with Ozma and, and what he has to do and of course like um uh, Chris stated go to he's always one step ahead and always does it with the least amount of uh effort needed <laughs> so but i mean it, it it's 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 one of these shows where it's like we even talked about with the OVAs i mean uh Mecca is there's mechas in it. Are they the driving force of it to an extent, but also to an extent not because it, it does have that. It's got that good storytelling of, you know, police drama. Um, I know sometimes when you hear police drama, you can get really burnt out with like the 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 uh, plethora of police dramas and things that are especially in the <laughs> no, United this, States. This ain't, this ain't no CSI. Yeah, it's no it's you. it's no CSI. No, definitely not. It's real but, police uh, work. It is real police work. <laughs> It definitely took us a little longer technologically to catch up 
to where the setting of Pat Labor was, but we've we've made it to that point, you know, minus the robots. Yeah. Minus the robot. <laughs> Always that dis- that qualifier minus the robots. Hey, we're getting you know, there. We're getting there, but I mean, we're at that point where, you know, computers are so heavily integrated into what we do that we take it for granted mm-hmm. that, you know, they could turn against us by by someone's design. So, that was definitely very forward thinking of the plot there to have that in 1989. Um, the other thing about Hobo Suicide that works so great in this movie is you don't have a villain. They're not trying to chase the villain and capture him because they can't. He's dead. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what he did yeah. and what's going to happen as a result of what he did. So that makes it a very different type of police movie because a lot of police movies are trying to capture the villain. He ends up being the ghost in the machine. And basically, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're chasing. They're chasing <laughs> after a dead man. Yeah. And I like that it splits off into two investigations because we have Asuma on the technical end trying to figure out what's the problem with the HOS and what is the point of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have on the other track, you have Matsui and his partner doing the old-fashioned police work of getting down into the trenches, you know, visiting all of these, like, run-down old shacks that Hoba used to live in and piecing together what kind of a man he was and why he's doing what he's doing so they can understand what his his plot is what his goal is mm-hmm. yeah the old-fashioned uh the old-fashioned police canvassing the neighborhood yeah talking can. to people yeah. and you see visually how it works because you have matsui and his partner going through like all of these old rundown neighborhoods of old wooden houses that are all being torn down to make way for you know the glittering new skyscrapers of you know the new Tokyo, yeah, and you see that contrast, and you see yeah. Hobo's problems with society right there visually, without a word even being said or anything being explained to you. Yeah, they and establish. What's, and what's and what's great about sorry, but what's great about those scenes is there's usually very little music and usually no real talking except kind of towards the end of the show or towards yeah. the end a little of the bit of percussion goes. some drums because yeah. uh kenji kawaii he's a master when he works with oshi well he's a, he does this on his own anyway but he's a master of being able to use just one or two instruments to set the mood perfectly yeah yeah you just hear a little bit of drums in the background as matsui and his partner are going around all of these different um neighborhoods searching out things and it just makes everything work perfectly together that it does day one junior detective jitsuyama and i are tracking some guy named ichi hova a slippery fella with about 26 last known addresses each one now derelict or completely knocked down the acrid smell of rotten wood and moldy masonry overwhelms the senses as we trudge into this mess that was once a thriving little community I used to live here when I was a kid, and the skyline framed by the window in Hoba's 15th apartment reminds me of what the world is coming to. Progress is the new concern, and the past is just seen as garbage, all of it. Would it kill the city to just use some of the taxes to clean this shit up? Like we still need a shrine over there and an orphanage over here. Just bulldoze them down for crying out loud. Hey, Jitsuyama. Yeah, boss? Shut up. We got nothing. Come on, we worked hard here today. Don't be so down and out, man. Fifteen houses are nothing but dust and bird cages. We're chasing my Aunt Beatrice. We did more than we had to. We need to celebrate. Give me a big hottie whoop, man. No. Come on. No. Whoop. I'm going to the car. Come on, just just one whoop. No. Whoop. No. Whoop. No. Speaking of Conoco. Mm-hmm. One of the moments that I love in this movie, and it's only like 10 seconds, is when Kanaka arrives at the airport in Tokyo, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And um, the guy asks her, like, oh, what are you here for? And in the Japanese version, she just answers in English, combat, after taking off <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so Kanuka. <laughs> just right to the point. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, if th- these days, if you're coming mm-hmm. into the airport somewhere and they oh, ask man. you what's the nature of your visit and you say combat, <laughs> you're going you're, you're, you're to have your legs spread. You're going to be anally probed. <laughs> you're going to be shipped off to Guantanamo. You're gonna be you're gonna be having a nice sit down with uh with Homeland Security. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she has credentials to back that up. So you know. I know, but still, it's it's yeah. it's just not something that you would say to these days. Not now, now, not nowadays. Business or pleasure. There's no other choice. Yeah. Berg, and you just 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 the kickback of that gun that she's just shooting the CPU towards the end. It's just it's so well directed. I I got to give it up to Oshi. I, the way I, she's I, even I just like. Well, I hope I hope you do after you insulted him earlier. <laughs> The, the way she's squirming around oh. its body and it's turning its head and she's dodging so she doesn't get whacked by its antenna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just great attention to small little bits of detail. Yes, it was. Absolutely. I, th- I think the other thing that we f- forgot to mention with the kickoff of Pat Labor uh, Roundup is that it's it's the one show or it's the one franchise that should still be in circulation but will probably not going to be. <laughs> it oh. currently is not. <laughs> so. Yeah. For this movie, if you're out there finding it on DVD, you can um, you can probably find it on eBay or maybe Amazon because the re-release by Bandai Visual from a few years ago was pretty widely distributed. So mm-hmm. there should still be copies out there, hopefully not too expensive. Although there is the uber expensive fancy version that comes with like a book. It's right. like 80 bucks and you can avoid that. Just just get the, the movie only disc. And sadly, there is a Blu-ray in Japan that is not available Ooh. here. So yeah, too bad. <laughs> If you, if you like Japanese and no subtitles, you can order it. <laughs> yeah, if you like that. So pay like 80 or 90 bucks plus shipping. There you so, go. There international you go. shipping. Aim for the top. So that uh, that wraps up this segment of Palibur Roundup. Uh, next time, although not next episode, we'll be discussing the TV series. So won't be here for a while because these two guys, they got to... They got to watch it, and I have to finish reviewing on MHQ, which I'm only just under halfway through. So it'll be a while, but we will get to it. We will. Just just hang tight. So we'll be back in a minute with our next topic. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. And, and I mean that that's and and I think that that is that's a powerful way of doing filmmaking at times because I'm not going to insult this man uh, by saying he's not a film director <laughs> because of course you're not going to let that go, are you? <laughs> oh my god! Well, I just I found it very as soon as he said that I was like, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, 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 w, I, the WTF light just went off in my head. I'm like, one second. Um, man, mm-hmm. that think of think of all think of all the directors out there that probably started off doing commercials and um, <laughs> you know and animated films and yes, cartoons. We get, the, we get the points. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. We have a question from good old suspicious red lamp who uh, is asking about death. He says, "You guys have talked about almost any kind of death possible. Well, what about unsatisfying deaths?" 
Have any characters' deaths been so disappointing you wish you could bring them back to life to kill them off again in an even more gruesome way? <laughs> As for my victim today, I brought Rolo back to life and killed him during the first episode of R2. <laughs> he tried to bring Lelouch back to him after he ran his memories, but Colin happened to radio, radio wave him with the Gurren Mark II. My job and good act to the nation was done for the day. Damn. Damn. Some there. Even though Rolo kind of, you know, got a little humanized towards the end, yeah, you damn. <laughs> He's, hey, he killed Shirley, so yeah, he did, he did. Never mind. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Oh wait, that's, no, that's that's him. Sasaku did it. Yeah, who did it? Sasaku did it. That's what I thought. Sasaku. <laughs> that's what the internet said, so I must be right. It was Sasaku. Yeah. There's not everything's true on the internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially Always. the things we say. <laughs> yeah, pretty See, much. Who, who who deserves to be brought back to get a worse death? Um, shoot. Uh, I, 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 my vote goes to uh, Jamaican. <laughs> he got it pretty bad. He hey. got. He oh, got, he did. He, he got head on by the uh, the Super Gundam's beam cannon. Oh man! After being yeah. after it was baited by Yazan, so that's. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty, uh... Yeah, that's pretty bad. I bring it back to give that asshole a slow, torturous death. Um, slow and torturous, but I would me. say one that pops into my head who deserves a worse death than what she got is, um, Lusa Luft from Dunbine. Oh! Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you blew away your own daughter just because you are a whore and a bitch. The depravity of that woman is, you, is you, She deserved much, much worse than what she got. I, I second that motion. <laughs> Yeah. I second that. She got off light in comparison to how she should have got off. Man. So, back over to Chris to uh, get us going. And I think uh, I, I, I heard I heard some tires squealing. And I heard, I, I've smelled <laughs> biodiesel in the air. The, you did, the, sir. Is that, you did. Is that because... something? Because it yes. has to be because biodiesel. As, as you know, we've moved the uh, mailbag to the anus of the show. Nice. Oh, yes. <laughs> So instead, we've got uh, some straight talk express time because I think uh, we've been overdue for that for a while. I'm going to make these both brief, but you guys feel free to jump in if you have any comments on them, and I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. First one, Steve Jobs. Oh, man. And I address this to the entire world. World, can we tone down just a little bit on the Steve Jobs worship? Mm. The man was a man. He's not a god. Mm -hmm. I think you can be successful without treating people like garbage. Mm -hmm. And for all of the comments about how progressive his company was and the way Mm -hmm. he treated its employees and gave him benefits, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's true in America. Tell that to the workers in China at Foxconn who build all of these devices that all of you fanboys Mm -hmm. worship, Mm -hmm. who get paid peanuts, work 15-hour shifts are verbally and physically abused and have had, over the last, say, two years, several dozen suicides because of the conditions there are just so deplorable. Yes, yes. Uh, your iPod and um, iPhone come from those, uh, <laughs> come from those uh, wondrous, uh, wondrous factories. <laughs> or the, 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 yeah, like you said, your perfect example is that is, is the whole thing with their conditions where their products are being made in China. If any other company did that, they would sit there and they'd lionize them and they'd be like, oh my God, evil corporation, you're preying on the weaknesses of the third world countries. But yet you, you know, you have no problem getting your, your iPhone 4S, uh, you know, just, just as long as you get it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you said, people committing suicide verbally, physically getting abused and, you know, it's, yeah, it, yeah. We, we just got to kind of clear that also other companies like Nintendo also use Foxconn to have their stuff built for them. A lot of companies mm-hmm. do. Nobody's forcing Apple to. Right. That's true. It's their choice. So that's, that's it for that uh, little part of the straight talk. And- 
I will go to Chris with his first uh, his first submission for a Mecca murderer. Well, I think we have to give the uh, Patrick Bateman Memorial Award <laughs> for Mecca murdering to uh, the the royalty of Mecca murdering, and of course, I mean Prince Ali. Mr. Ali Al Sausage. Mr. Sausage himself. Mr. Ali Al Sausage. <laughs> Man, I fry up this brat just 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 in his honor. <laughs> from from Double O because uh, there's I don't think anyone I've seen in a Mecca show who gets as many named kills in a short period of time as this guy does. Yeah, because if you really think about it, when it comes to his face time in both seasons. You know, maybe a little bit less than you would normally have in a character like him in, in previous shows. So, yeah, he had a yeah. lot of face time in season one. Uh, was virtually not there in season two, but boy, when he was there in season one, did he kill a lot of people? I mean, let's let's look at the uh, the kill list. Um, he killed uh, he killed Laguna. Yeah. Right? He killed um, Kinoe. Kinoe. Mm-hmm. Yep. He killed Michael and Johan Trinity. Right. Yeah. Rich, before we go on, which is the best series of kills ever yes. as he shows up and the three trinities are there and i think it's what michael with his little knife is there he's like hey who are you what are you gonna do ali just all cool just boom, pulls out his bobber shoots him in the heart and then tells johan hey get in your suit we're gonna duke it out and then he kills him so and then and then, and then messes with uh nina later on in season two with, uh, <laughs> with all the things he says that man clearly yeah. likes to toy with his food <laughs> so he not he not only physically killed her two quote unquote brothers, but actually kind of mentally raped her in the head. So uh, <laughs> and made her even more screwed up than she already is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, he killed the original Lock on Stratos. Yes, yep. he got himself a Meister, man. Tagged a Meister, and uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting other people that he's killed because he killed a lot. Of course, just a bonus, uh, he he burned down Azadistan. <laughs> yeah, brain brain white. He brainwashed little children, one being uh, Setsuna, and had them kill their parents yep. before they go on a holy little jihad with him. <laughs> who, who else did he kill? I'm think, I'm, I get the impression I'm missing people that, that he's killed other than what I've already mentioned. Didn't he kill... Okay, he, okay no, that was Laguna. Um, well, he killed Laguna. Yeah, I know, but I, I was saying I thought he killed somebody else that was within the government in that first season. So... Um, it's just tough because that second season was so bad, it kind of scars it for you. So it's like if it outweighs the good of the first. Yeah, but so. now Double uh, O Season 2 is no longer the worst Gundam since ever because now we have Age. Oh, ho, ho. Age Episode 1. All right. Actually, Age, uh, age uh, fan scans from two months ago. That, that, that's what made it the worst. <laughs> so, but, so definitely yeah. uh, Ali because how many times do you see someone who kills so many uh, named characters? And he, and the thing about him is is we've had cold blooded killers in Gundam before, but it's like this guy really just exuded. He just was just part of him. I mean, the whole friggin' because he admits he, he loves to kill. Yeah, the crazy the crazy thing to uh, Kinue before she goes on the, her last ride. It's like man. so then he he kills her. Then in the next episode, he tags both of the Trinities within five minutes of each mm-hmm. other, and then two episodes after that. He kills Lock-On. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, the guy's just unstoppable. Serial, man. <laughs> and, like, and like you said, he did, he did the one thing that no one else could really do in that show. He killed the Meister. Yeah. No, one, no one else got the Meisters except, <laughs> well, except the, the closest The closest anyone got was when, uh, when Team Patrick went and he blinded Lock-On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the closest. But he didn't he didn't finish the deal. He didn't seal the deal on that he one. He didn't seal yeah. the deal. But uh, oh, and let's not forget that uh, I guess this could sort of count as named kills. Mm-hmm. That uh, since Ali was the head of the KPSA, he was responsible for the bombing that killed. Um, oh yeah, the, the Delandis. Yes, yeah. yes, he was. Papa and Mama and sister too. So. And make sure let, 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 kills. Let, let's let's make sure to let the people know that um even though he did kill did kill Lock on it was almost a double KO it was almost yes, yeah he did almost the, get number two as well almost yeah but, but he, anything but, else on uh Prince Ali Mister Sausage no uh, uh, aside from, aside from him being stone cold no <laughs> nothing more on on Prince Ali murderous he. Yeah, oh, Emma, what know, happened? She, she had her space madness at that point. Oh, so space madness. Space madness. <laughs> space madness. He ends up killing his, uh, his half-sister that he has a little thing for. He mm-hmm. causes all the death and destruction using the people that are blindly, fo- blindly following him Behind, uh, you know, for to um, you know to break away from the Britannia Empire, he mm-hmm. uses them as bait. He even gets um, that what was that girl, Inaway or whatever, that girl that was like kind of in the first beginning there, and she gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, causes he ends up killing his own father and mother. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's just like the list goes on. I, I, I'm sure I'm probably missing stuff. So Sol, Solbro and Chris, oh, jump uh, in he there. caused. He caused uh, Shirley's father to die. Father to kill. Oh, yeah. By doing the That's little right. uh, the landslide there in Narita. And he had a name, so. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Shirley. Mr. Shirley. Whatever her last name was. I mean, the, the, the thing that just makes it, that makes it really bad is the, fa- is, is the fact that he, uh, not only is he murdering people, but a lot of them he's, he's blood related to. <laughs> I mean, that, That's how that it just, is in the royal court, man. That just that gives a new meaning to like uh, family troubles, you know. It just uh, it, it was just there, and you know, and, and the fact of that he would just so blindlessly lead these people and just had no problem using them as freaking pawns. pawns. Everybody was pawns on deck, boy. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. Man, everybody. man and, would collapse cities <laughs> and just cause untold murder. <laughs> in order to forward his plans. It, it's amazing to me. And it doesn't matter how close you are to him. Unless you're one of maybe two or three people, you may not live if you unless, work for Lelouch. Unless your name is, is Nunnally or Shirley. <laughs> yeah. And even then, he couldn't stop Shirley from being killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we know it was Suzaku who did that and, and not, yeah. uh, not Rolo. Not yeah. even Callan. Not even Callan was quite safe. You know, granted, Callan became, you know, a very close... Uh, uh, very, 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 very close to the to the campaign, but you know. But she's but she survived. Yeah. And she ran through the streets with bread in her mouth. No doubt. <laughs> Can you believe that? Shocking, shocking! Ooh, I say. Man, Freaking she had now. bread in her mouth. That's a cardinal going to school. That's a cardinal sin. Thou shall be no bread in the mouth. <laughs> in a sunrise show. In the sunrise show. <laughs> is that, is that kind of like using 23 seconds of recycled footage in a six six episode OVA? <laughs> yes. Damn you, Aiko. Anything else on uh, Lelouch there? No, I mean, I, he, he, his hands are permanently red. Yeah. And he's at least, perma- at, at least he's permanently he, dead. Yeah, no doubt, man. He even orchestrated his own death. Give it up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow, you got a newfound respect for the guy actually. Damn. That he, is. He, he said he aced there, Solbro, for he, once. Hey, there An you amazing go. Amazing point. You're welcome. 
Oh my god. No, it's so he must have been doing some stuff other than TV watching in Street Fighter this last week. Soul Bro thinking introspectively. Oh, oh god. Jesus. Jeez. There's, no new, there's no new Capcom games right now. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Not not till November, right? Not till November fifteenth. <laughs> not, not till Ultimate. And, 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 and all the, and all these games that are coming out now. Why would I want to play them? I want to play oh. them. Gears or Uncharted. Or... I don't, I don't want to yeah. play that for a oh. Subway drink. No, but... Um, What's that? Eco and Shadow of Colossus collection for $25 at Best Buy on sale? No, I don't need that. Yeah. But you know what? Uh -huh. 40, 42 new colors for uh, uh, Street Fighter 4. I'm on it. $49.95. I got it. Oh, sweet God. I, I can have Ryu wear salmon. Not it's not pink, <laughs> but it's salmon. All right, en en yeah. enough, enough, of, enough about Soul Bro. Somehow it always gets back down to him. Every day. Such <laughs> a narcissist. Every, every day. For all of us who were not there at the time, could you talk about the Coliseum? Oh, whoa. All sit, right. Sit back uh, and relax, everybody. <laughs> to, to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi, never has there been a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> nice. It was... It was... The Coliseum was such a cesspool. It was such a bad idea. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Yeah, it started off as an innocent idea because I, I remember I used to read the Coliseum because it was just a collection of stupidity that was just unmatched. Um, and many ideas start off uh, rather innocently and then become something else entirely. So yeah. the Coliseum, the whole point of it was it was a centralized place to have uh, versus fights. You know, of say Zeta Gundam versus Freedom, because we were having these things pop up in the mecha form, and I didn't want them there, so I put them in the Coliseum. But it just quickly devolved into such stupid fanboy arguments. But you had people who were arguing things out of shows they had never even seen before, and very heated arguments too. Very like... heated arguments, and you know they got like ultra defensive about the characters, anything involving Kira. Oh my god! Damn. Well, that, you know, yeah, like it was Kira around that. Just destroy yeah. everything uh some people would like moonlight butterfly ends everything turn a wins yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, i think there was one particular poster that would do that every time there'd be something guy would come in and say moonlight butterfly turn a wins <laughs> we had to micromanage that forum so much because people would make such ridiculous arguments we would have to say stuff like uh turn a is completely banned mm -hmm. um <laughs> Just to try to make it work because the arguments there got so nasty. And unfortunately, the nastiness in that forum spread out to the rest of Mecha Talk. Turn A was... a visible impact. Turn A was broken tier? <laughs> Pretty much. God tier so Mech. It just well, got was, so nasty, I, I, especially when it was any debate between, mm -hmm. like, a seed mech and yeah. a UC mech. Because oh, 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 oh. you got to remember, this was around the time that seed was on. Mm -hmm. so well, it, it was after Destiny. A little after, oh, yeah, wow. but, it, you know, but still, it was, it was still fresh in everyone's mind, so... It just got really dumb, and I decided this... This thing is like a cancer, and if we don't kill it, it's going to spread to it everything got, else. It got so ridiculous that they they even had a versus thing. I forget what the other mech was, but it was the tripods from War of the, the Worlds. Tripods from yeah, from War of the Worlds. <laughs> so it's like even they got it there, and I forget what they went against. Uh, but Bright's, I just remember Bright's chair from Shars Counterattack. No, 
Bryce's chair. But I don't know if Bryce's chair was even mentioned in hey, it. Man. But that, that always wins. So stupid, and I put it out of its misery and deleted it. And that was one of the best things I ever did because that form was just oh, a really man. bad idea. I only wish you archived it. <laughs> I'm glad I did. And I, I will say this. Thank. And that was something that people requested having that area. Thank God I never relented on all of the bitching because people wanted to discuss politics and religion. Ooh, uh, that would be, that would be a <laughs> that would be a quagmire. Uh, here's one for Sobro. Oh no. <laughs> Do you think Ryu should settle down with Chun Li, have a few kids, and stop all this wandering warrior jazz? You know this is never going to end, Arbiter. He's he's gonna he's gonna walk the planet like like Kang from Kung Fu. But if he had to settle down with any lady from the Street Fighter universe, it's gonna be Sakura. God, God gun damn it. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because I think he I think he's got more of a thing for Ken. I, oh, of course you would say that. Of course you would. No, man. Of course he hooks up with Sakura, man. Um, there's a there's a there's an ending in um in Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter. It's it's a joke, but um you see uh, Sakura as a as a middle aged woman and she has a kid that looks suspiciously like Ryu. So you never know. You never know. But um that is that is my candidate right there. You're welcome. All right. Then basically I'm just gonna walk the earth. What you mean walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. So you decided to be a bum? I'll just be Jules, Vincent. No more, no less. No, Jules. You decided to be a bum. Just like all those pieces of shit out there who beg for change, who sleep in garbage bins, and eat what I throw away. They got a name for that, Jules. It's called a bum. And without a job... A residence or legal tender, that's what you're going to be, man. You're going to be a f- hey. bum. Look, my friend, this is just where you and I differ. Got some. Coffee. Jules, look, what happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. Hey. Talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. I'm going to take a shit. Let me ask you something. When did you make this decision? When you were sitting there eating that muffin? Oh, yeah. I was sitting there eating my muffin and drinking my coffee and replaying the incident in my head when I had what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. Well, go right. for it, sir. What's your questions? Um, well, just, uh, you know how before the Double O movie we had the whole uh, Gundam needs more aliens? So uh, we finally got those. So mm -hmm. what's the next big thing for Gundam? What's the new thing that we all need in our... Gundams now. <clears throat> An adult mm. cast. No babies. Grizzled <laughs> <laughs> um, old men fighting in dirty GMs. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Gears of Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Time travel? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh my God. If if that ever ended a Gundam series, I don't know what I'd do with myself. Sexeroids. Uh, That's se what we need in Gundam. There you go. I guess, I guess the only other one you could have would be the the true, true, you know, the holy grail. Everybody always talks about the true female pilot, the female lead, not you know, not like the girlfriend of the of the lead or anything like that who ends up piloting. So um, the, the, the chick who gets the hand me down. Yeah, pretty much. Plot armor to go with it. Yeah, CM machine. <laughs> plot, plot armor removed when. Uh, yeah. When this Gundam was handed me down to you, yeah, <laughs> and I lose all I lose all my normal senses once I get it because um, I, I'll get out there in a battle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that'd probably be the biggest one um, I would think is 
uh, with the alien sexeroid as a pilot, everyone's happy. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Because <laughs> with the with the alien one, even though we had the double O movie, that's fine. But we really haven't even explored all that they could probably do with the whole alien thing, anyways. I mean, the, the you know the things out on a uh, age, we don't know what that's going to be. But mm. which, my opinion, and I think Chris has said this too. It, I think we're going to get into descode on that one. So oh, the fact that people don't know and assume that they're aliens, I think almost guarantees it'll be humans. Yeah, it's it's going to be that whole thing. But I, I would probably say the the whole the whole girl pilot, girl actual girl lead. You know, so but cool. I don't know Oops. what these guys say. Do you uh, do you have another question? Um, sort of. Yeah, is uh, too early to call Cerberus man for rage or? Uh... No, it's 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 clear who that man is. Oh, he does. <laughs> it's it's uh, Dick or or DK or however the hell you say his name because in yeah. one mere episode he instantly made himself a Cerberus man with the Hey, GM Liam. Maybe we shouldn't go in there. You know, it's dangerous. We should go evacuate like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Emily. Where are you going, Emily? You can't do that. Oh, no, you can't go into the battleship. Emily, oh, what are you doing? Oh, that looks dangerous, Emily. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally uh, a Sopros man. Yeah. As someone said in the chat, he is now, that his his legend, Dick's, Dickie's legend, is going to be the uh, the legend of Sir Gawain. <laughs> yeah, he, uh... <laughs> Yes, I can clearly see that right now. No doubt. <laughs> no, I, 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 the jury's out on, on, on Dick, but um. No, the jury, the verdict came in. The I, verdict uh, came in at the end of episode two. I hate yeah. you all. <laughs> hey man, always, always, always blame yourself on this. You can appeal you know. if you want, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I thought Solbro's man could actually be decided by Solbro. <laughs> I was mistaken. Your, 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 uh, your appeal will be rejected. By the Anime Supreme Court and by Anime Antonin Scalia. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Well, I, I I have no comment then. <laughs> you, again, you only have yourself to blame for this. Pretty Don't much. Cry, cry us the river about uh, King Arthur and Solbro's men. So no, no. <laughs> you, know, you know, Chris, I, I like guys like Solbro and Jabman who who act like um, oh, we, know, they're getting they're getting picked on, even though they're the ones that instigated the whole thing that they're getting razzed about. I make one mistake. <laughs> hey man, and, and I and I pay for it for eighty seven episodes. Yeah, sweet deal. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> You let the beatings sound, continue. You, yeah, but you made it sound like it was just one instance hey, that I, brought that up. Dude, you sat man. there for episodes, kept telling me and Chris, <laughs> this is a crossroad, man. He's man. coming King up. Arthur coming up. I, um, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> we're like the stupid ghost. But anyway. Snoops, uh, I think more thank you it. very much for your questions, especially that second one. What would be your next question? My next question, this is to directly you, Soboro. If uh, Doc Brown came to you and with the DeLorean said, all right, you got two choices. You can either save Emma or Haman Khan. Which one will you save? Oh. oh this is a no-brainer guy. Uh, man, He's going to pick Emma. I'm going to pick Emma, yeah. I, I got to say. Cause... Actually, you should have said Emma or Ryu. Oh. <laughs> oh. Actually, yeah. you could go back in time and say Capcom because they're on fire for everybody at this point. Yeah, but it, so is so is Warner Brothers for uh, all the DLC that's in uh, you, you Batman in Arkham City. You can, you can save <laughs> Mega Man Legends three or Ryan. Oh. Hey, that's hey hey hey. That's what I would do. I would go back and save Legends. <laughs> It'll never happen. I know. Oh. 
Oh, poor legends. Yeah. Emma Sheen, most definitely. Um, Haman, as much as I like her, she, she did some dastardly deeds. So I, 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 I if anything, she's got her tone for that. Done dirt cheap. Yes, indeed. <laughs> with, with ACDC playing in the background. And but they Chris both, they both kind of died <laughs> stupidly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they have that in common. Space madness. Space madness. I just jump in the DeLorean Gundam and save Emma. There you go. <laughs> Fold out rain doors and everything. Exactly. <laughs> and the last one in this batch, uh, Mr. Dustin. Hey. You're up. Hey. Uh, I don't even know if this has ever been discussed on your show, uh, but I don't even, I guess you could say this is a sort of a round table discussion perhaps one day, but I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys are well aware of the Deadliest Warrior show on Spike TV. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I don't know if it could ever be applied to anime shows. Uh, like, for instance, like, if you would ever get into a roundtable discussion of, like, you know, who would win if you tear uh, down everything. Sounds like, like the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This just sounds like the Coliseum. Because you're going to be like, uh, what is it, uh, Shinsen Gumi versus uh, the Titans or something. You know? I wasn't thinking anything that ridiculous. It was more like, you know, like the Gilgamesh Federation from Votoms would pair against the Xeon Army from Gundam. Or, like, for Special oh. Forces, you got, like, the Special Security Force from Angel Cop versus the AD Police or something. <laughs> Moonlight Butterfly wins everything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Moonlight Butterfly. Moonlight Butterfly. Yeah. Moonlight Butterfly wins. Then it really? would be like the Coliseum. <laughs> Jesus Yamato wins. Well, if there were any, any of the shows I mentioned, then I guess you could always state that. I don't know, but I guess if I, for, what, for my example, then it'd be like Chirico. <laughs> Chirico versus Universe. Chirico wins. <laughs> I could, hey, I could get ridiculous and say, oh, Goku versus Kenshiro or something, but that's not even really compared fair. I hey, don't. If we think. had, you know, Martian Pods versus. Um, I forget what that. I forget what it went against, but yeah, something or other. So. <laughs> I think, I think in the end, probably Moonlight Butterfly killed him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you never know. It's a possibility. If, if we're drunk enough and desperate enough for a topic, we might jump into it. Pretty much, yes. If you can somehow jack the computer system from the show and, like, spend months calculating everything from the cartoons, and then be my guest. No, we're just going to be Or just kind of guesstimate everything, you know, whatever. What, what is this mech fantasy football? <laughs> Collecting stats and putting them all up against each other. Well, I, I guess that oh, man, the nerd in me, almost wants to gravitate towards that, but I gotta, I gotta stave off. Well, I mean, the show's going towards that whole like zombies versus vampires bullcrap, and I was like, come on. Oh my god. So, yeah, it was like the final season or whatever is what they did, and they had like the Romero zombies versus like the Twilight vampires. I was just like, this is stupid. Yeah, Ro then Romero zombies win all. <laughs> <laughs> Because they, well, uh, they, they would scuff, they would, they would mark the faces up those old twinkly blasters. That show didn't. Highlight. That show didn't just jump the shark; it jumped the mega shark. Man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's keep it moving. So, thank you all, gentlemen, for your questions. And Solbro is going to move us on to the next batch. No thank problem. you, gang. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Good work. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. So, 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 so,
This segment of Gundam at MHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. And for this topic, we're going to be discussing the question that is at the top, at the forefront of everyone's minds ever since June when a certain announcement came. Mm-hmm. How is Babby formed? <laughs> <laughs> and by Babby, I mean Gundam for Babby. Mm-hmm. And by Gundam for Babby, I mean Gundam Age. Oh. Or Baby Gundam. Yes. Little infants. They're uh, piloting mobile suits, saving the world. Because who wants to see kids pilot mobile suits? Oh, my God. Madness. Madness, I say. But anyway, here we are reviewing a uh, Gundam show as as it airs against our better judgment. Yeah. But it's been a long time since we did Double O, and we've learned from our mistakes. Mm. So we're not going to give litanies about uh, the plot of these shows as we discuss them because... We assume either you've watched it already, if you're listening to this, and if you haven't, well, too bad. And if you want more detailed stuff, just read my damn reviews. There you go. MHQ.net, gang. So we're just going to hit up quick bullet points with each episode and then get right into our thoughts about that episode. So What about what about Solbo guarantees? Are there going to be any in this, this episode? You might be surprised. I, I can't guarantee... Any Solbro guarantee? I can neither confirm nor deny the presence of Solbro guarantees. It is not the policy of MHQ. Possible deniability, huh? To to endorse Solbro guarantees in any way, shape, or form. If you are not the intended recipient of this email, please delete it immediately. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. We'll see indeed. So, (laughs) the first episode we're talking about is the first episode. episode, and that is entitled. The Savior, Gundam. So quickly, we've got this kid, Flit Asuno, whose mom was killed by burning rubble in typical baby fashion. Mm-hmm. And she gives him this uh, cell phone. Not a cell Maya. phone. Maya the, cell phone. The age device, which has the blueprints for a Gundam. Right. And this is all due to an unknown enemy called the Unknown Enemy attacking Federation space colonies in the good old advanced generation universe. So seven years later, Flit lives on this space colony called Nora, and he's working with the military to develop the Gundam based on the specs in the age device, and his happy existence comes to an end when the UE suddenly attack Nora, and he's forced into action using the Gundam Age 1, and there's your first episode. Mm. Oh, all right. (laughs) So... Sobro, give us uh, your comments on this first episode. Good and bad, but of course, more good since we are excessively positive about everything on this show. And, Wait, e- and, e- and even your bad comments have to have good in them. Well, damn. Yes. Well, well, you guys know this was the worst episode ever, man. And by one, worst, do you mean best? By, by worst, I mean yes. best. You know, because he had the bread in his mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy I can't, shit. I was going to go there, and I can't believe you went there. But go on. Holy shit, man. How dare he? How dare he have bread in his mouth? No, um, what I, a I, I, I remember hearing that I was uh, that was part of the backlash, and it's like I've never heard anything so stupid in my life. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I liked about this debut episode is that the Gundam got to make its dramatic entrance and actually do something, unlike yeah. the first episodes of both Seed and Destiny. Yeah, where they just show up and it's like, oh, episode two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh wait, you wanted the Gundam to do something. Oh no! You won't get it to do anything. Yeah. Wait, wait till episode two to see it do something. 
Be back in one week. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Will Kira or Shin, will they save Will they save their friends with the brand new Gundam? Stay tuned for next episode. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, the mobile suit design is pretty decent so far. The age, yeah. to my eyes, is sort of like the love child of the Mark II and the Exia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, they had a romp. They had a romp about nine months ago. The, uh, the Genoese is certainly exudes the image of the useless GM, but it does manage to look pretty different. Yeah. Uh, the enemy mecha are pretty neat looking. You know, you got freaking dragon mobile suits, which is not something that we've seen before. That's true. So that is pretty new. I definitely like the fact that, you know, we have this unknown enemy that for 14 years humanity has been fighting against and don't even know who they are or what they are. Yeah, it's pretty cool. A lot different, a lot different than most Gundam. Yeah, we, yeah, we, where it's just usually the angry space people versus Earth. Yeah, we, <laughs> it's it's it's. I think this is the first time we have a faceless enemy in a TV series where you're not introduced to their side right off the bat like you were in most other series. Um, that that it it, it makes it pretty ominous, and I I do dig that about the show. Yeah, and hell, until the horrible double O movie last year, we never even had a faceless enemy in Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, there was double there was always there was always some human connection or something even if you go back to g with the devil gundam you had you know master asia and kyoji as the unwitting pilot and rain and all that stuff you had some human face to that faceless enemy exactly but here so far there is no face so that makes it more interesting however as i said in my review the fact that some people within the context of the show think that the ue are aliens almost guarantees that they won't be so i fully expect some kind of like nadesco situation oh we're getting nadescoed huh hell yeah man bows and jumping (laughs) yeah Oh well, I mean, it, it bad from bad to worse, man. It just keeps getting worse. I mean, and by yeah. and by worst, you mean better and betterer, right? Oh, exactly. No, I, um, you know, I, with some of the faults that I, I felt like in the in the first episode, some of the things that were kind of missing, this one starts off pretty well. Um, you know, you, I, I like the whole thing of the you know the two different militaries or the two different agencies, like having issues and, and, and Jimu and Mark II actually saying, you know what, screw you. We're going to save all these people because they could have just left them. And, you know, that whole thing of getting them all, uh, you know, saved. And then, of course, all of the uh, the weirdness with Tifa Mark II. I, I, I agree with you. I'd like to know kind of what's going on there because I don't remember hearing anything mentioned about new types possibly being in this uh episode or in the show or not so i mean maybe she is a new type who knows maybe telepath i don't know so it'd be interesting how they're going to kind of approach that topic you know and then like you said in 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 grand glorious fashion killing the first gaffer with the dots rifle there so um and i can't wait to see what other new uh violent and destructive and uh very super robotish um weapons are going to be coming out of the old printer there because uh perhaps a bulky boxing upgrade for the Gundam maybe or maybe a lightweight sort of like ninja upgrade I don't know I'm just guessing here but who you know. knew so so you don't skip through the opening do you uh, <laughs> no I don't look at any magazine scans in advance of anything not at yeah. all I've, I've never heard of anything called Spallow or Titus it means mm, nothing to me not too, but... spoilers Spoilers, huh? But yeah, I I think uh, I think for an episode two, it was a good episode. Uh, it, you know, you got a little bit more action. You, you get to see a little bit more of Flit, and you know how he's he's kind of adjusting to his role. You know, the whole thing with the complete trust that he gave this girl as she came in, 
and you know which you know basically saved his life i mean without him without her i don't know how well he would have done against uh the the rest of the gaffers there so as uh, uh as, as she came in and sat uncomfortably on his lap uh, yeah because <laughs> I mean, he is 14 after all so i'm sure yeah. i'm sure he's, he's thinking things that 14 year olds would think of <laughs> Well, you never know, though. I mean, the heat of battle, it's, uh, well, I guess maybe 14. Yeah, who knows, but... He's, he's waist-deep in puberty right now. Poor guy. Oh, I already know who Soul Bros Man is. We're going to call this the legend of Sir Gawain. <laughs> <laughs> Props to whoever said that, because that shit was funny. Well, um... I, what part of the round table, though, would, uh, would DK sit at, though? Because, you know, you know King circle. Arthur, the yeah, Kisachi would be at the head, you know? The one that's closest to the exit, so he can run away the fastest. <laughs> the at the uh, the the Cousay Buzzkirk Memorial exit. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Crossroad, I gotta go poopy. I'll be right back. Awesome. Um, <laughs> this, this episode. Cousay Buzzkirk Memorial. <laughs> yes, in in memory of. Uh, Cousay yeah. uh, brilliantly trying to escape from Gin Bridge death. That would have not accomplished anything while everyone else stood firm against the tide and waited for Kira to sink. In memory of in memory of that trail of pee he left behind. In memory of, of a level of cowardice never before seen. And actually scoffed at by a a sixteen year old girl going, Oh my god. Somehow seed comes back into the pitch. It always does. Get in the suit and start fighting people, but now he has to fight people in space. When he gets sucked out and he's having to deal with the fact that you know enemies are coming at you from 360. So, which is pretty damn amusing that he gets sucked out and immediately and haplessly just crashes into a gaffron. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually that was actually pretty cool because you never really see that. Usually they're always you know they get sucked out and they're spread apart, but the fact that he gets sucked out goes right was... into the enemy. It's like damn. <laughs> It's like, man, this kid's got some shitty luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can never uh, get enough of how are you going to escape from the exploding colony or the, you know, the quickly depressurizing colony. So, um, you know, it's almost that's a Gundam staple. There were there were a couple of times there that I thought we were going to get some mother and child action, but we oh, were yeah, yeah. They, we were they, we were just teased though. It was kind of like girls uh, with teddy bears and yeah, I was like, oh man, the girl oh with mother, teddy bears, and child. she's gonna die. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I got Ozmud. You know? <laughs> it's just, uh... Soul bro. Well, um, yes, um, I, I gotta agree. Uh, the White Wolf is a great character. Um, of course, uh, at the end of episode three, he's waking up like this is Apocalypse Now, saying he smell he loves to smell the battle in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> he he goes. He, I, don't, he wakes... I, I don't know how you can smell anything through re recycled air in space. You know? especially, especially when you're waking up from Ripley sleep. Yeah. <laughs> He goes in the shower, puts on his Liz Claiborne, steps out like nothing had happened, completely missed the battle, and he's just got this um, he's got this disposition where you know uh, it, 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 he's hitting on ladies, and it, it, he's just he's just that oddball character. I'm glad that's in the show because um, you know he comes out quite dickish in the beginning, and I, I guess because of his experience, he rightfully wants the Gundam. He even goes to the captain, and you know, the captain he's, says, he's the "Sure, ace. He's, he's he is the he is yeah. the ace. He's he is the qualified guy." So you almost think that uh, that Flit's going to lose his suit, but then they have this little challenge, and Flit shows off more potential, and then uh, things go terribly wrong when they. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> With it's paintballs. It's time to costume. Sweet DLC, yes. baby. 
out my pocket. Anyway, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was it's, it's a great, it's a great run so far, and I, I, I can't wait to watch more. All right. Well, I have to say, for a, a series that's doing sort of the standard beginnings with some differences thrown in, at this point, four episodes in, it's catching my attention more than C did yeah. four episodes in about a ten, ten years ago. So that's that's something. You know, the different character designs they don't bother me. They kind of have a sort of retro Matsumoto-ish look to them, which is interesting given our next topic it's whimsical but it works and there's a lot there's a lot of different variations with the characters in this and they don't all have same too. face syndrome so yeah, yeah. They, they all don't suffer from hirai disease Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you're never to confuse uh dk for for flit because no, no, i'm not gonna go into the gun this gun scares me emily emily Sorry. This really is going to be a long year. One more for the road. Oh, this is nothing. He's just getting started. You know, I wonder, given that the pace this is going, you know, this is already sort of going the pace as if this story was going to last 50 episodes, and we don't know how long this is going to last. Assuming that the whole show only lasts 50 episodes, that means that on average we're going to have maybe 16 to 17 episodes per generation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to see the story start speeding up from this point, or if we're just going to have massive narrative jumps. So that, that's something we're just going to have to watch for. And it's got my attention. You know, I, I reserve judgment, as I stated in the first time we talked about this. And it paid off because I'm not raging about it like some idiot fanboy. And it's not perfect, and it could turn out to be crappy, and they may not be able to carry out this gimmick of the three generations. But so far, it's got my attention, and I want to see more. It's it's not a chore to watch it. I mean, you know, obviously, I'd be watching it anyway because I have to review it and talk about it right now. But it doesn't feel a chore to watch like Seed and Destiny did at times. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully it keeps that pace up. Uh, if we have the same enjoyable experience we had when watching Double O when watching this show, that's that's the least that I can ask for. And that uh, wraps up this uh, opening segment discussing the first four episodes of Gundam Age. We'll be doing it in batches like this in the future. I'm I'm sure with uh, a lot more DK, either for good or for ill. Oh. And and let the rage begin after this. So I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure this will add some pages to the I hate Gundam thread on the M boards. So keep it coming. Yeah. So. Quiet black guy, you're too charismatic. Oh my. Well that wraps up this segment. We'll be right back in a bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> this next one I think is uh, right up Soul Bros Alley. Mm. It's from Animalia, who says I was originally drawn to Saji Crossroad for the reason that it seemed they were spending a lot of time developing a character that was a non-combatant, so it appeared to me that they were setting him up for something in the second season. <laughs> Boy, I couldn't have been more wrong if I predicted that the Cubs would win 10 World Series in a row. <laughs> that being said, do you have any idea at all what the directors were trying to do with him? Because I am not sure if I even have a clue. No, I have no idea. <laughs> because... My view of, of Saji Crossroad for, for almost as long as he's been around has been polluted by the idea of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. So I cannot discuss uh, him in any objective, uh, critical, literary way. Wow. Well, um, that, yes, that's just a cop-out. Well, I've got to thank uh, Katie White at the, um, at the Facebook page because she had asked a question. When did the whole madness with King Arthur um, start in the first place? And I actually went back and looked. To Episode see, one. 
No, no, not e- not even. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was hyping or like, him up. Uh, yeah, you I were. was hyping him up, but um, in all well, truth, I watched this guy. Watch this guy. I watched this they're guy. Sh- they're showing him a lot. Something's up with this guy. He's gonna go you. places. I tell you, he's, <laughs> he's gonna go big. He's gonna be somebody, son. It's, it's the legend it's, of King Arthur unfolding. I'm telling you. It's the biggest. It's the biggest cry wolf segment ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, I had to. She had asked um where it was, and I went back and looked, and I found it. Um, when we actually talked about the the comparison of his uh his story arc with the Legend of King Arthur, when I actually said, I said, don't say we. I said, I. That, that that was back in the times when me and Chris were very quiet about this because we thought it would just go away, but it never did. To quote myself, the Arthurian legend, that's what I literally said. Yes, it was way... I could never forget. It now, I have, way... a, I have a separate question for you, Solbro. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'll, maybe I should submit this in the mailbag real quick. But, sure. Um, now that you listen to it again, do you realize how ridiculous you sound? <laughs> Is there a point that you say, you know what, I really did kind of, I really did stick my foot in my mouth on this one? And I, and I, and I had toenail for lunch. Um, man. To, to an extent. I mean, I know you're going to be delivered. I know I know you're going to try to be like, uh, you're going to try to be, you know, keep some pride on you. But, you know, is, is there like 50% chance that you're sitting there saying, <laughs> you know what, I really did put my foot in my mouth with this? I mean, it was conjecture at the time, but I and I, I, and I, and I, I honestly, do deserve all the ribbing that I've received for this I, for and, the last few years. And I will, and I will, and will continue the, to receive until the end of my time. But until um, you die, <laughs> and even then, we will bring it up when on your on your grave. Nice, nice. This man thought that Saji would be King Arthur. <laughs> That'll be on my tombstone. Um, but, no. Um, when I when pepperoni. I said it, <laughs> not pepperoni. <laughs> Nice one, nice one. That was quick. <laughs> but yeah, um, he he. I I guess it was a clear cut case of me projecting my own thoughts and hopes on onto him and you thinking think, that huh? they were actually going to do something cool like that, like build him up, like introduce him early on, kind of like what they did with Graham, where Graham showed up pre mask in the first season. Yeah, but and, Graham and, and was a pilot. Up. Yeah, I know. I know that. It's military. <laughs> But I, I thought that so maybe a little was... dorky kid that was getting pushed around by his girlfriend and his her mother, and who was his only dream was to deliver pizzas and things. Now I would have never predicted that uh, out of the two, uh, him out of him and Louise, Louise would have been the one that became the pilot, and he would have been the one that still would have been on the sidelines for so the long. Chump delivery boy, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, I still enjoy Saji as a character. I thought, uh, I thought that. Of course, um, you have to. He's one. Uh, he's your original man. He is my original man, but at the same time, I I, I, I like that his development went the way it did. Um, I would have much preferred him to become more of an active player, but you know, you, you just you can't get everything you want in life. But um, yeah, it's by the way, just just so I can let people know, it was in episode seven, at, at twenty nine minutes and two seconds into <laughs> episode seven. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to listen to this too. Cause Cause I haven't listened to that since you know yeah. four years ago. Oh, no doubt. I mean, this is, this is rustic Gundam. <laughs> more like rusty Gundam. No doubt. <laughs> Way back at episode seven, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you skipped that episode and haven't listened to it, go ahead and take a trip back down memory lane. So now to, um, I guess to close before we close off double uh, O discussion for this month, I guess we're gonna have to talk about Saji. So especially in episode twelve. Uh, so Adam, do you want to tell us about uh, yeah. your man Saji? Oh, yes, my man Saji. He's, he's winning. He's winning them over. He he won. He won the opposition. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds, man. He turned the other cheek with pizza. <laughs> 
With ML- what, the crazy and, and, and mother? Especially, especially since we're coming into MLK Day. Just want to let you know that Saji Crossroad has taken that that doctrine and just run with it, and you know he oh, made that a dream. He made that dinner. Yeah, he has a dream of um of, of just of just you know being cool. Well, here's my theory. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. I <laughs> I just I just hope I just hope that you're correct that he, he is going to be some part of the it, story because me, it sure me, is not becoming that way. It, to me, it's like the Arthurian. It's, it's, it's the Arthurian legend, pretty much. I mean, if King Arthur was wasn't <laughs> Jack Arthur. in the beginning. I mean, granted, oh, I don't expect to become king. Oh, man. But you know, he started off. What, with what, what's your yeah? What's, what's, what's your take on this, Chris? Here, Chris, <laughs> it, it's something I, that I, occurred to me while uh, making a post in the Double uh, O thread on MechaTalk mm-hmm. uh, about what exactly is the point of of Osaji? Because Kinue, she at least has a point. She's investigating celestial being and she's trying to track them down. Right. Exactly. So the thought occurred to me because you know he said to her a few episodes ago, "I wonder what our parents would think if they were alive." I said to myself, well, what if they are alive? Right. Because we've got this thread that Kinoe is investigating of scientists who have disappeared over the last 200 years. Correct. What if um, Saji's parents, who we know nothing about, were maybe actually important people and maybe they faked their deaths to go off and be part of Celestial Being and maybe they are alive and are with Celestial Being right now and we haven't seen right. them. That would be one hell of a, um, one hell of a plot twist. That, 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 that I actually think would be more plausible at this point than him joining the fight because yeah. that guy... That it especially occurred to me after the Revenant Felt's parents were Gundam Meisters. Yeah. I thought, well, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, Saji's and Kinue's were because, as she mentioned, it's very secretive. All she knows is that they died. She doesn't even know how they died. Right. She just knows that they're dead. So, you know, I, that got me to thinking, well, maybe Saji and Kinue's parents are uh, part of celestial beings. Yeah. It's and if they are, then that would make the... That would make Saji at least relevant. I suppose it would, unless, you know, his sister's the relevant point, and she may end up becoming another victim, and then he may stand up then. I, I don't know. I mean, granted, she's investigating he can't even stand up. To, he can't even stand up to Luis's mother. Well, he has a different, he has a roundabout right. way about it. I mean, he could be, he could be confrontational. Pizza. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> he could be confrontational and, and, and you know, end up being permanent enemies, or he could do, uh. you know, he could take the other route. You know, uh, anyway, that, that's, that's run yes. off into other, um, other venues that, you know, We'll save for another time. He's but, slowly um, becoming the worst part of the show. Awesome. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> okay, that's enough of Saji Crossroad for this one. So but, um, yeah. we've had we filled our quota. But um, anyway, um, that is that brings our double O segment to an end. Um, in in about a month, we'll have another four episodes reviewed. Um, episode 13 just premiered this uh, weekend, so uh, we'll get to checking that out this week. But uh, thank you, um, thank you for joining us on this segment, and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Ashley Hyde. All right. Next, we have some questions from the Gatekeeper. Oh, oh all right. About gatekeepers. Who says first the goose <laughs> didn't call Silver Real Rock guy? I did. Well, you guys, you guys settled that out in the field of battle, then. Oh boy. Yes. Hey, can you guys wait here a sec? There's something I need to take care of. And what's worse, second season of Big O or second season of Double O? Ooh, that's an easy one. (laughs) 
we're going to be talking about is episode six, The Light and Shadow of Fardane, mm-hmm. which opens with the most unintentionally hilarious line ever in Gundam. <laughs> I can't believe a little kid piloted the Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I guess he never saw victory, <laughs> or or the or looked, fourteen or looked, other, or looked in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> I actually had to do a double. I actually had to rewind it when he said that. <laughs> Talk about a lack of self awareness. <laughs> There's something wrong with my uh, my translations here. <laughs> And Grodek, he's meeting with a shady arms dealer named Don Boyage <laughs> because he wants to buy a couple of battleships to go attack the UE. And in exchange, he's offering to give Boyage access to a secret Federation weapons database, which is even shadier than what any- anything he's done up to now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, straight grimy. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he he definitely got a little. He definitely got dirty on this one, and it, it's going to be one person at a time, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, also the the Federation, they must be pretty shitty at enforcing their treaties. Yeah, uh, that's that's the big thing there. Because when they when they had a flashback to the, the to that civil war, it made it seem like it was on a much bigger scale. But then you you see these penny ante antics between the two sides um, on, on in this colony, and it, it makes it seem a lot less. Uh, well, I lot- think it was big scale. It's- it's yeah. just that now these are just the sad descendants. Kind of like, you know, all of the sad Neo Zeon that just can't get the clue and go away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, pretty much. I just got to keep coming back for more. It's definitely a shadow of its former self, then. <laughs> but, you know, if that treaty, that peace treaty, was supposed to create peace in the colonies and ban mobile suits, mm-hmm. then very clearly the Federation has failed because <laughs> yeah. mobile suits they're are a dime a dozen everywhere. Yeah, they're all over the place. I mean, even, even when little, um, you know, uh, dirty little construction guys have one. It's like you know, and and that's and that's why the announcer from Gundam Wing is a liar. After Colony One Nine Seven, peace has returned to the people, and from this point on in history, weapons called mobile suits, including the Gundams, were never seen again. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, he is. <laughs> But that's completely irrelevant here. So, so yeah, I can see what they were trying to do here, but the execution could have been better. It's a little, little too clunky, especially with the info dump about uh, the war in the past. So yeah. it could have done a better job with that. It's, it's definitely an average episode uh, when, when it comes down to that. i got to give it a 3-2. A 3 as well. I'm sorry. Got some new, new crap for you from the age system. Oh, nice. So in the meantime, you got poor Largan. Man, this guy... <laughs> This guy is just getting it bad. I feel bad for him. This guy's done one. so much because yes. in episode one, like his leg gets broken because he can't even get out of the hangar because the freaking uh, Gaffron was a spawn camper. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and now he's trying to fight a heavy mobile suit with his completely crappy, inadequate Genoace that has you know the, the little little piddling beam spray gun and a heat stick not even a beam saber but a heat stick which is utterly <laughs> useless yes. it looks like a it looks like a tent stake <laughs> it does look like a tent stake <laughs> like what's he going to build a tent <laughs> so then well, uh, didn't it, did not it get upgraded though didn't they say they upgraded it a little bit the the, uh, the j- explains how he managed to survive more than 10 seconds <laughs> 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 So then just as he's about to die, Flit shows up in the Gundam Titus. 
<laughs> oh, I thought I thought I thought it was the Gundam Age Maxter. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> I'm the best. <laughs> And he's like, hey, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> he does one punch, makes a heroic pose, and then end of episode. <laughs> and that was episode seven, Evolving Gundam. But anyway, mm-hmm. so Flit is fighting off the enemies, but there are too many. But thankfully, Wolf arrives to save the day in his new customized Gundam-looking white mobile suit with Wolf Ears, the g Exus. Yeah. And uh, he proceeds to slice and dice the enemy and list why his mobile suit is so awesome because it has beam sabers and it moves fast. And most importantly, he's the pilot. <laughs> it is so hilarious. I love the last part where it's just that pause and it's just like, because I'm the pilot. <laughs> Irreplaceable technology. <laughs> And he's got the coolest damn, uh, he's got the coolest logo on his friggin' shield, too. It's like, oh my god, this is just too cool. <laughs> it's like, once again, a, 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 another another mobile, regular mobile suit that's on par with the gun when it comes to looks. It's awesome. And then at the end, after the enemies defeated the, uh, the Zalaman that you would re- reluctantly agree to uh, join forces temporarily because they did fight together to... F- to uh, fight off the UE and they're like Run. don't expect us to be friends or anything <laughs> I still don't like you but I guess you're okay and, the, and that guy racked he must be related to uh, crazy uh, uh, glove guy in 0079 cause he, <laughs> cause he had that scene where he's like he's doing his glove there and they got the sound going I'm like he must be related, related to crazy uh, space Nazi guy in 0079 <laughs> All right, moving on. Next is Mr. Bushido, who says, After watching the second Frontier movie, I saw similarities between its ending and the Double O movie's ending regarding Alto and Setsuna. You know what I mean. Now, a friend of mine made the statement that Frontier was a much better movie than Double O because it was much smoother, which points out that he disregarded the fact that Frontier was given two movies and Double O only one. Mm -hmm. Seeing as how the Frontier movies were retellings and were given more legroom, how do you feel about this kind of statement after being compared to the Double O movie? I'm pretty sure something like this has been floating around. If you guys haven't reviewed the second Frontier movie, when you get to this question, you can skip it and get back to it after your review of the movie. Well, he posted this before we did review the movie, so but we didn't talk about this in that segment, so might as well do it here. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, Frontier had two movies to work with, and Double O only had one. That's it's a big difference. It's an extra two hours to work with. Plus. Overall, I found that even though Double O was a single movie, I thought its ending was better because mm. it pretty much addressed everything. Yeah. yeah, you didn't see like after the movie what happened to everybody, yeah. but you got enough, and you at least had that post-credits epilogue of um, Setsuna and Old Marina, which I think really summed up their entire relationship. You didn't have that in Frontier. You had Alto just going MIA and Cheryl in a coma with a hint that she might be waking up. Yeah. So I don't know how Frontier is smoother. Well, if you look at it at the standpoint that if um, if, if somebody got dragged to the theater to watch the Double O movie and hadn't watched the TV show, then they may have that kind of impression that the Double O movie is not, you know, it's it's not as fulfilling as if you've already invested time with these characters and whatnot. Unlike the the well, that's irrelevant because if you know, the Double O movie is not designed for just a general appeal as a movie. It's designed as the sequel to a TV series. So anyone who has not seen the TV series complains about the movie's ending. Their opinion is irrelevant because they don't have the necessary knowledge they need 
That's true. That's true. To watch the movie. Uh, well, I yeah, if that's the case, then um, I guess it is relevant. But um, the Frontier movies, they also had uh, the the luxury of, of not only being two movies, but also, you know, retelling the story. So, you know, they had that fallback. I suppose the double O having the hard job of actually bringing the whole series to a close. And I know the, the double O movie, to me, accomplished that. So, Well, I think, I think that it's kind of, in a way possibly apples and oranges with these um, movies because with the double double O, the focus on the relationships within it were always different than the focus of the relationships in Macross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, in gun and Gundam double O it's these people's relationships and how things affect them within the context of the society and the world that they're living in, as opposed to like Macross where it's like kind of, within those people's lives and then all the stuff around it's kind of ancillary you know it's kind of part of them getting to their you know what i'm saying i i don't know if i'm explaining this well enough or but it, it just seems like the gundam gundam double o it's like they respond and just like how gundam always is it's the response of what's going on in the world there's always a war there's always some type of crisis and the and it's those people interrelated within it where it's like in Macross, it's like Starcross lovers or something like that, and then there's all these other things kind of going along, along with you know going on around them. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think uh, and I, I think I do agree that Gundam Double O did a little bit better because you did get more of a you know more of a fulfillment of you know kind of a, fi- a final basis of what's happening with all these characters, especially the whole Setsna and marina thing when she's older i think i thought that was just that really just kind of made that movie even better for me so because i because it was always you know you always had what is what is their relationship and you see that yes they had an attraction to each other but it was always much more and that they really did understand each other so but that's just me well, I'd like to uh, thank everyone who's been supporting us this year, downloading the show, giving us reviews on iTunes, giving us comments on MechaTalk, mm-hmm. tweeting us comments, sending in voicemails. Uh, please continue to support us and our sponsors in the future so that we can keep uh, bringing you the show. And I, and I always want to keep the open invitation for interviews for Sir Bay <laughs> and the Admiral. I'm now going to add some more people. Right. Uh, Captain Cisco. There you go. And uh, Bill Clinton, President Bill Clinton. <laughs> so they always have an open invitation. I, I, I can understand Captain Cisco, but uh, what, what did Clinton do to uh, earn your admiration? He's, he's the man. Those <laughs> eight years. Neo's the, favorite president of all time. He is uh, <laughs> America's favorite president. So. Well, then, uh, the, o- the invitations are open, gentlemen. Happy the, holidays. These bastards would hate on Survey. Man, so. I, 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 Hey, he get us he get us listens, man. He get us downloads. Thank, I, I've got to extend my thanks to all our listeners as well. Uh, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Uh, please enjoy them, and uh, and thank you for supporting and downloading the show throughout the years, and supporting our sponsor, uh, Champ Sports, as well. Um, thank you for um, just just all the feedback on uh, all the different venues that we uh, provide information as well. And um, before we uh, close this episode out, also I'd like to uh, remind you to check out these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M A H Q dot net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam dot net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. 
a jack of all trades otaku podcast hosted by mahq and gundam's own chris guanche and our favorite pedal bear south pedro cortez and last but not least shinjuku station has a movie podcast shinjuku station at the movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com again uh, uh, uh check those sites out when you have time and um, shout-outs to the Gundam Nation, as usual, and the North American Gundam League. I saw you guys representing on, uh, on Wednesday it. Night Fights. Uh, there's actually a group of, uh, of uh, players of Gundam Wing Endless Duel, which was a fighting game on the Super Nintendo back in the day. They had a, they had a little tournament on Wednesday Night Fights, which is a stream from Level Up that uh, happens on Wednesdays. And they were rocking some uh, Gundam Wing Endless Duel. I got to give them props. The North American Gundam League. I, I, you're, you got a supporter in Sobo Ryu on Gundam. But... Um, other than that, I guess that's it for our final episode of 2011 here on Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. My Stephanie, you're a lively one, aren't you? Yes, you baked that pretty cake. Dren, isn't it past your bedtime? Sir, I can't sleep. Yeah, neither can I. The Trojan horse is still out there doing God knows what to our forces. The Trojan horse is still out there doing God knows what to our forces! Ah, Admiral Dozel. I see you can't sleep either, sir. Sha! I want you to tell me what you think of this! Think of what, sir? Shut up and watch! Sir, this is just a YouTube video. This is not just a YouTube video, you tuba-headed boob! I still don't see what the problem is. They've abridged us, Sha! A bridge? Like a causeway? Sir, I don't want to be a bridge. They sway back and forth and I get seasick. We've been shortened, truncated, chopped, made to fit in a teeny tiny box for comedic amusement. All because of you! What, sir, how could I be responsible for this? You fix this immediately or else I'll introduce you to my big Zam! Again, sir, that's disgusting. You shut your face hole! Ah. <sighs> Sir, what are you doing? Well, Dren, I am subscribing. Sir, the Admiral said... I am aware of what the Admiral said, Dren. At this time, however, if it upsets him this much, it must be worth watching. Yes, sir. Now then, Stephanie, let's get back to that pretty cake of yours. Sir, the cake isn't even done yet. Dren, sometimes there's more to this kind of programming than just the cake. I don't understand, sir. I don't expect you to, Dren. Sir, the cake is a lie. That may be, but those legs are not. Watch Gunted Ren Studios Mobile Suit Gundam Abridged, now with 33% more awkward! Check it out at www.youtube.com slash Studios. Dren, you're still here. Sir, can I have a bottle of warm? Ah, of course. You know, I don't think having warm Jaeger is the best way to fall asleep, Dren. You have your methods, and I have mine, sir. Ah, point taken, Ensign.